warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 284. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it Do we love it? Hey, let's race it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. Hey, Puddin', you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. But if I'm being honest, this show creeps me the fuck out. I toss it. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a leftover. No Jake this week. Uh, Jake would rather be here, but Jake was forced to work on a Saturday. I don't know if I should be saying that, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. But Jake is not here. He wishes he could be here. But I do have some guests this week. And uh, coming back on the show this week, we have uh, the queen of the leftover army, Rebecca Daling. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Always good to be back. The only reason I've got you on this week is because I wanted to mansplain a few things to you. Oh, boy. Can't wait. <laughs> I know. I just can't wait. I, you know, the only thing I love more than being mansplained to is being condescended to by men. I just look forward to it every day. Well, it's uh, <laughs> you're going to get an overabundance of it this oh, week. Oh, boy. Can't wait. All right. And <laughs> also want to introduce uh, our second guest on the show, uh, Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise Podcast. Dan Ramirez from the Heroes of Noise Podcast. Welcome back, Dan. What's happening, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I was uh, I was trying to add your podcast uh, to uh, the Podcoin app. Familiar with the old yeah. Podcoin app? The the app yeah. where you can earn prizes after seventy fucking years or whatever. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't know. I just do it anyway, the Podcoin app. But I, uh, I mistyped the name of your podcast. And uh, I, I want to thank you because I found um, my new favorite Idaho-based all-potato talk podcast, uh, the Heroes of Boise. So I want to thank you for that. <laughs> At least you didn't find herpes of noise. No, I did not find herpes of noise. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've mistyped that. I did look for Herpes of Boise, and that, that is a big podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot happening in Boise, apparently, so there's abundant herpes to be found. Oh, well, yeah, it's spreading around. What do you, what do you, what do you think Boise's like? Um, full of herpes, apparently. Like, yeah, full of herpes. 
about as fun as watching two flies fuck, I think is what it is. All right. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Dan, welcome back. Happy to have you. Thanks, sir. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. No iTunes reviews this week, people. Um, Jake likes uh, Jake likes to be around for the iTunes reviews, and I like having him here when we read them. So not going to do uh, the iTunes reviews. Uh, I did want to uh, wish uh, YL Terabishi uh, a 24th uh, uh, happy birthday. Pretty awesome. Oh, yay, Wael. We love you, buddy. I know. Great kid, man. Really, f- I call him a kid. He's a fucking man. Yeah. He's 24. <laughs> I just, you know, I, it feels like, you know, I, like when uh, him and Basil first started listening, like, Wael, it just felt like, you know, was it? God, that was so long ago. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, cool. he's always—he's still my little brother. Uh, I love you, Yl. You're still my little baby brother. Love you too, Yl. You're fucking awesome. I also—I want to thank—I um, want to thank uh, Chris Christofiak, uh, a dedicated listener, uh, for sending in a, a donation. So thank you so much, Chris. You're—you're you're awesome. You're very interactive on uh, on Twitter, and uh, he's gotten a few of his friends to listen to the show. Tells me about it, and that makes me very excited. I love it when people kind of like uh, spread the word. Of uh, the herpes of PCL, so thank you. <laughs> Never quite goes away. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I got I, I do want to read an email here from a longtime listener. Uh, used to he, he used to send a lot of emails back in the day, and I hadn't heard from him from him in a while. And I got an email from. It's always nice when they come out of the woodwork. You think they're gone. You think like people have stopped listening. You're like, what happened to so and so? And then all of a sudden. You get this email. I've gotten a lot of great emails lately. Uh, who did I get one from? Like today. I got one today from, and I want to thank this guy. Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. I don't know if you want me to give out your last name, Nathan. How did you sign your name here on this bit? Nah, I just, Nathan, thank you so much. I'm not going to give out your last name. But Nathan, thank you for the email. But I got one here from, uh, listener Johnny B. And uh, Johnny B says, Brian, it's been a long time since I've written, but I'm still listening and loving the show. Just wanted to give you some support over the Endgame episode controversy. The people criticizing you have no idea where this show came from and what it was like in the early days. Your dialogue with Dan West was mild compared to what went on uh, when it was just the original leftovers. I loved when you would throw it down and fight for your opinion. I was actually afraid Jake was going to up and leave a couple of times. That's the edge that makes this show different from all the others where everyone is just kissing, kissing each other's ass. Uh, keep your edge, man, and have a few beers. You put so much work into the show, you might as well be yourself and enjoy it when you are recording. The show is awesome. Some support from the left coast. So thank you, Johnny B. I'm so fucking happy that you're still listening, man. That's so cool. It's a, a great, great email. email. Yeah. yeah. Can we say that in unison next time? We, we should. We almost did there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think you did. Good. Yeah. I do have some really exciting news before we jump into the actual news this week. Uh, Pop Culture Leftovers has been approved as, uh, as a reviewer for Rotten Tomatoes. So I, uh, this was something that, uh, they opened it up to, uh, podcasts, uh, sometime last year. And uh, I sent off our application, did not hear back. And so I was just like, oh, well, looks like we got shot down or they didn't care or whatever. And uh, I got the email just yesterday that Pop Culture Leftovers has been approved uh, as a reviewer for Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, the process is, is I've set up my Rotten Tomatoes account. I've sent it off to Rotten Tomatoes publicist. Um, and then they are going to approve me as a reviewer. And we are going to have Pop Culture Leftovers reviewers on the site. So I've chosen, you know, 
four or five people to write reviews for us. Here's the thing, people. Um, I'm going to handpick people. Don't send, please do not send me an email or a tweet or a message asking to be a reviewer for PCL. This is, uh, you're going to put me in an awkward position. Okay. So don't do that. I will handpick people. And, uh, if this works out, I will open it up to more people in the future and I will handpick those people. But please do not send me a message or an email asking me to be a reviewer for Rotten Tomatoes because then things get awkward when I have to say yes or no. I just, it's just, I don't know, it's just an awkward thing, right? Don't you think? Wouldn't that be weird? Put you in a spot. Mm-hmm. Because if I, because I, I, you know, can't go approve it everybody. So let me handpick the people. So, um, and, um, so it's very exciting. Rebecca, um, you're going to be writing reviews. I am very excited. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. I, I am uh, super excited to be a part of this. Um, I love going to the movies, as you know. I mm-hmm. love watching, uh, kind of, uh, not obscure, but like kind of off the wall, offbeat movies sometimes, as much as I love watching big blockbusters. So I'm hoping to uh, get some reviews in for maybe some of those smaller films that people don't always see. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to, to, to start reading some of your reviews and everybody else's reviews. Um, so it's very exciting. I, uh, this is, I'll be honest with you, this, this whole Rotten Tomatoes deal is, this is something that I've wanted for a long time. I've never really publicly stated it. Um, I never try to publicly state real goals for the podcast because, I am a pessimist and I, <laughs> I don't feel like I, it's nice that we're starting to get things and starting to get some recognition. Um, it was nice that we were, are a finalist for the Scaricon thing. It was, it, it's nice when we are starting to get recognized for things. It's, it's cool, but I, I, um, I never publicly set goals because I <laughs> never think we'll achieve them. So this took six years. I'm hoping it's going to be worth it. Um, and I want to thank all of our, cause like, I don't feel like we hit this goal. I really feel like our listeners got us there. Cause it's, it's not me that made this possible. It's, it's really our listeners. We we're really nothing without you. Um, and that's, I mean, everything that this show is or ever will be is because of the people that listen to it. And that's like, that's from the heart. And I'm, I'm not saying that it's true though. It's fucking true. If people like, I, I don't think this podcast would be around if we didn't just, if we didn't have the interaction from all these wonderful people, people like Johnny B sending me the email and Nathan. And like, I've got some other emails, uh, Chris Kostofiak and, and Rebecca, like you started off just as a listener, you and your sister and Dan West started off the same way. And, yeah, absolutely. And 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 now you're part of this, and um, and it's just it's I don't know. I, it's not like I'm accepting a fucking Oscar here, people. And I don't get on here and try to make many speeches about like uh, some of the things that uh, that that we get we get. But this is this was a big one for me. I I, I wanted PCL. I've always tried to call it the People's Podcast, and I've tried to just bring people on the podcast, regular people. Uh, like-minded people, not, not all the time like-minded. Sometimes <laughs> you never know, like, um, but, um, good people. And, uh, I feel like, I feel like it, it it's happening in a way now, um, uh, that we're going to be able to put our voice out there a little bit more in, in these reviews. Cause like, I, I, I do feel like sometimes, and Rebecca and I, Dan, you might agree too. Like 
our our sometimes our reviews go a little bit against the critics' grain. You know what I mean? Sure. But you know what, man? You absolutely deserve this. Both you and Jake deserve this. You guys have been putting in hard work for six years. You have a fantastic show. You have built this great audience with these fantastic people that are all very, you know, like you said, for the most part, like-minded. But you completely deserve this. I wish you nothing but congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, too, like, you know, sometimes as as fun as, like, those late-night talk shows are to watch, like, uh, you know, uh Jimmy Fallon and, and, and Conan and, and all those guys, uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, you know, whenever they have like, you know, Hollywood people on, which is which pretty much every night, uh, it's, it's all very politically correct, right? Like everybody's always like, oh my God, such a great time filming that. Oh, we had, oh yes, we got along. Everything was great. And no matter how it was behind the scenes, like you could have hated that person, but they're not going to get on the show and say that. I feel like this podcast is the show that if they could get on here and be like, I fucking hated my co-star. They were an asshole 24 seven to me. <laughs> this is that show. Like this is the show that you can get on and disagree and say, I didn't like this movie. I know I'm in the minority. I know the critics are like you know screaming the praises of this film from the rooftops i it didn't work for me and here's why and and i feel like you know people might defend their positions um you know quite uh passionately but at the end of the night when we hit stop on that record button we have a good laugh yeah over everything that we've said and on our breaks we joke about stuff that we said (laughs) and at the end of the day I look forward to recording the next time with you guys. So, and I wouldn't do that if I didn't feel that this was the show to come on and be honest about stuff. So, yeah, man, this is awesome. Congratulations. And you know what? Thanks to all the listeners who helped you get to this point. I think that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm so glad that you're a part of it. I'm so glad that all of our listeners are a part of this. And it feels like, um, you know, and I want to thank all of our listeners for all the interaction. And if I don't get back to you, each and every one of you, I just want to thank you for still just reaching out. And um, don't worry. I've read those tweets. And, and thank you. And you guys are fucking awesome. Hi, Hee How the fuck are you doing, buddy? There you are, buddy. There's, that's my cat, everybody, making a cameo appearance. He's like the Stan Lee of my kitchen. <laughs> he's always there <laughs> he's always there god damn it stanley i miss him i fucking i'm not kidding you i found i read today that uh stanley did not get a chance to watch endgame oh i know man i read that too that's terrible yeah that broke my heart oh god that broke my heart that he couldn't see certain iconic scenes yeah. on the on the big screen uh, yeah. that that really broke my heart yeah yeah oh man just you know, I, I feel like uh, the last few years of his life living, you know, after his wife passed away, I'm glad that there were good people around him. But, man, that, that fucking uh, Kia Morgan guy, that oh piece of God. shit, that piece of shit, his his handler that's getting uh, sued now. Is he is he is he are they, are they investigating him criminally now? I believe I believe that he's under investigation, if not already indicted, good. that he basically screwed Stanley over. And you know what? Fuck that guy. Yeah. Jesus Christ. First of all, you know, anybody who takes advantage of the elderly, fuck you. But uh, somebody like Stan Lee, who like brought so much joy to people. Oh my God. There is a special place in hell for that guy. And I, ugh, disgusting. Yeah. That's fucked up. Uh, it, it, he's a, he's a sick human being. And yeah. People that take advantage of the elderly, uh, especially, um, 
like Stanley, I, you know, we've all heard the stories of uh, him at the convention and um, being overworked and uh, yeah. forgetting how to spell his name. They had to tell oh, him how to spell his name. Like that, that's the kind of stuff that just makes me sick to my stomach. I mean, I, I saw him at uh, C2. I didn't go to the, do, do the signing or the photo op, but they, they, they had him in a wheelchair and they were wheeling him around. And I was just like, this, you know, this is not the healthy stand that that was even that we even saw like a few years before that. Like this guy should be at home and resting and spending time with with family yeah, and friends totally. and um, getting the uh, the attention he needs. He should not. They should not be wheeling him into um, these conventions to sign uh, people's memorabilia and take pictures with fans um, because. People carry sickness. I mean, that's just yes, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, it's a uh, god damn it. Yeah, but he lived a a, a nice full life. Uh, mm-hmm. Ninety, what was it? Ninety three, ninety four. Jesus, I think. So. Well, you know, they're pretty much the same. Well, not I shouldn't say the same thing, but what what's happening this year is I was reading that. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura on, on the original Star Trek series, ah, yeah. um, she's in the she's in a very similar position. You mm. know, she has dementia, yep. uh, and she is not always aware of where she is and who she's with. And so her <sighs> her I don't know if it's her family or if it's her management basically said this is it. Like we are, she's stopping all all convention appearances at the at this year and. Because she's also quite elderly. She doesn't mm-hmm. even, if she doesn't know where she is or who she's with, she can't sign her name and greet people. Like she was always somebody that the fans always said she was very engaging. Um, she went to all the Trek conventions, yeah. like her and like Jimmy Doohan and, uh, all, all those guys went to all of them, you know. If, no, like at at that point, just let her stay home and rest and be with friends and family because she is approaching the end of her life. And, you know, I, I don't want to see that for her either being wheeled around yeah. in a wheelchair and she doesn't know where she. Oh, my God. No, what, that's what, terrible. Stop, stop tarnishing these amazing people's legacy. Stop fucking doing it. Like Stan in his last years uh, should not have been treated like that. And uh, Nichelle Nichols, like she's a fucking science fiction icon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And I and fuck you, Doctor Phil. Fuck you and the treatment that you gave Margot Kidder on your fucking show before oh, she passed away. You fucking bald piece of shit. Sorry. I'm no, 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 Doctor Phil. And who's that other guy? I can't fucking stand him. He's on MTV all the time. Doctor. He's like a an addict, quote unquote. Doctor Drew. Special. Oh my god, I fucking hate both of yeah, those he's guys. A fucker. They are part of the problem, right? They are giving people who are already struggling with all kinds of issues and they are famous and it's part of the whole complex and they what do they do? They put them on TV for a spectacle for people to watch and gawk at them mm-hmm. and look at them and oh god, I hate both of those guys, I, Doctor Phil, Doctor Drew, they're such hacks. Oh, I used to, I, I used I to love, them. I used to love Doctor Drew Pinsky back in the Love Line days. Like loved him, and then like then he starts yes. getting on CNN and all these fucking yes. shows and 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 spatting out bullshit information. Uh, I, I do remember him on Love Line. Actually, now that you say that, I do remember watching him on that. And at that point, he was like 
he was like making sense. Like stuff he was saying was like okay stuff. And then after once he started getting big, and then he started getting his own show, and oh no, it was it got out of control. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, we went from talking about congratulating <laughs> us to fucking. <laughs> Basically chastising half of Hollywood and their treatment of the elderly. So that was fun. That's what we do here. What do you think about people that record lemon parties? Pornographers. Is that exploiting old people? Do you think the old people are signing up for that shit? Brian, can I make a confession? Uh, I don't know know what a lemon party is. Hey, let's push pause. I want you to Google it, Dan. (laughs) I'm going to hit pause. I'm going to let Dan Google lemon party. I'm going to let the audience do the same. All right, we're back. Dude, that's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I feel tainted now. I feel like I've been touched wrong. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the uh, orchard experience that you want when you with the old lemon party. It's disgusting. So I did ask for it, though. You did not a lemon party. But when I get there, I probably will. (laughs) It's asked. You didn't want to know what it was. Is it is it is it cute when old people are sexually active when they have their clothes on? Is it cute? What do you mean, like playing grab ass yeah, and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Is it cute when they got their clothes on, but they're being, like, sexual? Like, eh, that's kind of cute, right? Is it cute? Yeah. I think, I think so. it's adorable. Yeah. I think it's great. It's, but it's not so cute when they're fucking butt naked. Well, I don't <laughs> I'm not watching that, but if there's people that are, and if all parties are consenting, then all, all, uh, why not? All, I mean, all lemon parties are consenting? All lemon parties are consenting. Yes. I imagine so. I mean, if everybody signed the waiver and they're okay with it, I, I think on. that's fine. Why not, right? Do you. That's fine. But I'm not watching those. <laughs> Oh man, I can I can't like those videos. I, I guarantee like some of those guys are like falling asleep halfway through, you know. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Put a beer under his nose. Is he still there? Like uh <laughs> fucking like some old guy named uh what's it what's an old guy name? I'll, Eldon. Eldon. Oh, see, I was thinking like old guy like southern names like Cyrus and Cletus. You gave me Eldon, and that's definitely elderly approved. Yeah, some 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 guy named Eldon has uh, like a Werther's original stuck to his ass cheek. <laughs> I would call you know what I would call my uh, my lemon. You know what I would call my lemon party porn movie? What's that? Centrum Silver Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Not only am I promoting, like, uh, <laughs> nutrients and vitamins, but I'm also like, hey, natural bush, right? You know it's it's in a big natural bush, too. Oh, like, yeah. it hasn't been maintained in a long time. Yeah, no shit. It looks like a goddamn briar patch down there. You know what I mean? Like, fucking Peter Rabbit looks at that thing and fucking, had, like, you can see his like, little fur stand up on his arms. Like an old tribble. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> what, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. So yeah, we got to prove my rotten tomatoes. <laughs> oh, that was what we were talking about. <laughs> I've had people point out like how our rating system kind of like lines up with their rating system. Like you know, toss oh, it, 
taste it. Yeah. yeah. Leftovers, toss it, taste it, Tupperware, and there's their, you know, rotten and fresh. I think that's kind of cool. Hey, anyway. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, let's move on from, uh, lemon parties. And, uh, we're going to actually move into, uh, I'm not going to bury the lead. We're going to move into the big news of this week. Um, it was big news, uh, years ago on the podcast when we got the Ben Affleck casting, uh, for Batman. And uh, if you go back and listen to that, uh, old episode, probably from five years ago, five, maybe even six years ago when that casting happened, uh, you can hear pretty much everybody on the podcast, uh, voice their displeasure at the casting. And I, I know that it was kind of a divisive casting. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. I was one of the people that absolutely hated the casting, thought it was terrible. I love, um, Ben Affleck. I, I do. I think Ben Affleck is a, is a, is a decent actor. I think he's better behind the camera. I still think his best performance was, uh, in chasing Amy. Um, but, um, I, I don't hate Ben Affleck. Um, I, I don't think that he's made the best decisions in his personal life, but as far as him, um, in the acting arena, I don't think he's terrible. I just never saw him as Batman. And after this experiment with him as Batman and, uh, w- was it three films later? Um, is it three films? He did two at least. And then he did a cameo in the Suicide Squad. So, right. Two films, two and a half. I, I would say, I'm still not a fan. I'm, I'm a fan of the, the choreography and the action that Zack Snyder gave us in Batman v Superman. I think the action that we got from Batman in those movies was fantastic. And some of the action that I've been looking for. But I also got some of that action in, in the Nolan movies. I, I, I was just not a big fan of him as Bruce Wayne. I was not a fan of him as Batman. And I know a lot of people think like he's the best Batman ever. Um, I still think that uh, Michael Keaton is the best Bruce Wayne and Christian Bale is the best Batman. And um, so that that's my personal opinion. But um, and I, I'll open it up to you guys if you want to talk about Ben Affleck as well. But we got big news this week and um, it came from Variety. Robert Pattinson to play the Batman for Matt Reeves and Warner Brothers. I everybody called Ben Affleck Batfleck. I'm going to call him. Patman, I guess. I don't know. Um, That's good. Yeah, kind of. I, I don't know. Whatever. It, it didn't land. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, humor me, Dan. <laughs> I was trying. I, I want you to feel good about yourself. God, you're you're a good liar, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I heard fucking crickets, and Dan kind of like chimed in, like, "All right, good, good job." Like, like I got uh, you, buddy. I felt like your son at the at the plate, and I just struck out, and you were still kind of like giving me that. I'm proud of you, boy, and in, inside you're just ashamed as a father, you know? I'm going to go and hang myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh you're like, Don't worry, Brian. We could still get ice cream, buddy. It's okay. Yeah, no shit. Like, I wish I tried. Too, too bad my son didn't run down my wife's leg that night. I did. <laughs> and I just said that. Guys, Rotten Tomatoes, we're going to be there. Um, let's see here. Sources tell Variety that Robert Pattinson is in negotiations to play the Batman in Matt Reeves' forthcoming superhero film, which hits theaters June 25th, 2021. While sources say it's not yet a done deal, Pattinson is the top choice, and it's expected to close shortly. Warner Brothers had no comment. Um, I, uh, I'm going to get all your reactions here in just a moment. Um, pre-production is going to start uh, this summer. 
Um, of course, we know that Matt Reeves, the uh, filmmaker behind uh, Planet of the Apes sequels, the, the last two Planet of the Apes sequels, is going to be doing this movie. Now, here's the thing. Um, I wasn't too shocked by this news. This was actually a rumor the, that came out from Heroic Hollywood back in February. And uh, I might have even like mentioned it quickly on the show. I'm not sure. But um, Revenge of the Fans editor-in-chief, Mario Robles, was on his podcast, The Fanboy, and he talked about Pattinson being in the running for the role. And then, of course, Boss Logic did some art of Pattinson as the Batman. or It was basically a picture of Pattinson behind him, a shadow of, of uh, the Batman cow. Um, I wasn't shocked by this. Like The rumor was out there. Of course, we also heard the rumor of... Um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Ansel Elgort. Who, who are you saying? Nicholas Holt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ansel Elgort, Nicholas Holt, and then Kit Harrington was in the running there for a while. We heard a ton of, like, there's a ton of actors that were basically. I heard John Hamm at some point too. John Hamm as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Like, like for an older Batman. Which I would have loved to have John Hamm. I want John Hamm after seeing Baby Driver. I want him as Two Face. That's Ooh. like that's also good casting. I, I I'm I'm a fan of of John Hamm Batman, but mm-hmm. I, I am absolutely could get behind a Two Face played by him. I think he would he would knock it out of the park. You know what? Like I was not a fan of John Hamm Batman years ago, but like after seeing more John Hamm performances, like I'm I'm down with that as well. Like that's but, cool. But we know that they're wanting to do a younger Batman. The rumor is that they're wanting to do uh, a younger Batman and uh, in his early days uh, make it more of a detective story and possibly even being set in the 90s. Cause I, and I think that kind of makes sense if they're going to eventually want to go this extended universe route where they bring everything together again. I think right now they're fo- focusing on like on the individual films and because they don't have a Kevin Feige at the moment to bring right. everything together. Um, so, but I, I want to get your thoughts on everything. Um, I mean, uh, you can talk about Affleck if you want to. You can talk about, and of course, I want you to talk about Pattinson. I want you to talk about Pattinson. And if, if you're behind this casting or if you think it's not going to work, why it's not going to work. Rebecca, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so just to talk real quick about Ben Affleck, um, much like you, I think he's uh, way better behind the camera than in front of it. I think he's a decent actor. I've seen him, you know, do some good performances, but I think he really excels when he directs. And um, so and I also personally was not a huge fan of Batfleck. Uh, he would probably never have been my choice, but. Um, and I do get that some people, you know, that's their Batman. That that's fine. Um, as far as like the Robert Pattinson like casting goes, I think what people are freaking out about is, of course, you know, they're going, "Oh my God, the guy from Twilight!" I I get it. That's his probably his biggest role. His he's probably most known for that. Um, and to be honest, I've I've never seen a Twilight movie all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of them, and I watched some of it with the with the riff tracks um, riff on it, and that was pretty enjoyable. But um, beyond that, um, I've seen him and do some other stuff. Like I've seen him in um, what was the movie uh, Water for Elephants. Uh, I've seen him in Damsel. I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff. I, I my exposure to him is is pretty limited to that. I think this is interesting casting. I don't think it's terrible casting. Like my my knee jerk reaction is not like oh gross, no way. 
I think from at least what I've seen of him, I think he's capable of being more than just a sparkly vampire. And I think this is something I am interested to see how it develops. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not gung ho for it. Like, oh, my God. Yes, I can't wait. But I I don't I don't throw this out like, oh, God, no way. I I think this is if you're going to go a younger Batman route, I think this is an interesting choice. And I don't think it's uh, it it should be thrown away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Um, I, I can, I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit. Um, and then we'll get Dan's reaction here. I, I, I think that some people like you are just upset about like the twilight stuff. And I get that. Um, I was forced to watch the first two movies with my ex-wife. She's a big twilight fan. And after we got divorced, I stopped <laughs> watching those films. So I, <laughs> but see, the thing is like the dude has done more than just, Twilight movies, like, exactly, exactly. You know? And I know George Clooney is not the best example here because he he played Batman at what time? At one time, and he was a terrible Batman. But he did more than the facts of life in Roseanne. You know, like George Clooney went on to do some great movies as well. And that I feel like that's what Robert Pattinson is really trying to do. He's trying to establish himself uh, these last few years. I feel like as a serious indie actor. And uh, I reviewed High Life last week. And he was tremendous in that film. That was uh, the best acting out of him I've ever seen. Like, does that performance in that movie prove that he can beat Batman? It, it, it doesn't, but it doesn't hurt as, it doesn't hurt as well. I mean, it doesn't hurt the, the chances that he can be a good Batman. I'm not saying everybody that's upset by this news is upset by the fact that he's from Twilight as well. I think a lot of people are looking at this from physicality, like his physicality as well, like his height and physique. And here's the thing. Whoa, there we go. There's, there's, there's that New York soundtrack for you. Sounded like, actually, it sounded like we were in the John Favreau Jungle Book movie. That sounded like a fucking <laughs> elephant back there. What the fuck? <laughs> Somebody just went like racing down my block, apparently. I thought Dumbo's mother's tent was on fire. I didn't know what the no, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, Pattinson's six foot one, people. I mean, uh, he's the, uh, I, as far as like the movies go, I think he's one of the taller Batman. Uh, Affleck was 6'3", so he's only two inches shorter than Affleck. He's actually an inch taller than Bale, who is six foot. And I think people forget that Michael Keaton was five foot nine. So, I mean, as far as like his height and physique, he's got the height, I think. I think they can work with the height. Look at the Rocky movies, for crying out loud. Like, they make Stallone look tall in those movies look at any fucking tom cruise movie they make him look tall in those movies i mean you know and and uh, he's gonna look even taller in the film uh when we get the final product i i think as far as his physique's concerned they can they can work on that i mean he can he can hit the gym he can start taking some uh if he's a hard gainer if he's if he has a problem putting on weight they can they can boost up his calories they can get him to put on some muscle here we can see and i don't is that really the most important thing because like it's not like michael keaton was jacked when he did batman you know right so Mm -hmm. i mean i think a lot of people just look at like um you know that uh frank miller you know fucking batman that big ass muscular batman you know we don't necessarily have to have that i think we can have 
I think he can get, I think he can attain the Bale physique. And I think people, and we gotta understand, like, uh, you know, if he's playing a younger Batman, we, we might not wanna have him looking like fucking, you know, even, even like Batflick. Cause like, fucking, uh, Ben Affleck really did put in the work on his body for those Batman movies. I'm not knocking that. Like, the guy put in the, I've seen the training videos, the guy put the work in. Um, Dan, what are you thinking about? Uh, but as far as my thoughts on Robert Pattinson, real quick, um, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to give him a chance. I, I really think that this guy has a chance under Matt Reeves' direction. If the story's good, I think that he can. I think he can pull this off. So I, I'm, I'm behind him. I'm in his corner, and uh, he wouldn't have been my first choice. But I, I'm not saying that. Yeah, he wouldn't have been my first choice. But I'm not saying that uh, he's not going to pull it off. I mean. Look at Heath Ledger. We all thought that he was going to fail as the Joker. And, I mean, that performance has gone down as one of the best uh, villain performances of all time, if not the best comic book villain performance of all time. Dan, what are you thinking? As far as Batflat goes, I, I actually like the way he looked. And I think that he would have been better if it would have been the right. I think the writing is really what fucked everything up. Um, but my Batman would be Christian Bale. And as far as Pattinson goes, I, I don't really have that much familiarity with him outside of Cedric Diggory and then uh, uh, Twilight Guy. I can't remember his name. Sparkly. Yeah. And um, Edward. That's it. And, you know, I didn't really mind him in those roles. I think he's he's got an interesting look about him. And as far as, like, the physique goes, I mean, we all know. Look what they did for Hemsworth and Chris Evans. I mean, they can do something with Chris him. Chris Pratt. Too. Chris yes. Pratt. That's a perfect example. Yeah. I mean, if they can make Chris Pratt look like that, they can pretty much do anything. Even you know? Paul Rudd showed off the abs in Ant-Man, you know? That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Or even like uh, back in the day, Tobey Maguire. They put some meat on him, too. They did. So it's possible that you can, you know, that you can beef him up and, and have him look more like a like a true Bruce Wayne. But I'm kind of – I wouldn't say I'm excited about it, but I'm very curious to see what they're going to do because I do like the recent picks they've done with Joaquin Phoenix and then with him. They're kind of unconventional and as opposed to putting in you know, Ben Affleck or, or someone like Will Smith or something like that. I think it's kind of cool that they're using someone that's on a different tier as far as acting goes. And I've heard he's fantastic in High Life. You said you liked that movie. Yeah. So I'm actually – yeah, I'm actually very curious to see what they got, man, because quite honestly, my faith in the DCEU isn't really that strong. Uh, I was actually very pleased with Shazam because it was like a totally different feel and everything. But I'm actually very interested to see what they can do, if they can do like a full on reboot with this universe and really make it pop this time. So, yeah, absolutely do it. I have no reservations about it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think uh, the people that are looking at it by – some people that are just down on this just, just see the Twilight thing. Like it, they're just – that's all they see is like this guy just mm-hmm. did Twilight and that's it. That's that's this guy's – I hope that – I hope I'm in his corner. I hope that he can come out here, knock it out of the fucking park, knock it out of the park. And um, even though I was down on Affleck, if, if, if Affleck would have knocked it out of the park for me, I would have come on here today and been like, oh, my God, I was down on Affleck. What the fuck? I was down on Keaton as a child playing Batman because it made no sense to me then. Even as a child, it made no sense to me. Michael Keaton was the guy that did Mr. Mom. Michael Mm -hmm. Keaton was the guy that was in Gung Ho. He was the comedian. He did not make sense as Batman at the time. And then when we got that final uh, Tim Burton film in 89, man, that movie, that was the movie of the summer. Yeah, I. you're absolutely right, Brian. Like, nobody who... 
who saw Michael Keaton in any of his or in um, a lot of his previous stuff would have ever cast him as Batman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, too, about like somebody like Gal Gadot, you know, when she was cast as uh, as a um, Wonder Woman, people, you know, railed against the casting, saying she doesn't look like an Amazon. And, and I get like an Amazon and Batman are going to have different, you know, styles of physiques, et cetera. But. Um, you know, people railed against it saying she's too thin and she looks, she's, she, she's a model. She can't do it. She put in the work and gained 20 pounds of muscle for that role. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, and that is no small feat to do. So she took that role very seriously and we got a movie that, in, in my opinion, is still my, my favorite of the current DC films. So, uh, I, I think if 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 Pattinson puts in the work, mm. if we if we if we want like a bigger buffer Batman, it's possible. Like that that's the least of the problems. Yeah. Like you, you could gain the weight, you could do the muscle. It's just going to come down to the performance, and it's going to come down to the writing. But if, if it's Matt Reeves, I have a lot of confidence in Matt Reeves because I love those last two Planet of the Apes movies. Me too. So like if, if it all comes together. This could be a perfect storm for an amazing Batman film. It could be, but it's really going to come down to that that performance. And once we see him on screen as Bruce Wayne and as Batman, yeah, a lot of people were upset about the Gal Gadot casting. And uh, if you go back and listen to our episodes, I was not one of those people. I was willing to give her a chance. She was a part of the the. the I mean, um, she was part of the Israeli army at one time, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's been trained. Yeah, she's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, she is. She was Absolutely. Trained in Krav Maga. I mean, she knows her shit. She's she's a strong, strong woman. And I mean, I I, I was behind her. I, I I really was. Um, at first, you know, if you would have asked me like, oh, who do you want as Wonder Woman? I would have told you years ago, Gina Carano. But then, mm. like, if you want, here's the thing, Rebecca. It's like there's a lot of. Uh, Sometimes with movies and actors, it's the same way as looking at, like, sport prospects, um, basketball prospects, baseball prospects, guys that are, like, great in, um, you know, a sport, but you don't know how they're going to play on a professional level. Sure. And you've got, like, uh, you know, uh, going number one in the draft – Hakeem Olajuwon and number three is, uh, fucking Michael Jordan. Well, we, Hakeem was a great fucking champion, a great center, but he never reached the status of a Michael Jordan. See, that's the thing. Like, I felt like in that case, like back in the day, I was looking at Gina Carano as the number one draft pick for the Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. And, and they went with the number three, in my opinion, which was Gal Gadot. But once we got that final finished product, I was just like, holy shit, Gal Gadot is the fucking Michael Jordan of the Wonder Woman universe. <laughs> That's an excellent example. I can't, I can't disagree with you on that. Um, yeah, like I, I'm, like, like I said, like it, th- this probably would never, his name would never have come into my head for a Batman casting, but I'm, I'm willing to at least, I'm willing to give it a shot. I, I don't think it, this is a knee jerk reaction of like, Oh God, no! Like I, I don't think it's worthy of that. I think if you want to go younger, Batman, then then 
it's interesting. It's different. It's thinking outside the box. And maybe we'll end up with another, you know, Wonder Woman situation. This is the number three draft pick. And then we go and we get on here and we go, mm. oh, my God, the movie was a Tupperware. Like, who knew? It was incredible. Like, I hope that that's the case. I hope that we get, like, a really great Batman film out of this. So, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely willing to give this guy a shot. You know, I mean, get into the gym, Rob Pattinson and put some weight on and oh. get get jacked if you need to. He will. Do, if it, do it all. If they're <laughs> smart, they will send this guy into the gym with Henry Cavill because, like, Han- oh yeah, Cavill is just uh, he's a he's a fucking chiseled statue of David. Jesus Christ, that, uh, that dude's a beast. Yeah, he is. He is a beast. I I uh, I have a very good friend who, um, as much as I love Chris. Uh, uh, she loves Henry Cavill. That's that that that's her Chris Evans, basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the thing: like, if you could have, um, and I'm sure you guys have thought of this, and if you haven't, it's fine. And if, who would you have cast as a younger Bruce Wayne slash Batman? I I was kind of always in the Kit Harrington camp. To be honest, Dude, I he's really he's, like that kid. He's five five, five six. Yeah, I know, I know he's, I know he's short, but I'm talking about like acting chops, is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I get physicality. I know he's tiny, but you could put lifts in his shoes and make him a little taller, I guess, or whatever. Put everybody, you know, have everybody kneel down on on phone books or whatever. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but um, I, I know, I get no, it, but no, like, if we're that's your pick. About yeah, I Kit, Kit Harrington I think would be my choice, but if we're going like physicality like the taller looking guy, then Nicholas Holt. The, the of the names that were thrown around. Okay. Yeah, Nicholas Holt's a good choice. I I I think he's my number 2. My number two would be Nicholas Holt. I'm, I'm doing this like it's a fucking like now it's like the NBA draft or the NFL draft. <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan, Dan who who would who would have been your choice? You know, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought, but I have thought of somebody before. I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. And he is getting a little bit old. But uh, what do you think? You think uh, DiCaprio could do something with Bruce Wayne? I don't think DiCaprio. I don't think you could fucking. I don't think there's a crowbar strong enough to peel DiCaprio away from Martin Scorsese. I don't. Like, <laughs> unless unless DiCaprio is going to be involved um, in like like another Scorsese DC film where he's producing something, I don't think that there's a chance. No, but as far as like your fan casting, I mean, I would not say no to DiCaprio as yeah, as Batman. Yeah, fan casting, but yeah. I think mm-hmm. he'd do great, dude. I do too. I do too. Yeah, I I, I could get behind that as well. Yeah, I also I mean, think look- he'd be a good. I, I also think he'd be a damn good Riddler after watching his performance in Django. Oh, I, I 100% co-sign that. I, I would I would see him as Riddler over Batman if, if I had the choice. I, I think that's a great call. He'd make a great villain. He has a very like maniacal face that he makes sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think that could, he could go far with that. But you put DiCaprio in anything, it's oh, I'm, yeah, Dan. That that's a, a great choice. Like yeah. a, that's not something to either to throw away either. Like he, if, if you put DiCaprio in something, I think he has a chance of. Knocking it out of the park. No, when Dan first gave his answer, I went into like full suit Brian mode where I was like, that wouldn't happen because of the Scorsese relationship. <laughs> but I wasn't looking like, at it from like, man, you asked me. I, I just know you my answer. And then I, no, I checked myself, dude. I was like, what the fuck? You're a dick. 
He gave you a great <laughs> fucking answer. I asked, I asked, the question I asked was like, like, what's, like, you know, like, what's your fan casting? And you gave me a great fucking answer with Leonardo DiCaprio. And he still looks young as fuck. I mean, uh, he could pull it off. Mine, and if you need to go on IMDb and look up this actor, you absolutely can. I'll even pause for you if you want to see who I'm talking about. My, mine is uh, a little lesser known than even Robert Pattinson. Uh, I was going to go with Finn Whitrock. Uh, he's been in American Horror Story. He also had a role in um, uh, the uh, Unbroken film. That was the Angelina Jolie-directed movie that took place in World War II. Uh, he played a part in that film. He was also in The Big Short, but his name's Finn Whitrock. Are you guys familiar with this actor? I'm actually looking at him right. Uh, excuse me, looking at him right now. He's got a great look. I don't. I'm not familiar with his work, unfortunately, but he definitely has a good look for it. How do you spell his name? W I T T R O C K. Because I'm trying to find him. Okay, hold on. I found him. I can pause if you want. No, uh, I think. I, have you thrown this name out before? I think I probably have. Probably have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know his work at all, to be honest. I don't think I've seen anything that he's been in. Um, but I mean. He doesn't have the chin. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, you're, it's you're not. Right. He it's, really have chin yeah, it's not a weak chin, but it's not like a Batman chin either, right? Pattinson's got. Yeah, that. you need that strong jawline. Oh, Pattinson's got that strong jawline, in my opinion, right? Oh yeah. He oh, for it. sure. He look. Yeah, he's all jaw, isn't he? Fuck, we got. There's call, a lot of mandible going on. God damn. Yeah, we just call him Jaws. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> look at that thing. That's good. Like seriously, like. Like he's uh, that's about he's a, he's about seventy five percent on his way to a Jay Leno there. Well, I don't know if it's that much, but it's it's. I was just trying to think of somebody who had a huge jaw, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> why 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 are you jawing me right now? <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'll, I'll never question your jaw uh, references again. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Um, you, know, you know what, Brian? The more I look at Robert Pattinson, I, yeah. I think it's a good choice, dude. Aesthetically, it's a great choice. I we got, dude. That first set photo, that first photo of him, that first set photo, that first photo of him and the cow. If we get like the Entertainment Weekly photos and we see him behind the cow, I think that that's gonna make. I think that that'll make some of the uh, unbelievers. Believers, not all of them. Like I, I, because it was crazy. It was crazy. All the people that were dead set against Ben Affleck as Batman. We get that first picture of fucking sad Batman, and they see him in that suit, and they're like all in after one fucking picture. <laughs> it's so easy to sway people after one picture. It's insane. A picture can can tell a thousand different words. It's insane. And so I think, like, once we see him behind the cow, that'll be a make-it-or-break-it moment for some of the fans. They'll yeah. start signing petitions and stuff. It's already happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. They're already signing petitions to have him, like, not be Batman. Here's the thing. I got on Facebook today with the intention, and we're only, like, two days removed from the uh, the announcement. I was going to get on Facebook and, and um, post something about, like, yeah, um... Uh, brace yourself for the, uh, I want to, you know, have, uh, Robert Pattinson removed from the role of Batman on a petition from change.org. And, um, 
But before I posted that, I was like, I'll just Google it to see if it's already started. And it had. Like, comicbook.com had an article about it. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's barely been over 24 hours. And people are already pissing and moaning about the patents. And I get it. Here's the thing. I'm not going to knock those people. And you have every right to feel the way that you feel if you are a huge fan of Batman. If you're a Batman fan and you're worried about this franchise going forward, you have every right to feel that way as a fan of the character. And I'm not going to knock you for it. So, I mean, but I'm, I'm here to tell you that, I, you know, I watched High Life recently. He's very good in the movie. And um, I'm going to give this guy a chance. I hope he does great. Did you guys see that... Uh, um, the the Heat Vision newsletter came out. That's uh, THR's newsletter. And they were reporting that um, they're going to be including Penguin and Catwoman in this movie as the villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw nice. that, too. So, I mean, I don't know. Oswald Cobblepot? I mean, are we ready? I, it's been 26 years since Batman Returns. Are we ready for another Penguin movie? I am. I'm all for it. I mean, I I mean, as far as like the time, yeah, sure. I I'm the the penguin. To be honest, is not my favorite villain. Um, I just I worry that if we're going to have the penguin and Catwoman as the villain in this movie, if that's true, it, it's it doesn't help the comparisons that will be made to that original Batman movie with Michael Keaton and Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer. I just, why would you, why not bring in a a villain that we haven't seen? Why not? And I know like I've said this on many podcasts. I've said this on the animated Batcast. Why not Clayface? Why not a villain that some, or someone like him that we have not seen uh, cinematically? We're going back to this. I just, I worry about the comparisons that will be made. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see memes of, if it gets announced, if it's official, of course, people are going to say, oh, it looks like Kristen Stewart's going to be playing Catwoman. (laughs) Ha ha. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that'll (laughs) happen too. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, so original. You're so funny to connect those dots. Oh my god, it's like so random. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna get that stuff. Yeah. I I hope it works. Here's the thing, and Dan, I think that, like, if I were to ask you this, this is kind of like where you're coming from as well. You're trusting Matt Reeves here. You're trusting. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, in Matt Reeves, we trust. That's what we've got to say to ourselves right now. Like, this guy has done some great work with a reboot that shouldn't have worked. All the time I hear people saying, reboots don't work. Stop rebooting stuff. And in most cases, you are 100% right. I'm not going to argue with you. But if you ever try to come at me and say, yeah, fucking the uh, Matt Reeves sequels for Planet of the Apes movies were garbage – I'm gonna slap, I'm gonna, I don't care if you're involved in a lemon party, I'm gonna slap you in the face. It's ridiculous to think those things. It's ridiculous, cause he did a fantastic job with those movies. Mm-hmm. Andy Serkis did a great job in those movies. Great casting. You know, I mean, uh, Koba, those villains that he cast were just great. Uh, I, I, I love those movies. So, if he's got, 
Rebecca, I, I see where you're coming from. I'm worried about it, too. I'm not the biggest fan of the Penguin. Like, I have tried to read Penguin stories. I'm not a huge Penguin fan. Even DC, uh, about five, six years ago, uh, came out with a new Penguin character that took over, and he called himself Emperor Penguin. And it was mm-hmm. like a – it was a leaner, meaner Penguin. And uh, it was John Lehman who did the story, and he was writing for Detective Comics. And I was like, wow, maybe they're going to make the Penguin cool. Like, it's a completely right. new Penguin. Like, he's pushed out Oswald Cobblepot. He's pushed him out. And, like, this is the new Penguin in Gotham. And um, as much as I love John Lehman, as much as I love the Chew comic – I, I wasn't the, I didn't hate that comic, but I, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like Scott Snyder, Court of Owls, right? I mean, it sure. wasn't, yeah. It, it, so, they've tried to do things with the Penguin. I just, if fucking Matt Reeves can make the Penguin awesome, then do it. But I think he would have a easier time. Like, I think he would have an easier time with a character that maybe they haven't introduced before or even like the Riddler because like if this is going to be a detective noir story like the Riddler is like definitely that would work uh, yeah if it's if, if it's detective noir then absolutely I think I, I think the Riddler is a great choice and I think then that's your chance to really get you know or to continue this creative um uh, creative casting, right? Like, because you can, there's a lot of actors out there. I mean, we've just named a few of them that we think, oh, if you were going to cast a Riddler, like, why not? Like, f- fan casting, of course, but like Leonardo DiCaprio, why not? Um, or, or throw out some other names out there too. But yeah, like, I just, I mean, if, if, if Matt Reeves can do it, then I am, I'll, I'll be the first to be like, damn, the penguin is a fun villain. It's cool now, yeah. you know, because I also loved his Planet of the Apes movies. I thought they were probably some of my favorite movies that I watched those years that they came out, especially that, that last one. That, that was amazing. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, if he can do it, uh, I think, I, I think he's the guy to do it if, if it can be done is, is what I'm trying to say. And so I, I'll give him a chance too. He's shown me he can do great movies. I just, in, in the back of my head, you know, that first uh, rumor about Penguin and Catwoman, that's my like snap reaction of like, oh, but they did that already. Like, and, and I, it's going to happen. So he has to be ready to give us something new and imaginative to combat that. Uh, agree. You do make a great point, Rebecca. I mean, they really should stop recycling villains and do something different. I think that's going to bring a different audience and it's going to, you know, look what they did for guardians. Not that many people knew about guardians. And now we have this established entity in the MCU. I think it's possible that they could end up doing that later on, but I don't know. I mean, I kind of see your point after you were talking about it. And I think that maybe it's a little bit unwise to just keep recycling characters, but if I'm to speak metaphorically, if Matt Reeves is driving in the car, I feel comfortable in the passenger seat falling asleep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to trust him. I, I hear you. And I, I don't distrust him either. But I, I just think, as I said, he's he's got to be ready to combat those those comparisons. Oh, who, they're coming. Who yeah. who are you casting as the penguin and who are you casting as Catwoman, I'm I'm like I, I I think I love Josh Gad. I do not want him as the Penguin in a Matt Reeves film. Like, and and, and it's a damn shame that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman has passed away because like that was my guy. 
Mm. You know, that was my great choice. Like, well, like he was rumored for the Nolan films, like when they were still talking about uh, that third movie and, and and possibly bringing in the Penguin. You know, they were talking about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, like, and that kind of just stuck with me. Like, that's the guy that I want. And uh, so, you know, I these are two big time castings that you've got to nail. Because I, I love Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. I love Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. And so, I mean, those are two big shoes to fill. Like, God damn it, I would I wouldn't even be opposed to Anne Hathaway coming back and playing Catwoman. But that's just <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. That's just me. That's just me. I don't think it's smart though. I don't think it's smart for them to because then you're going to confuse casual fans going into the movie that don't realize that this is a you know completely separate universe. So, do you have anybody in mind for those roles that you would like to see take over? Uh, those characters going forward, if if this if these are to be the uh, uh, the the additions to the Rogues Gallery in the uh, in this Matt Reeves film, I don't know about Catwoman just yet. But what are your thoughts on Paul Giamatti? Oh God, God the Rhino! And let's forget. Let's forget Rhino. I was going to say let's forget that. <laughs> let's forget that. But let's do it right. Let's give him a clean slate. Do you think Giamatti could pull it off? I keep thinking of like, uh, which is you know, it doesn't really act like the Penguin, of course, but like. How well he did as pig vomit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. In, uh, in uh, private parts? Yeah, in private parts. Yeah. Oh, God. I love, I love that movie, even though, and how, fuck Howard Stern sometimes. I, now he's trying to change his image. Did you guys see that? He's coming out with some, like, new book or some shit where he's trying to, yeah. I'm a new softer. Whatever. Stern. Ah, fuck that guy. I can't stand Howard Stern. <laughs> Sorry, I, I don't love him. I used to love him back in the day because that's he was, cool. That's I don't. Judge I was that does. fucking judge fourteen, me. Rebecca. I'm not judging you. That's fine. <laughs> he was the shock jock, and I was like anti-establishment. So, you know, he was fucking cool. And then, like, the older I got, the more I realized, like, what a shithead he was. So. <laughs> oh, Paul Giamatti. What do you think of Rebecca? Oh, I mean, I love him in Billions. He's great. I mean, I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff too. But um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not against that. I, to be honest, I don't really have a name in mind for either Penguin or, or, or Catwoman. To be honest with you, but um, Paul, Paul Giamatti is not a bad choice. I think he's a really great dramatic actor who can who can chew the scenery just enough, yeah. like not too much. Like he can chew it just right, and then. He could bring some interesting depth to the penguin, I think. All right, Dan, are you re- are you ready for me to blow your dick off? Oh, please! Been waiting for it all day. Rebecca, are you ready? No, I'm not even going to go there. Um, Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> Andy Circus. As oh, penguin. Oh. CGI oh. or no CGI? No CGI. Hmm. It's not a bad pick. Prosthetics. It's interesting. Prosthetics. Come on. Yeah, think I'd be about down it. With that. I, I think I'd be down with uh, that. It's a good choice too. I can't I can't really I have no counter argument to that. It's really it's a good choice too. Prosthetics. I mean they can, you know, like he can put on he can put on weight, get him prosthetics. Or yeah. after hold on, hold on. After watching after watching um Vice, Christian Bale as the penguin. <laughs> That would be hilarious for several different reasons. Full circle. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) 
put him back in that uh, Dick Cheney fat suit. And <laughs> oh man, Catwoman! Wow. Is, Catwoman's tough, but I do have an answer uh-huh. for you for Catwoman. I'm going to look her up right now. Um, let's see here. She's she was in uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. She's also in the upcoming. Um, uh, the upcoming uh, Hobbs and Shaw film. She's really making a, a name for herself. Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby. Yes. Oh my God! Yes. I. Oh my goodness! I saw her in The Crown. She's in The Crown season one and two. She plays um, Princess Margaret. Yeah. The Queen's sister. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God! I love that casting. That's, that's my Catwoman. One. Oh my. Hundred percent. I never even thought of her, but. Oh my gosh, now that you said that, it's all I want. I love that idea. Yeah. I love Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. She's I just great. pulled her up. She's got a thing, doesn't she? Yeah, I think that could work. Vanessa Kirby is like, and she's really making a name for herself in action films. She's going to be in the upcoming Hobbs and Shaw. She was fantastic in Mission Impossible Fallout. And I think that she would be the perfect Catwoman. So I don't think that anybody from Warner Brothers listens to this podcast, but if they do, <laughs> come on, they aren't. But make her, make her, I'll tweet them. I'll fucking tweet them tomorrow. Uh, and I'll tag Vanessa Kirby in it if she's on Twitter that uh, she needs to be Catwoman. This needs to fucking happen. I, you know what? As I said, I really didn't have a name in mind, but you said Vanessa Kirby, and I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. She's great. She, and she's another one who, like, if you watch her in The Crown, mm. that's all, you know, drama and all that stuff, obviously. There's not really many action set pieces in The Crown, but if you watch her in that, I, I think you really see her acting chops in there as she portrays, like, this incredibly tortured, uh, person who's always living in the shadow of her sister um i think she could bring some really great depth to the role um because i mean you know cat catwoman is such a i mean obviously super iconic character and and she's batman's uh on again off again love interest and his main probably his main foil but you know they also tend to overly sexualize her and i think that that vanessa kirby could could be sexy in the role but not be sexualized and i think that that would be really interesting for me to, to, to watch. Can I just throw this out there? And, and this, is, this is not me being a man. It's hard to not – it's really hard not to sexualize a character that's in a cat suit. No, I get you. I get it. Like, And, and I don't like – yeah. And I, I It's hard. And I'm, I'm, it's hard. It, it, even from um, – I just can't – it's hard from like uh, a director and a, a screenwriter and, and all these people to – to put a woman in a leather cat suit and for it not to even come off in any way as being any type. And just like cats are very, you know, animals and pets are very submissive. And so it's just, hi, he, he, speaking of cats. <laughs> <laughs> you got something to say as a cat, yeah. what a cat woman. You heard cat woman talking. You came up on the table, didn't you, buddy? <laughs> Love but you. You, you, Brian, you, I, I yeah, don't disagree it's, with you. It's a, I, yeah, it's a tough thing. I mean, the, Marvel, and I'm sorry to cut you off. Marvel has a hard enough time putting Black Widow in a leather outfit without, you know, like everybody sexualizing Black Widow, and you know. And, so. and I think that's where it comes down to the actor in that suit, right? Because 
Um, okay. So when, when I say like sexualizing, I mm. mean in the sense of, and, and I get it, right? You throw a woman into And Michelle a, Pfeiffer is just, I'm sorry, Michelle Pfeiffer just puts off like that. Of, she, when she talked that way in that movie, she just put off that, she oozed sexuality in that film. And is mm-hmm. that, here's the, th- here's the question I have for you, Rebecca, and you would know. Is that a creative choice? Could that have been avoided? I don't know. It's I'm a man. I don't know. Like I I I don't know how to fucking make Catwoman not like that. Yeah. Uh, the, okay. Here's my suggestion. Fucking have her, and when you introduce her, every five minutes have her fucking go to a litter box and take a piss. That's not. <laughs> Like, I just want to see her yeah. fucking squat and take a piss or like, and then 10 minutes later, fu- see her fucking puke up a hairball. Then maybe, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah, my yeah. anti-Viagra <laughs> in that moment. Like, have her do right. the disgusting shit that you don't want to see cats do, right? Yeah, like, so my, my, my point is this. I, I get that a character like Black Widow, she has many tools in her, in her toolbox. One of them being her sexuality. And, and I don't deny that sometimes she does use it to get what she needs out of, uh, you know, a, a bad guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, but she also has other tools in her toolbox. She's excellent at hand to hand combat. She's really great at playing, uh, uh, oh, I'm, I'm so vulnerable. I'm innocent. And you could maybe throw that in with like the sexuality part of it, but she has other tools to rely on, uh, her stealth ability, etc. And so she goes into her, her bag of tricks and does what she has to do to get the job done. And I think for Catwoman, if if you don't make her like this breathy, you know, hi Batman, the whole movie like that, that the her that the whole movie, you've completely just turned her into a one-dimensional sex object who's who is not good for anything but a good fuck. And but if if you make her interesting in the sense of she's got other tools up her sleeve she's really smart Mm. she knows how to outmaneuver she can fight batman hand-to-hand combat she can outthink other people she's or whatever you have to throw those other things in there to combat that uh because i'm not saying don't put her in a cat suit i get it's part of the iconic look of the character but do not make that she has giant boobs popping out of it as like the only thing there. Does, does that make sense? What I'm saying, like one hundred percent. Include it. Include her sexuality with other things, but don't turn her into just a giant, you know, yeah. sex doll that you just want to fuck. I, there's more to her. There's more to any woman than that. And that's where I get like, yeah. you know, on my soapbox about it because I want to see women do other things in film. Okay. Um. Right, insert clap because that was amazing. Like the way you put that. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. No, it was really good. You had me start like thinking about things, and it's the difference between like letting men write the character for so long. I'm not saying all men wrote the character wrong, but some of the artists that drew Catwoman and some of the men uh, just to sell issues drew her in a sexualized manner on the cover. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. One hundred percent. That happened. And. Did you watch? Did you see the hustle recently in theaters, Rebecca? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's fine. Here's one of the things that I really appreciated about that movie that they did include is how the hustle was different for women, and 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 Anne Hathaway kind of like explained 
to uh, Rebel Wilson, like, men want to feel like they're the hero. And I let them feel like they're the hero. And I exploit mm-hmm. that and I get money out of them. You know, it's like, it's like she used that weakness against us. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow, like they, like this, it, this, it, it's a lot like dirty rotten scoundrels, but they are gender swapping this and they are showing us what a hustle would be if a woman did perform this on men and what the men have to do differently. It's not like, cause the men in the first film, like Steve Martin would be like, yeah, my mother's sick, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, the women would feel bad for the mother. Sure. Well, sure. Here, yeah. In this one, it was like, you know, the, uh, the men would feel like they're the hero that they're saving the woman and they felt good about what they were doing. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't always like, uh, you know, she did, th- she was, uh, a little bit flirty, but it wasn't all about that. It was like her basically knowing how to exploit men. And things like that. And I, I feel like Catwoman, um, the proper Catwoman could do that in a movie, could, could, um, lower a man's defenses and then, uh, and not even really have to lower their defenses. I think she could kick most men's ass, but as far as like her, uh, trying to take on Batman, she might have to, she might have to do some different strategy. I don't know sure. if I'm making sense. Um, no, no, you, you totally are. I think, I think it certainly speaks to the dynamic of how men and women talk to each other, how men and women interact with each other. But I think it's also like, yeah. and this is probably for another podcast, but like it opens up a discussion about why we need more women writers in the room, why we need more, uh, women of color in the room, why yeah. we need more people who are not just, you know, uh, hashtag basic white guys. And I have nothing against white guys. You all are really nice. Most of you. And Anyway, and and it's just there needs to be more diversity. There needs to be more women with a voice. Um, I don't know if you remember, but like back when when Melissa and I interviewed Shelby Webb with her comic Sugar Glider, um, w- one of the things that I really had an issue with or trouble with was the artist who was drawing Sugar Glider that w- he would draw her, you know, all these all these angles like showing off her like making her ass really big making her boobs giant and they were like this is a comic for young girls and Mm. young people you can't do that and they had to keep sending it back to this particular artist to have them change it and it's like he didn't get it he was like i don't understand what's the problem and I'm not saying it's, you know, I'm not against drawing the female form in all of its shapes and sizes, but there has to be more than just look at these tits and look at this ass. Like there has to be more than that. Yeah. And and when you reduce a woman to just that, then it's a problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, that's the porn industry, right? I mean, that's, and these are, these we're, I'm here to watch a comic book movie. I'm not here to watch porn. I don't want to have to, you know, like, I don't want to have to think about that shit when I'm watching a movie. You know what I mean? Like, I want to, I'm saying like, dude, I can, I can, trust me. I seek out porn. Don't, don't even, don't even, don't even, don't even, don't even with me guys. I, I don't even like, I'll fuck it. If I, you know, my, you can, my search history's fucked up. Okay. It is <laughs> fucked up. I'm not even gonna lie. I am in different moods all the time, but that is, that is for a different place. I don't need to sure. go to the theater and I don't need to be, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need things to 
get me excited when I'm watching a movie in the theater around a bunch of rando strangers. I don't need that shit. I don't need to blush when I'm watching a Batman movie. Fuck you. No, I want to I wanna watch that weird shit, that weird kinky shit. I want to watch those Lemon Party videos in the privacy of my own fucking home, right? I did not say that out loud, did I? Did I? <laughs> I think I did. But no, no I, trust me, I, I've never watched a Lemon Party video, and that is the God's honest. I do watch midget porn from time to time, people. Not going to lie to you. That is a fun. thing. It is fun. And I shouldn't have said that word because that is not politically correct. Little person porn. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I I love how I point out my shortcomings. Didn't mean to say shortcomings because they're little people. <laughs> that was not supposed to be a pun. No pun intended. No pun intended. But Rebecca, that's why I'm glad I have you on the show um, to to point these things out because I think like I think. I, I think like I, 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 guys want to understand and guys want to do better. We want to strive to be better and we want to strive to to um, I, I in, in a perfect world. I want I want both sexes to be happy with the representation of these characters on screen. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, that's what absolutely. I want. But the, I think like the fact that you said the the fact that you said to me, hey, Rebecca, what do you think about this? And then you you let me talk and, and listen to my answer. See, that's how you do it. Right. That's pay attention, guys. That's how you do it. You ask a woman and then you listen to her answer. That's really all that it's needed to do. And so, like, yeah, that I, I too, like I want to go and watch a Batman movie. And and I, I'm, I'm the first to say that when I go watch a Captain America movie, am I enjoying Chris Evans body? You bet I am. But the I don't think of him as just a body. Like, I enjoy his other work that he's mm. done. Is he nice to look at? Yeah, he's nice to look at. I, everyone knows I feel that way. So, yeah, I, I'm, I don't mind if, if you're admiring the female form and say, wow, she's beautiful. But if, if that's the only thing that they show you that is her body, then that's like, that's where I get my, my issue. For me, from. it doesn't matter how good looking the person is. If they're a shit human being in real life, it's the most unattractive oh. thing ever. Amen. Amen. Yeah, as soon as you open your mouth and prove yourself to be an asshole, it's over. (laughs) Justin Bieber, I don't care how good looking you think you are, buddy. You're a piece of shit, you know? So, and I'm not just saying that, like, like I've, I've read so many articles on Justin Bieber. He is a human pile of garbage. So, so. Yep. A bit of a waste. <laughs> hey, can I throw one more name into the hat? Yeah, I don't make go this for go it. too long. No, I, I, I and honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, we can go as long as you want to. I don't give a fuck. Um, but I, your Paul Giamatti, your Paul Giamatti suggestion would work. I mean, I think Paul Giamatti would be a damn good penguin, to be honest with you. So I think so. Yeah, I, I think I'm saying her name wrong, but she was in the Man from Uncle and um, oh god, was uh, Alicia. Vikan Vikander? Oh, Alicia Vikander. She was in Ex Machina, and she's our new yes, Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. And she's also our new Tomb Raider, which is getting a sequel, by the way, people. That was announced. Alicia Vikander as Catwoman is a great choice as well. She's totally got the look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dan, that's another great choice. Actually, I don't, I don't know too much of her work. Oh uh, my God, Rebecca, have you not seen Ex Machina? Have I seen Ex Machina? That I was can't remember. Snap. Oscar that movie, Rebecca. Yes. Right. Re- pause. We'll come back. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have that long. Um, Oscar Isaac. You know Oscar it's Isaac. Cost- I don't 
think I have actually. Oh my <gasps> god, so good. Shit. Okay, that's my homework. I'm I, gonna watch. I'm gonna watch X X Machina. Next time I get you on the podcast, uh, I will talk. About good it, pop, bad pop. If you do not talk X Machina, which is a PCL favorite. Well, um, I know you guys have talked about it many times, and it's. I just realized it's from the same guy that did. Um, shit, it's it's Alex Garland who did the uh, Annihilation. Oh, the Natalie Portman movie. I love Annihilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie too. Yeah, I'm seeing if Ex Machina is streaming anywhere right now. I am checking on it. I saw this one on the theater in the theater, and I reviewed it on the show. It is on um, Netflix, and it's also on Canopy. If you have Canopy people, I. I I promise you I will watch it. I will watch it, and the next time I'm on, I will talk about it. I it's promise. got uh, Donald Gleason, um, who plays Hux, of course, in the Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. and uh, Oscar Isaac and Alicia Vikander. There's literally, like, five actors in this movie, and one is, like, a helicopter pilot, and he's in the movie for, like, two minutes. So it's it's an incredible film. Saw it in the theater when I was – I actually saw this in a really nice – I saw Ex Machina in a really nice theater in Schaumburg, Illinois. Um Nice big AMC, and oh god, Ex Machina! Uh, I think I it it won a Tuppy, if not like my best. It, 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 it might have won my Tupperware award for 2015. I can't remember. Oh wow! Such, okay, I fucking loved Ex Machina. Um, let's see here. You know what? We're gonna take a Dan. Did you have anything else? I felt like I cut you off. You said uh, no. I think I'm good, man. Yeah. I think. Oh, I will say that I think Alicia Vikander. She kind of like what we were talking about. There's a nice balance there because she can be sexy. Yeah. But she's not radiating it all the time. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to use you know her her tits and ass basically. Yeah. To get the point across. I think she. I think she would be a good pick. And obviously they're just fan picks, but she just popped in my head when you guys were talking. And she's I think fantastic pick. She kind of. She sort of represents a good balance to me. There's not too much. You do, when I think of her, I don't think oh you know she's just sex walking. And I just like the way that she – her coolness about her characters that she plays. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be a really good fit. And she could probably turn it on when necessary because, I mean, Catwoman was a bit of a seductress too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I here's the thing. Like I uh, – God damn it. She was uh, – she's so good in Ex Machina. I, I really liked her performance in Tomb Raider up until I, – I don't think she was the problem. Tomb Raider – I think the story just fell apart. I don't know if you guys watched Tomb Raider or not. But like – I did. Once mm-hmm. they hit that island, I felt like the story kind of fell apart. I, Terrible. Yeah. I, th- I thought everything up before that was really good. Daniel Wu was good in that movie up until a point as well. So, I mean – Yeah, I, I agree. I, once they hit the island, that movie yeah. just went downhill. But like before that, I thought it was it was a decent enough action movie and, and quite enjoyable action. They need um, to have the escape room people write the fucking uh, Tomb Raider movies. Like, I don't care what people say about escape room. Those fucking rooms were fun as shit. I still have yet to see that one. Watch it. It's out now on Blu-ray and DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually... What? Thank you, sir. What? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Getting a little zany here. Get a little zany, get a little wonky. <laughs> get a little nutty. Nutty, nutty is a gross word sometimes. Nutty, like when you talk about something <laughs> tasting nutty, that's oh, like, nutty. yeah, like, yeah, like, like if you talk about something and it's like, oh, it's nutty, isn't like crazy? That's fine. But when you're talking about something tasting a little nutty, 
it can go really gross. Yeah, you have to, like, control the, like, nutty. Like, it, it has that, like, reaction. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be very specific. You have to be mm-hmm. very specific when you talk about that. You know, we take breaks on this show. I think we're going to take one now. All right. All right. So it is. All for it. It is, it is now break time. Recess. <laughs> I'm, I'm introducing our breaks like it's a new segment. I should have like a bumper for the breaks. <laughs> it's now break time. <laughs> and then like play that old Kit Kat commercial. Give me a break. Give me a break. I was thinking of that song by um, oh my uh, SWV in the middle where they go, and now it's time for a breakdown. And they say, never going to get it, never going to get, get it. it. You remember never that? Never going to get it, never going to get it. Never <laughs> going to get it, never going to get it. Never going to give it. Well, never well, give well, it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, was it? What, what did SWV stand for? Single Voices. Sisters with Voices. Sisters with Voices. Sisters with voices. That's what it's. SWV. Sisters with voice. Sisters with voice. That was a big – I loved them. I thought they were they fantastic. Were I thought they yeah, were really they good. Were I, I also like TLC. Also an excellent group. T-Boss, yeah. Left Eye, and Chili. Uh, the song – I, I, I like the Waterfall song, but my song was uh, – what was that song? Um, uh, the song where they talked about uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg. Do you remember that song? Oh, that oh, was a yeah. Good yeah. Here's here's oh, the here's the lyrics in that song. Uh, two inches or a yard, rock hard, or if it's sagging, I ain't too proud to beg. No, uh, so it ain't like I'm bragging. Just join the paddy wagon, cause I ain't too proud. I ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> I I just thought that I was like brilliant writing there. I don't know which one of those ladies, fantastic ladies, wrote that. T boss, left eye, or chili. But whoever wrote two inches or a yard, rock hard, or if it's sagging, they should have, like, it's almost like it's, I felt as if in that moment, listening to that song, I was like, this is the female equivalent of Baby Got Back. It's like Sir Mix-a-Lot wrote these lyrics. <laughs> but these fun. but these are women saying, you know what, we're going to talk about a male genitalia right now. <laughs> We're going to talk about the male genitalia in different states of, you know, you know, two inches. They're saying two inches, a yard, rock hard, or if it's second. They don't give a fuck if it's fucking just like literally minimalistic size, very small, two inches. That's nothing. I mean, Mm. it's not quite micro penis, but then they're like, they're throwing out a yard, rock hard, or they don't care if it's fucking flaccid. They don't give a shit. They're just happy to be there. They're happy to be there. They're happy to be in the presence of the male genitalia in that moment. And then we got Sir Mix-a-Lot rapping about butts. I was just like, you know what? This is equal opportunity for everyone talking about genitalia and body parts, and I love it. That was the thing I said. That's incredible. It's that was deep. Not really. I don't know what the fuck is wrong. I was wrong. trying to be nice. I don't know. It's, I know. It's, <laughs> I'm getting into stupid territory. should have took a break. A long time ago. (laughs) This is why I'm never going to be invited onto like VH1 to talk about like music because they're like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Jackass. You said like 10 minutes ago we're going to take a break and we're still not on break. I know. I've been talking about fucking. 
Next time we talk, they should have had those ladies do like they that song should be like what you hear uh, on those late night infomercials for those extends commercials where they got the old guy with like the woman that's <laughs> twenty years younger than him, and we're all like wondering why he's still getting a great erection. Fuck off! Fuck off! That fucking silver-haired guy with the fucking woman on his arm that's, like, 20 years younger than him, and he's like, yeah, I get great dire- uh, erections from taking this extends pill. Bullshit. You're fucking, you're getting hard because your woman's, like, 20 years younger than you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's real. Pretty much. That's real talk, people. Real talk right Yeah, I, Our listeners at this point are begging for me to hit that stop button and take the break. <laughs> They're begging. <laughs> Real talk with Brian. It's not real talk. This is just real stupid with Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, he's tackling the, he's tackling the TLC talk that we never wanted to hear. (laughs) Everything you wanted to know about TLC, but were afraid to ask (laughs) by Brian. (laughs) Oh God. I should never be allowed to talk any, I should not be the authority on a lot of things. TLC on PCL. Oh man, TLC. Uh-huh. Don't keep that shit to yourself. You can share it. Sorry. Uh-huh. I don't know why I kind of went Cajun, like French Cajun there. Uh-huh. I was thinking like French Chef. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is <laughs> that a question? <laughs> I. You know what? Right now, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, like both of you, and like how uncomfortable you must feel in this moment. And it's got to be terrible, like terrifying for you <laughs> to be on the other end of this conversation with this maniac rambling about TLC, getting none of the facts right at all about TLC. <laughs> what, didn't one of them die? Which one was it? Yeah. That was Left Eye. It was yeah, Left Eye? I died in Honduras, I think. Really? What happened? It was a plane crash from... No. Sure? Was, I think she... No, could, no, no. She, she didn't Hold commit on. suicide, did she? I'm just saying some shit that doesn't really... I I think I'm confusing her... With La Bamba. With with Aaliyah. You're you're confusing (laughs) her with La Bamba. No, I am not. Richie Valens. Richie Valens. It's all the same. Let's see. Rebecca's just like, I watched that La Bamba movie, and I thought that that was about (laughs) Left Eye. Oh, my God. (laughs) You're right, Rebecca. Honduras. Okay. So was it a plane crash, or was it... Oh, it was a car wreck, maybe. I think it was a plane crashed into her car. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> okay. get the job done. <laughs> On April 25th, 2002, Lopez was killed in a car crash while conducting charity work in Honduras. She swerved off the road to avoid hitting another vehicle, was thrown from her car, and died uh-huh. instantly, which is terrible. Yeah. yeah. She did pass away, yes. Yeah. I love that group. And that, that, that waterfall song was... I think to me that's... That and like Scrubs are like my two favorite mm. TLC songs. Great, those songs. are my jams. Good advice right. though with the waterfalls, you know. Uh, hello, don't go chasing waterfalls. Stick to the lakes and the rivers you're used to. I stitch that on a fucking pillow. Like that is words to live by. Can I have that pillow? Yes, I'll I'll make that. For you. <laughs> I'll stitch that for you. <laughs> that is where we're gonna end this. Because, like, we're not going to end it on, like, some of my nonsensical bullshit that I was saying earlier. (laughs) We're going to end it with those words to live by. Quoted. Quoted from Rebecca. (laughs) 
I don't know. I, I need to stop drinking this episode. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Hey, we are back. We're going to be jumping into Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick. I want to talk a couple things real quick. Um, Actually, just one. Uh, I talked about Demon Slayer. It's an anime that I've been watching on Funimation. It's also available on Hulu. It's uh, six, seven episodes in now. And uh, I watched the first two when I reviewed it a couple weeks ago. And uh, I gave it a high taste. Six episodes in, this is an absolute Tupperware. I absolutely love this. And it's now eclipsed that other anime that I brought up, which was Wise Man's Grandchild, which is now at a high taste. So... Demon Slayer is so fucking good. If you have Funimation, if you have Hulu, I highly, highly recommend you watch this anime. It is incredible, people. So I cannot wait. Uh, I know Nana Pratt from the uh, Blurreds Are Us podcast uh, started it after I recommended it. And he is loving it. Nana's loving it. So I, guys, watch this one. Watch this one. Uh, Demon Slayer, Funimation, Hulu. Check it out. Fucking awesome. Uh, another thing that I've been... I, <laughs> I am paying... Uh, uh, what is it? Four ninety nine a month now. I got the first thirty days free for Con TV, and the only reason that I subscribe to Con TV right now is because they have all four seasons of MXC available. Mm, oh, that show! Yes, yes, most extreme elimination, most extreme elimination challenge is all seasons, all episodes are available. On Con TV now, of course, they do also have on Con TV other content, uh, things like the old Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons. They have the old Cops cartoon. If you remember the old series Cops, uh, which only lasted a season, had a line of toys that were out. Um, they have uh, the Super Mario Brothers cartoons. They have some fringe movies, but man, 
I am there for MXC. I, I, I am going to pay the four ninety nine a month uh, for MXC. It's it's called Con TV because uh, they go to different conventions and they record the uh, convention, like the panels and things like that. So you can watch panels from different conventions. They have a bunch of C2E2 panels that they've recorded and things like that. So I, I can watch that if I want to, but I am there 100% right now to watch old MXC episodes. Rebecca, it sounds like you love MXC just as much as I do. Oh, man, yeah. I That's one of the things I discovered on Pluto TV. Of course, I watch Pluto mostly for Mystery Science Theater episodes, but then a couple of weeks ago, scrolling through it, I found mm. not all of them, but some mm-hmm. uh, of MXC. And, oh, my God, I just stayed up, like, really late just watching episode after episode. I love MXC. I was so sad when it went away. Yeah. Uh, God, that's like, oh my goodness. I just, I love all the stupid interviews. I love all the, 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 the teams with like the fake jobs, like, uh, get it on. Uh, Sorry. Get it on. Get it on. Or I love when they would like come up like to start the challenge and they'd yell something and, and they would just like dub it over like, my underwear is tight. Like they just say whatever. <laughs> yes. It's just, where we have uh, the Baker's Union versus, you know, Cartoon Animators Union. And and, and it was like these dumb rivalries. Yes. And, oh, my God. Oh, I love so MXC. I, I can watch it all day. I love it. You can get your first 30 days of Con TV for free if you sign up. And then after that, I believe it's four ninety nine a month. I I don't know. Like I am just gonna just burn through uh, MXC within this first month, and then make a decision as to whether if I'm gonna stick around for it or not. But Dan, did you ever watch MXC when it was on Spike Network? Or no, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I don't even know what that is. You have me excited about it, though. Oh, you gotta watch it, dude. Oh, it's, I watch MXC. Do you remember? Do you remember? Um, do you remember the show? I think it was on abc it was called wipeout where people would do the, yes. the different challenges and things like that it was kind of like a, a different um uh obstacle different courses and di- obstacle yeah, yeah obstacle I, I courses yeah and but this is it's mxc it was originally uh uh it was originally just like like a wipeout show like a japanese wipeout show and they've got like vic like these guys pretending to be um, uh, the it, it, host. It was, from, it was from Takeshi's Castle. That's yeah, what it Takeshi's was called. Takeshi's Castle. Thank you. Um, and they've got characters of Vic Romano and Kenny Blankenship as the host. And it is, <laughs> guys, I'm telling you, it is funny. Um, the Kenny Blankenship's most, what, what do they call Kenny Blankenship's most, uh, Oh God! Like at the end, they show like the most extreme. Oh, the most extreme elimination. Yeah. Oh God, I love Rebecca. I just <laughs> people just need to watch this. I know. So, so Dan, like this is literally like this is this was like a, a, a Japanese TV show. It's called Takeshi's Castle, and you'd have like teams of people come on, and they'd have them do crazy challenges. And um, but then so what they've done is they they've taken this footage and they've just put. American voices over it, but it, it, it just—it's making—it's nonsense. It's—it's it's absolute nonsense, and it's just hilarious. Like all of this commentary, especially like a Kenny Blankenship's character, like he's like a total fucking idiot. Like he doesn't know how anything is, or he's like always like revealing too much information, and then like you got Vic, like uh, Kenny, you can't say that on TV. Like it's—it's yeah. it's just Dan. I'm telling you, you'll watch one episode, and I—I I swear you'll be hooked, Dan. I'll give, I'll, stuff. I'll give you my login information, dude. 
And you oh, can, dope! Yeah, I'll check yeah, it out. You can watch it, dude. For it's sure. As soon awesome. as you get it to me, I'll check it out. It sounds hilarious. I love all those Japanese game shows. Oh, it's so great! And like all the ch- some of these challenges are so funny. And then like they make up these fake teams that are like having the rivalry and and just the the commentary of how people get eliminated, the things that they say about them. It is just <laughs> what's, hilarious. What's the uh, the one announcer that they have out in the field? What's his name? Gee. I think so. Yeah, and he's always asking like really like, inappropriate questions. Inappropriate questions, like uh, so. On your way here today, uh, did anybody try to kiss you or something like stupid like yeah. that? And then you know they've got like people like, oh, if someone tried to kiss me, I'd punch him right in the face. And then like it's funny because like you're just going off of like it, it's like watching the Power Rangers, right? Like when that was originally filmed in Japan. Yes, yeah. Like they're just you know, they're just putting like words over the actions. So like they're just throwing like this crazy dialogue and it's it's so funny damn yeah i'm like, all over it that sounds great they'll have like a woman getting ready to start a challenge and she'll just like yell out something stupid before she she'll throw up her hand and go i pee standing up and then she'll like <laughs> <laughs> and just and then it's kind of like mystery science theater 3000 where they just insert just just crazy stuff and there's Oh my god, there's there's not an episode of this show that I did not enjoy. It was originally on Spike TV, and I remember watching it back in like 2003 to 2004, 2005, and just loving MXC. And then it went away, and you'd be able to find it in reruns every once in a while. I have not been able to find this show in a long time. You said it was on Pluto? I didn't even know yeah, that. But like, not... Yeah. But like maybe I think one season. Right. It's not a lot of you know how that goes like with Pluto because it's free TV. Yeah. So like they have like select episodes on. So even like with their mystery science theater um, uh, s- selection, it's not every episode. You can yeah. actually find way more on YouTube. Yeah. But um, yeah. But what what is on there? It is free on on Pluto also. But it's not the whole series. It, it's like I want to say it's probably like one season. Yeah, so I don't know. Check it out, people, if you want to. You get 30 days for free on Con TV. You'll laugh your ass off. It's fucking incredible. It's called <laughs> MXC. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Dan, I'm going to yeah. go watch it right now. <laughs> Dan, just message me. I'll give you my login info. I don't give a fuck. Um, Done. Let's see here. Uh, did you guys want to talk about the newest Game of Thrones episode? Did you have thoughts? Rebecca? Um, I mean, I, I do. Um, I, I wouldn't mind spending a few minutes on it if you guys want to. I, I would. I would enjoy that. Let's sure. go. Go for it, Rebecca. Yeah. So I know there's been a lot of people are people are crazy. The whole petition thing of like you know redo this season. I think that's complete ridiculousness. Um, I, I don't agree with every choice they've made this season. Um, and I know it's been talked about to death on the internet. Um, I, I will say this. I think. So yeah, full, full spoilers. Um, you know, D- Danny gets, Danny promises, um, Tyrion that if the people in King's Landing surrender and ring the bell, uh, she will not destroy, uh, like the common folk in, in the Red Keep. She's there to knock down Cersei. She's there to take over the throne. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have all of this stuff about how, you know, John basically won't sleep with her anymore because, you know, he's like, well, we're related. So gross. Um, and he's just like, oh, I'll serve you because you're my queen. And I get that they've hinted and foreshadowed that she's supposed to be the mad queen. 
and this is strictly just my opinion, everybody. You can at me if you want to, but this is my opinion. I don't think the writing in this season has justified her turn as the Mad Queen. That is strictly my opinion. I think we needed an episode in between when Miss Sandy died and this last episode to really show her breaking down. Um, and I get that, that like Miss Sandy's death affected her, but right before she decides to execute, um, what's his name? Um, Varys? Yeah, Varys. 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 Right. Her biggest thing is that John betrayed me, right? John betrayed me. And it's just as like, oh, well, my, my boyfriend won't give me the D anymore. So I'm gone crazy now and I just have to burn everybody. And, and I know it's not as black and white as that, but it really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, especially, you know, all these seasons leading up to this, they, they've, Danny has been shown to be the champion of the innocent, the champion of, you know, she's the breaker of chains, right? And I'm not saying she does it for altruistic reasons completely. She does it so she can get more followers. But at the end of the day, I mean, we saw Danny crying her eyes out over little kids that were crucified. And here she is burning up babies and little kids and people who were, had no control over what's happening. And I would have been more comfortable with this if she had started to do that and then stopped and said oh what am i doing like something like that and instead like for 20 minutes she's there systematically just burning everybody down i I, she she went crazy for 20 minutes like that that really bugged me and i felt like cersei's death was just so it was uh, after all the seasons of her being like this really great villain she gets smashed to death by a the roof falling on her. I, I don't know. It was, but there's good stuff in the episode too. Like I loved watching like the mountain versus the hound. And, um, I, 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 I love, I love Jon Snow. I think he's great. Um, I don't know. Just, I don't think the writing is great for Danny this season or even for any of the women this season, to be honest, but just, but, Talking about Danny, I, I don't think it's been great. I think Sansa, I love Sansa in this season. I do too. She was all, honestly, I've come around to her as being one of me my too. favorite characters. I didn't like her in the beginning and now I really love her. Yeah, yeah me, me too. too. In the same way. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like we're, I, for me, and this is just me speaking, I think that I'm at a disservice watching this season because of the amount of time it's been since I've seen season seven and season six. I feel like in between seasons, they've taken such long breaks that I forget like what happened 100% in season six and season seven. I feel like we were warned in one of the previous seasons that the North would never respect Danny. Like even her advisors told her that, that they would never kind of they would always kind of like gravitate mm-hmm. towards someone else like the north would never respect her and 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 i think like you know she's seeing that happen now and that's kind of i, I do agree with you like this it, it feels like there needs to be more episodes kind of like showing why she's turning it's happening too quickly here i agree with that mm-hmm. and- i would have liked a few more episodes here yeah but i i think i'm at a disservice I I feel like we're all at a disservice because of the amount of time that they took off between seasons. Like, 
you know, it, how long has it been since we had season seven? We had to wait like a, over a year and a half, it felt like, to get this new season. I think that's right. Yeah, I don't know. So, uh, I the thing with me is that I binged everything last year, and I just I did it all in one month. Wow. So I don't really feel like I have invested myself like everyone else has. I totally get what people are saying, and I understand that you know they're seeing some of their characters not go the way that they want them to, and and I totally get that. You know what I mean? But I, I do agree that they. I think what it is is that they're shoehorning too much in. They needed to have maybe like a what are we at? This is a six season, excuse me, a six episode season, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think ten episodes really would have done it justice, particularly for a show so grand as Game of Thrones. Um, so I totally get everyone's argument with it, but because I'm not that invested, I I can respect what people are saying, but it didn't bother me as much. You know what I mean? Because I, I, Rebecca, we had a small conversation on Twitter, you know, and, and I told you nothing that you didn't already know, of course, but it's like. You know, it seems like it was sort of building up to that anyway, much like you said, you know, um, she she's the Mad King's her father and that's in the genes, you know, and right. They they could have definitely done something with that if they would have written it better to where it, she manifests into it. You could see a breakdown over, you know, maybe even like half a season and then just really bring it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like even for someone that's like not as dedicated to Game of Thrones, not as invested, it just seems like they really just tried to cram everything but the kitchen sink in there to to give you fan service to close off stories and everything. And in some aspects they've done very well. The more I think about it, I can, I really can get behind why people are so pissed off about Danny. And I don't know. I mean, I'm very curious how they're going to wrap everything up. I totally agree with you about Cersei's death though. That was the most underwhelming shit for someone so well written for seven seasons. And then they just kill her off like that. Like that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and I get, I get like her moment of, you know, uh, Jamie, I'm scared. I don't want to die here. I don't want our baby to die. Like, I I understand that. Like, I get that. But I felt like they took a character who was so evil and so conniving and so, like, she was the villain you loved to hate. And they turned her at the end, at the end of the season into, like, a nothing villain. I, I was just... Not a nothing villain because she's still doing terrible stuff. But I, I feel like they really just didn't give give me the Cersei ending I wanted, and and I, I get that too. Like I, I'm not entitled to what I want because I want it. But I, after yeah. building up Cersei as this villain, I mean, I would, I think she deserved a better death than just the roof fell on her head, like. I uh, Game, of, Game of Thrones is so always annoying. Game of Thrones has always tried to subvert expectations. Yeah, and here's I, uh, the, and and they've always tried to have you sympathize with very unlikable characters. Like like look at how we've felt over about Jamie Lannister over the years, you know. And and uh, even here in this final episode with Cersei, like you, I kind of felt bad for her watching, you know, like all these people die and her city be destroyed. Not, I didn't feel bad for her, but I, I, I felt it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to mm-hmm. kind of break down. No, and, but, but you're not the first person to say that. Like, yeah. so I think if we're talking about subverting expectations, I think then the writers in that sense did a really good job. I'm just not happy with like how, you know, J- Jamie had this arc in this season where he was like, uh, like almost a redemption arc and I get it right Sub- subverting expectations but I really hated how they wrote Brienne 
crying and begging him to stay with her. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is Brienne of Targ. You're going to tell me she's crying because the guy left after he gave her dick twice? Give me a break. I don't think that's why she cried. I think she wanted more for Jamie. I don't think it had to do with like... I think I don't think that's why she was me personally. This is what mm-hmm. I got out of it. Mm-hmm. This is how, my read. I don't. I think that she saw more in Jamie. It wasn't about like her feeling sorry for herself. It was her feeling sorry for him that he deserved more. She felt that he yeah. deserved more. Um, that's what I got out of it. Yeah. I don't think. That, I, I don't. And, and, yeah, and, I, and I don't mm-hmm. think that this has anything to do to show with a weakness in her character. I think that she's still the baddest ass woman that you're going to meet on the battlefield. It has nothing to do with that. But as far as like her feelings for someone and her love for someone, this is new territory for Brienne. And exactly. she, she kind of that's like, true too. She, she, no, that's true. she let that wall down. And yeah. I, I feel, I felt like not only was it's, 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 it's when you love someone, but you know that they have an addiction and Jamie Lannister's addiction was his sister, and she knows right. that that's not that's not a good thing, and she knows that he's better than that. That, and maybe it's not that 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 they that they should be together, but she knows that there's something better for him, that he's made for something better, and that he can that there is redemption, even though he's done such evil things. There's there's things that there is redemption for him. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, you, there's different angles that you can look at this. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, I just don't, I don't want to look through it through the lens of them trying to, because I love the character as well. And I love her strength and I love her inner fortitude and I love the warrior within. I don't want to look at her at, at this moment as her weakness. I want to look at this as her being a human being and caring about Jamie in that moment and not, and not saying, don't leave me. I need you. I don't think I, I I don't think that that's where, that's where I, I, I don't want to see it coming from that angle. So, I mean, I, I I can see your point. Um, I, I do see your point. I, I, I could see also too, like it being a multi layered reason of her being, of, of of that moment of where she's crying and she, does she want better for him? Yes, I can absolutely agree to that. And does she does she love him? Yeah, she does love him, and she's loved him for a while now. And then you know they have this chance to be together, and then he leaves. I guess I just I, I'm looking at it, and maybe it's just a personal thing. Like I'm looking at it as I've 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 been there, and I've I've been the best friend of the woman who uh, the guy left her and. She had to be strong and not cry in front of him because you never want to let them see you cry. And, and that's kind of where I was approaching it. And that's just, yeah, but those women didn't like personally, they, those women in that moment didn't have to deal with the, the fact that the guy, as soon as they leave, there's a good chance they're going to die. True. No, that, that's also very true. Yeah. There was death involved in this scenario. I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm not discounting what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I also feel like, I also feel like that scene would have played weird if he would have left and she would have been like, well, fuck you, bitch. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, I, I don't, I I don't give a shit. Oh, fuck you then. 
come in, yeah. come up in here and fucking we disrobe and we do the nasty and you leave. Fuck you then. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Hit it and quit it, motherfucker. Hit, hit it and quit it. I'm gonna go fucking fuck Podrick and his big old donkey dick right now, you son of a bitch. <laughs> So, you know, I, I think like either way it would have played weird. I felt like, I felt like with his imminent, imminent death being on the line here, because like he's going somewhere that's going to get decimated. And I felt like that hit her, that this, he's, they've spent, they've had special moments together and he's going to die. This is not, this is not like, I'm leaving you and I, I choose her. It was, I'm gonna die for her. And, 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 and she's, and she's, I think she's crying in that moment because he's, she, she knows he's gonna die. Hmm. But that, I, I don't know. got the impression too that like this is the only person that she's ever felt any kind of physical attraction for. And she's looking at it from a very immature point of view. I mean, she just lost her virginity to him. She's fallen in love with him over the last few seasons. There's a lot going on right there. Like you're saying, he's leaving to die. He's leaving to go be with his sister, which is a fucked up story in itself. And, you know, coming, I mean, think about it like the first, your first love. How raw were you? How intense was that? You know what I mean? So yeah, she's, but she's experiencing first, all those things too. Her first love is not as a teenager. She's got an adult mind. I mean, she's very disciplined. And so, I mean, I've also got to keep that into account here. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I, if it were me and I, I mean, God knows I'm no television writer. I don't have the talent for it. But like if, if I was in the room, I would have preferred. And again, I know the show doesn't owe me, Rebecca, anything. But if, if I had my druthers, it would be that, you know, him and her and Jamie have like an emotional argument and maybe there's, you know, yelling and screaming, but she holds back the tears until he leaves and then she breaks down. Like to me, that would be, that, that would have hit me as a gut punch. Just as a woman, that would have hit me in in a, in a place that I've been like, oh my God, I have been there where you hold it back until they leave because you don't want to let them see you cry. But what shows, and, what, what, I mean, why, I don't know, what, um, what shows your love and that you care for somebody? Fucking real tears. Like, like right. for a man to cry, for a woman leaving, that shows vulnerability. And I, 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 I guess like, I, we're talking about, television and like how think how people perceive things in this day and age and you know uh, we don't want to see like the the weakness in 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 some of these female characters and i i, I get that but i don't know i it's it's a, it's a hard thing rebecca i don't yeah. know it's a hard yeah, thing yeah to... i i know like and my solution i know it's not perfect and it's really just more of me speaking from my own personal feelings and stuff but there's a lot i am loving about this last season yeah. um i thought the first two episodes were absolutely incredible i thought the battle of winterfell was great um w- one of the reasons why i'm really disappointed in cersei's death was like you know they killed the night king in the battle of winterfell and the idea being that, like, oh, man, that means Cersei's the big bad. And it's like, okay. But then there was no, like, I felt like there's final. 
battle felt, with her. I felt like it's always been looming, though. Like, what are they going to do about like who's going to take over the Iron Throne? Is Danny or John going to? Oh be on the yeah, Iron for Throne? sure. Like, and I don't, that, I don't, I don't want either of them on it. I, I don't, and I don't want Arya on it either. I know a lot of people want Arya on it. Yeah, I don't think that she wants the job, so I don't want no. to put her. I want Sansa at the end of the day on the Iron Throne. Me too. Yeah, La- me too. At the end of last season, I was 100% Team Daenerys, and this this season, and I have to give complete, not complete. I have to give a lot of props to uh, to Melissa on uh, the Winner Is Here podcast that she's doing with uh, Michael Winkler. Um, she's really turned me around to Sansa on uh, for this season, and I am now 100% Team Sansa. I hope she sits on the Iron Throne at the end. She's got the most level head out of anybody in this fucking season. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody, uh, Absolutely. She's yeah. really shown herself to be a true leader. John is just fucking. Uh, John's an idiot. Can I, He's an idiot. And pardon me for saying this, but John is just like puppy love and just pussy whipped. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. No, he, it, he kind of is. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like he does believe that. I think he did believe in her at one time, but we've kind of seen like him we've seen him waver on how he views Daenerys now but mm-hmm. he's still backing her Tyrion Tyrion's doing the same fucking thing and yeah, he is and it's like I I would love to see because like I would love to John I would love for John to pull his head out of his ass and 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 take some guidance and counseling from his sister, who Arya believes is already the, like the smartest woman she's ever met, the smartest person she's ever met. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like they're looking at they're looking at uh, Tyrion for all this battle guidance and all this stuff. Him and the right Sansa should be. I mean, they like she's the most untapped person in this fucking show as far as leadership, and it's just everybody's looking in the wrong direction. And the answer's right in front of them. It's fucking Sansa. Yep, absolutely. I agree. She's been through so much. It's like shaped her character for all eight seasons. It kind of makes sense that she does that. I mean, she's grown so much. I don't know what it was about her. I didn't like her character for the longest time, but the writing that they're doing now, she's so fucking good. That's what they do. That's what they do with these characters. You hate Jamie Lannister after that, after that first season when he, when he, uh, pushes Bran out of that window. Next thing you know, it's like, now, now, now I'm shipping him with Rianne. You know, it's like, that's what this show does. Like it, they, they, they make you sympathetic to unlikable characters. And, uh, you know, we, and I'm not saying like Sansa's always been unlikable. There's been times where I felt she's boring. Um, then there's been times where I felt like she, I wanted her to kind of like assert herself more. And, uh, for some reason this, this season, she's been the voice of reason, the most level headed person. And, and she's to me is the leader that, uh, that Westeros needs. So, yeah. yeah. 100%. Hey, what did you guys think of the Tyrion and Jamie scene? Oh, when God. They parted ways. Oh, that was, was I loved it. Very uh, emotional. I had a dude in tears, man. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. like, especially when he said, um, you know, if it weren't for you, like, it, he basically said, like, words to the effect, like, if, if it weren't for you, I, I would have been killed as a child. Because, yeah, like, it, n- nobody ever took him seriously. Nobody ever cared about him. But Jamie always did. And it, it, <sighs> It it really broke my heart mm-hmm. because I knew I knew Jamie was gonna die 
uh, I, I, I knew he was going to die at the end of this thing because it was like, there's no way you're going to walk into King's Landing and you're going to try to save your, you're, you're not escaping. There's no happily ever after for you and her. Like, it's, it's just not going to happen. It's a, I think it's, um, I think it, it showed addiction. Like that was his addiction. And I felt like mm-hmm. when the whole scene with Brienne was like him choosing his addiction over her. And, uh, we see that a lot where people like, you know, like people reach out and they try to help someone and they're addicted to whether, whatever it may be, drugs, gambling, whatever. And then they push them aside. And you know that, that, there, that there's better things for them. And it, it tears the people up that are reaching out that helpful, helpful hand, you know, that helping mm-hmm. hand. And I felt like that's what I got out of that scene. I got you. I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying, too. Like, I, I, I'm not trying to discount what you're saying. And I, I, oh, yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, oh, God. Like, because I'll be honest with you, that scene where they're fucking, and this is crazy, because I was going to tweet this, but I didn't, because I didn't want to spoil anything. But, like, the scene where fucking Brienne and Jamie are both disrobing each other. I'm sitting there fucking crying over a sex. I don't think I've ever cried over a sex scene before unless it's been in my personal life. And I, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. Why did I do that? But that's that's a completely different podcast. We'll, right, right, right. We'll save that. We'll save that for a very special podcast. <laughs> Yes, men do the walk of shame too. Um. <laughs> no, Brian, I was I was super emo- even like going back to like when they were playing like that like that drinking game. Yeah. In in the in the hall, and Tyrion throws out like you know you're a virgin, you've never slept with a man, mm-hmm. and I was just like. Oh my, like my heart just broke for Brienne. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, why would you say that to her in front of Jamie? And then when he comes up later, I was like, Oh my God, it's going to happen. Yeah. And I got all emotional about it too, because I just, I love Brienne so much. Mm-hmm. Like I love, Oh, and I love Gwendolyn Christie. I just adore her. And I, oh, I just don't worry wanted, about like, don't worry about her mental fortitude. She's going to, I think she's going to bounce right back. And I think that, I think that maybe she'll get with that wildling dude now. That's what I was thinking. Tormund. Oh, Tormund. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry about her. She's still a badass on the battlefield. Don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about I, that. I, 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 I hope we see her do that in this last episode. Rebecca, like, think about, think about yeah. all the lessons of love that we've had to learn. Think about all the – everybody's had to learn these lessons the hard way. Everybody has had to learn the you know the lessons of love. Everybody's been hurt by somebody or something or someone, you know? And so, I mean, this is it. She's going to bounce right back. Brienne's going to be fine. She's still a fucking badass, all right? Don't yeah, you- that's – I just I, – I just – yeah, you're right. No, she she is still a fucking badass. Yeah. And I just really want to see that in this last episode. I really hope that we do. I hope we do too. Hopefully we will. Yeah, you guys see I they, love her. They digitally scrubbed the the uh the uh coffee, Star- the Starbucks, the Starbucks coffee. cup. Yeah, you can't yeah, they, they, they scrubbed it out. I wish but, that they but, Hold on. What are you saying? I was going to say in this last episode there was another error though where uh Jamie didn't have his gold hand. And they, uh, the, the scene with, uh, the, uh, the hound and, uh, the mountain. Did you mm-hmm. guys see the, the Toyota Corolla drive by? <laughs> yeah, I did. I thought it was an odd aesthetic choice. But, that was uh, yeah, fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie had his regular hand? 
Yeah, like they forgot to put it on, I guess, in the prop department. I was like, do y'all not care about this last episode? Like, right, what's the deal? Well, are, they, are they over it? Do you think that's what it is, why they're making so many what I would consider mistakes, such as things like that? You got to. I mean, like how many times can you not see that when you're fucking playing it back? Yeah, two years to not miss that. Right. And they, they blew it, you know? Yeah. It just makes me feel like they're kind of over it is all. And I, then I, I, have to, I have to ask you another question because – I feel like I'm ignorant to something, and I might as well ask you on here. Is it me, or is Bran completely fucking worthless? Oh, 100% worthless. I've never liked his character, ever. Right. He's the worst. I hate Bran so much. They could have done more with him. I, I see the importance in the character leading up to the events that we got. He is the He is the record of mankind. You kill Bran... Right. And all of mankind and its history are lost. And that's the importance of the character. But I don't feel like this season has really shown us any of that. That's why it's like, I think like once the books do come out, if they ever do come out and finish this story, that it'll be the proper the proper ending, the, the ending that we all wanted. And I, I would then have to go back and, and start reading these books. But, uh, yeah, they, 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 they fucked up Bran. I was loving Bran uh, this season, and I was like, oh, my God, they're going to do so much with this character, and really nothing now. I'm going to, go now. <laughs> going to go now. Going to go now. Yeah, well, could, oh. you, could you warg into something, maybe? Yeah. Or or maybe, how about you, how about you warn... Um, Oh God! What's his name? Uh, the kid, the guy who was guarding him was was that Theon. 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 Sorry, I was confusing him with his brother. The uh, Warren Theon, dude, you don't have to die because I can fucking see the future and I know Arya's about to jump out of the tree and kill the Night King. So just stay right here for a minute. Right. Like, why would you let him? Die? Thank you. You've always been a good man. Why? Why would <laughs> you do that? Well, oh, I, maybe here's the thing. Like, you got to think about it this way. Did Theon actually distract everyone else from them noticing that Arya is going to, you know, I mean, we can all, I don't know. It, it's, it's weird. I, who knows? I mean, if he distracted him in that moment and then that's when she jumped. No, he was fully dead on the ground and the Night King was doing his slow walk right up to Bran 10 minutes later. That's an exaggeration, but 10 minutes later and, and now she's like, ah, jumping out of the tree. I, I, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was, why would you let him die like that? He like, just wait two minutes and Arya is about to jump out of the tree and kill him. Like, just wait. I, I, I'm not, not, not a fan of that ending for Theon either. Do you think that Starbucks like gave them anything for doing what they did? <laughs> like, do you think like a kickback or like, do you think like maybe like, like uh, what, what's the showrunners? Uh, Benioff and Weiss, do you think like they're getting like like free Starbucks gold cards where they can walk into yeah, a Starbucks for life for life free frappuccinos? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you ever heard of, like what is it the the Burger King gold card where you get free Burger King for the rest of your life? You ever <laughs> yeah. hear about that? Like like they give it to celebrities? I think like uh, P Diddy might have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the showrunners from um, from Game of Thrones now have. Uh, Starbucks gold cards. Gold cards. Yeah, they could go. <laughs> the pinnacle of status. Right. Hey, I think that they should actually go back to older episodes and 
add in digitally insert coffee cups into older. Find episodes. the coffee cup. That'd be great. Well, they could make it. They could make Guardians like uh, Game of Thrones, like uh, like the Where's Waldo for coffee. You know what I mean? Like where you're just like the whole episode, like you you're just looking for that damn coffee cup. <laughs> You know, and I just and they can even go to the point where they're just like, fuck it. And then like one episode, they just throw like brawn in as like a barista or something. You know what I mean? Just like (laughs) just go nuts with this shit. Give it like the Lucas treatment and just throw in all these new special effects. But they're all coffee related. That's that's great. (laughs) I'll start a petition immediately so we can get that going. (laughs) You fuckers in your petitions. (laughs) I'm going to start a petition that's anti-petition. Like I, uh, that doesn't make that doesn't. You know, hey, I watched a uh, new documentary. Dan, did you get a chance to watch What's My Name, Muhammad Ali? I watched the first dude. I've been working a lot. I watched like the first 15, 20 minutes. I thought it was great what I saw. Yeah, and I freaking fell asleep and I never got a chance to watch it. Ah, no worries. No worries. I uh, this is something I've been looking forward to. It's another HBO sports documentary and it's actually broken up into two parts. Uh, each episode is about uh, an hour and a half. Uh, it's called What's My Name? Muhammad Ali. And uh, one of the most iconic figures in athletic history, Muhammad Ali's incredible story from world champion boxer to insp- uh, inspiring social activist is explored through his own voice and never before seen archival material. Uh, this one's directed by Antoine Fuqua. He was the uh, director for The Equalizer. He also uh, did the remake of The Magnificent Seven. Love Antoine Fuqua. Um, this goes through in, in about three hours – it goes through a lot of Muhammad Ali's life, um, a lot of the fights, a lot of footage, um, a lot of footage um, from him in his home, um, a lot of footage from him in interviews. Um, it goes through – so it doesn't really go through his childhood, which I wished it would have done. See, that's the thing. Like you're literally going to have to do like what Hulu did with like OJ – that OJ Simpson documentary and break it into like eight – one hour parts to get the entire this guy led a massive life muhammad ali led a massive life this guy fought his entire life not only inside the ring but outside the ring i i uh i I have so much respect for this guy as a fighter and as a human being um he refused to fight in vietnam i don't know what your thoughts are in vietnam but like he refused to fight and um that was him taking a stand, and uh, you know, it, 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 he got stripped of his of his title. This 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 documentary talks about him getting stripped of the of the title uh, for standing up for that right. Um, okay. Stood up for his religion. It gets into him uh, uh, getting into Islam, dropping the name of Cassius Clay, becoming Muhammad Ali. Goes into his fights with uh, Joe Frazier, and um, you know I. You know, I wasn't around. Like, I was not alive when Muhammad Ali was fighting in his heyday, in his prime. You know, like, I think I was two, three years old when Muhammad Ali retired. So I missed out on some great boxing here. But I've gone back and I've watched a lot of documentaries. I've watched a lot of Muhammad Ali fights. Um, and this is, this is, Dan, I'm telling you, um, Rebecca, I don't know, like, do you watch a lot of Muhammad Ali or boxing documentaries? I don't know if this is even your thing. Mm, not particularly. I mean, I love the Rocky movies, as you know, and yeah. I love that movie Chuck, yeah, uh, which yeah. is a, a boxing movie. Right. I'm like, I'm like, I guess I could 
could say I'm a casual fan of like cinematic boxing. Sure, I think you, I think you would like this. I think it's it's uh, if you don't know anything about Muhammad Ali, and that's the reason I ask you. If you don't know anything about Muhammad Ali, this guy led a fascinating life from like mm-hmm. his relationship with Malcolm X, uh, his relationship with even Martin, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, I mean, this guy led a fantastic life, uh, an amazing life. And, um, a lot of great interviews with him and, and Dick Cavett in this. I was like blown away by like how many, how many times Dick Cavett interviewed him. Um, Dick Cavett. Is uh he's a personality all himself. He was in a Cheers episode, just so you know, Dick Cavett. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, a little bit of a little bit of trivia there for you. Um, I I love this. I'm going to give it a Tupperware as far as the rating goes. I I loved it. I I, I thought it was fantastic. A Tupperware. There's a lot more stuff that um, I would have liked to have seen in this documentary. But I'll be honest with you, it's stuff you can find. I mean, the they do get into Rumble in the Jungle. That was his fight with George Foreman. They do get into it, but they don't break it down as much as I'd like them to. But I'll be honest with you, even if they did, it's kind of redundant. You can watch. There's supplemental documentaries that you can watch. There's a movie called uh, When We Were Kings that came out in 96 that uh, I love that movie. It basically breaks down the entire event, Rumble in the Jungle. Um, that fucking movie is incredible. I haven't seen it in over a decade, but, um, it's, uh, it, it, it chronicles the entire fight, uh, between him and George Foreman. Um, George Foreman had actually just got, I believe gotten the title from Joe Frazier. George Foreman was a fucking beast, a fucking yeah, he was. beast. Um, just like a, you know, uh, very powerful fighter. And, um, you know, uh, you've got, you've got Muhammad Ali who's like, you know, coming back from, you know, uh, being, uh, out of, out of boxing for a while because of the whole legal shit. And, um, you know, now he's got to fight Foreman and, uh, just an amazing, amazing match between those two. I'm not going to talk about it, but it's fucking amazing. But I would watch When We Were Kings if you want to know more about, more about that. Like it, it talks about like, M- Muhammad Ali was embraced by the people of Africa. They loved him. They were not a fan of George Foreman. Like Ali, Pumbaa. Yes, Ali, yes. They would follow him in the streets and run behind him, and they loved him in Africa. And um, you know, because like he, that's where he wanted the venue to take place. Um, this does get into a little bit about it. It it kind of gets into like his fight with um, Parkinson's because. That's also another fight that he had, you know, is his fight with Parkinson's disease. And, and he was diagnosed with that in 84, and it, and it does get into that. But um, I, I, I talk with this. It's two parts. Uh, it's called What's My Name, Muhammad Ali. Um, it is uh, a, a pretty great documentary, and I think it'll, it'll make you want to, like, seek out more uh, Muhammad Ali stuff. I watched—Dan, I don't know about you, but I, I, I watched this in— um, I think that, uh, I think Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson at 18 and 19, I think 18, 19 year old Mike Tyson, I think would have whooped the shit out of Muhammad Ali. I agree 100%, dude. He was a beast back then. Yeah. He still is, man. But I mean, I mean, obviously you've watched boxing. Mm -hmm. I like boxing. I mean, I come from, when I was growing up, it was like Hearns and Hagler. Yeah. Of course, all the Mike Tyson stuff. But Tyson did not fuck around. And I can't see, I can't see him going toe to toe with Ali 
Ollie more showboaty, more dancey. Yeah. Tyson didn't do that. Tyson yeah. came in close and knocked you the fuck out. Yeah. And I agree with you 100%, man. I don't think he would have been able to do it. I think both of them in their primes, too. Like 18, 19 oh, year olds. I think both of them in their primes. I still, I still think Tyson takes it, but I think like older Muhammad Ali would take older Mike Tyson. That's the only way I think Muhammad Ali could ever take Tyson. It's a good point. Older, wiser Muhammad Ali and then Tyson out of his prime was kind of falling, not falling apart, but he was letting other things get in the way of his career. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's the only way I could see Ali beating Tyson. Because, God damn it, like, I don't know, man. I've seen seen some dudes that fucking Muhammad Ali took, you know, like 15 rounds. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Tyson would have knocked that motherfucker out and, like, two minutes that dude oh don't you do you ever remember paying for the pay-per-view and just yes feeling completely robbed 30 seconds later the fight's over yeah he was a fucking wrecking machine until i until 1990 when i watched that buster douglas fight live oh man what a well what a tragedy that was the, oh, well here's the thing it's like you know tyson had just lost his trainer buster douglas had just lost his mom buster douglas was in the best shape of his life and uh, here's the uh, another thing is like Tyson's first fight in Japan. Like Japan was expecting to see like this beast, this fucking you know uppercut knockout motherfucker, and then Buster Douglas ends up beating him. It was fucking crazy. I was I was I, I couldn't believe it watching that. I, I I was 12 years old watching that fight and I could not fucking believe it because I remember like Tyson beat Spinks in like a minute 30. Yeah, he didn't do very much. Like, I'm trying to think of it. I was actually thinking about that when you were talking, like, what his longest fight was. But it was pretty much ridiculous every time. I don't think he ever took, like, what's the furthest he went? Was it maybe like, Razor three, four rounds tops? Was it Razor Ruddick? I think Razor Ruddick gave him, like, the biggest right. challenge. He gave him the best fight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, back in the day. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm talking, like, pre-prison, pre-Buster Douglas. I'm talking... Mike Tyson. Pre ear biting and all that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man. Muhammad Ali is just something else, man. He's uh, such a such a hero. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to go back and watch it, but he's such a hero and such. There's just so much story to tell, as you know. And it's crazy. The one part that I remember that I did see was, you know, he's he's a champ. And he comes home and he can't even eat in a diner because of the time that it is. You know, you have this oh, guy that's... Oh, God, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, he's this—he's a hero, man. And he can't even eat in a fucking diner because of the times that it was. He's an Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> insane. Uh, Thanks for your services, but you can't eat here. This guy fought his entire life. And you wonder why he doesn't want to fight for the country? Because of shit like that. How did we treat him? Are you fucking kidding me? Damn it. You know? So, so backwards, man. So fucking backwards. He fought his entire life. I th- that's, what, that's what I feel bad about. It's like he had to, he had to, he had to fight in the ring. He had to, he had to fight in the ring. He had to fight in the ring to get a name. He had to fight, he had to fight for his stance on Vietnam. And then he had to fucking fight Parkinson's. Like, oh my God. What a life. What a life. What just uh I, I I think he's just an inspirational figure. 
Yeah, total hero, man. Yeah. Love Muhammad Ali. And so animated and so, such a big personality. I mean, yeah. you just don't forget that. Oh, God. If you've experienced Muhammad Ali, there's nothing like him. One thing I also learned, too, I didn't realize that he was a singer or – I should say, cut an album. I thought that was pretty entertaining. So did Joe Frazier, and they talk about that in the documentary. <laughs> did you happen to take a listen? I went straight to YouTube and checked it out. It's great. <laughs> oh, did you? Did oh, you? yeah. Nice. The whole album's on there, man. Oh, my God. Uh, not, hey, Rebecca, were you talking about what a shithead Howard Stern was? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching Joe Frazier on Howard Stern years ago, and Howard Stern sets up this joke, and he's like, so, uh, how many times did you, uh, you and Muhammad Ali fight? And he's like, I think he said like three. He's like, uh-huh. and who won more fights? He's like, Ali. Ali won two. I won one. And he's like, I think that they should, uh, I think that they should, um, kind of like, uh, make the, uh, make the call as to who the better fighter is, you know, years later. Basically talking about like how, Muhammad Ali has Parkinson's now and how he's not, you know. Oh, Jesus. Exactly. And he's like, yeah, I think that they should, and how, and you could tell how uncomfortable Joe Frazier was in that fucking moment. I'm sure he was, yeah. yeah I heard that interview. Yeah, it was fucking, just sickening. Just fucking sickening. Who is that? Who is that? I don't know. Did you hear that? I yeah, did hear something. I don't some know what it was, though. Female voice. <laughs> the, I don't know. Hold on. I have no idea. Well, I want to get the bottom of this. Hold on. Who was that? <laughs> I don't know. Is that coming from your window? New York it noise? It might be. I don't know. It could be. There's I, a lot of people here did, in New York. Did, fucking, uh, did, uh, did uh, Alexa feel like she needed to chime in? What's going on? Alexa, I don't have Alexa. <laughs> hey, Dan, we watched a show. Uh, Rebecca, did you watch Catch-22? I watched the first two episodes. Uh, Dan, uh, you watched some Catch... That's all, folks. Dan, you watched some Catch-22? Yeah, I am two and a half episodes in right now. I am three episodes in on Catch-22. This is a new series uh, from uh, Hulu. It's six episodes in total. Catch-22 is a satirical dark comedy miniseries based on the novel of the same name by Joseph Heller. Uh, it's described by Hulu as the story of the incomparable artful Dodger, Yasarian a U.S. Army Air Force's bombardier in World War II who is, fu- who is furious because thousands of people he has never met are trying to kill him. But his real problem is not the enemy, but rather his own army, which keeps increasing the number of missions the men must fly to complete their service. Uh, yet if Yasarian makes any attempt to avoid his military assignments, he'll be in violation of Catch-22, a hilariously sinister bureaucratic rule which specifies that a concern for one's own safety in the face of dangers which are real and immediate is the process of a rational mind. A man is considered insane if he willingly continues to fly dangerous combat missions, but a request to be removed from duty (laughs) is evidence of sanity and therefore makes him ineligible to be relieved from duty. Uh, The series stars uh, Christopher Abbott, Kyle Chandler, Friday Night Lights, and the upcoming Godzilla King of Monsters, uh, Hugh Laurie, and George Clooney himself is also in the first episode. Uh, he's also the executive producer on this. Um, this is a uh, remake. Of course, this is based on the book, but it's also a remake of a uh, 1970s film that starred uh, Alan Arkin, uh, Martin Balsam, um, 
and uh, oddly enough, Martin Balsam is actually George Clooney's ex-father-in-law. So he played the character that Kyle Chandler's player uh, character plays in this movie, um, in this series. Uh, Richard Benjamin, Orson Welles, and Art Garfunkel were also in that movie. Um, Rebecca, you've watched the first two episodes. Um, how are you? How are your thoughts? What are you feel, feeling about uh, Catch Twenty Two on Hulu? Yeah, like, um, so I remember when this, they were advertising this, I said, oh man, this looks great. Like, uh, Clooney is involved in it. I usually like his stuff. And, um, I like World War II movies and shows. So I thought, okay, um, I, I was excited to, uh, to check this out. Uh, you know, two episodes in, I think I like this show. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I like it or not. It's, it's very weird. Like it's definitely very Clooney's sense of humor. So if you've seen anything that his, his, uh, studio has produced, um, he has a very odd sense of humor and this absolutely like fits in with that. I, I definitely got like the mash vibe from this. I don't know if you guys did too, but I totally I, did. I actually wrote okay. that down. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh, this is like MASH. Okay, cool. And I, I'm a big fan of MASH. I, I always have enjoyed that show. Um, it's, I feel like though the show, it almost doesn't know what it wants to be. Like, it doesn't know if it wants to be a comedy or if it wants to be a drama or if it wants to be something in between. I think it's trying to be all of those things. It's just so quirky that it kind of, leaves me feeling a little confused and maybe that's the point of it that that might be what they want me to feel um i i i like it but i almost don't like it it's so strange i know that sounds like a terrible review but like it's hard for me to i can't like i i i don't i don't tupperware what i've seen i i taste what i've seen like i, I give the first two episodes like a solid taste it um for me i think the actor who plays the main character mm. yo-yo yeah um Christopher Abbott, I think he's the standout in this. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's great in this. I, I want to see him in more stuff. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm feeling a little conflicted, I, but I do want to finish it. But at the end of it, it could still be a taste it, it, it or I could also toss it. Like I'm just not sure where it's going to go from from two episodes in for me. I, uh, let me jump in real quick. I, yeah, I, I think like. Um... What I what I love about this show is the fact like most World War II stuff that we watch is like basically like Saving Private and I'm not knocking these movies I love Saving Private Ryan I oh. love the other HBO series Band of Brothers oh yeah kind of like give you like these characters um, and uh, Band of Brothers actually giving you real men real men that were involved in the war. But like it, it gives you these, it, it shows you world war two and it's uh world war two, in my opinion, is such a black and white movie, uh, black and white war, like good versus evil Hitler, bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's right? pretty clear to me too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not killing, not killing Jews. Good. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's we're all on the same page. We're, on yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. If we weren't, we'd have a fucking problem. Um, this is doing something like, like I think, like what they're fighting for is fantastic. Like, let's stop this just mad dictator. This, uh, 
this, uh, you know, this guy who's killing millions and, you know, let, let's, let's stop Hitler. But on the flip side, it's like, this is taking like the enemy is this Kyle Chandler character that keeps sending him the, on these, on these suicide missions that are, and it's, it's, it's like a game with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He thinks he's boosting morale. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And it's, it's just, you're, 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 you're always dangling this, uh, carrot of like, okay, five more missions and you're done. You've served your country. And then, like, right when you get to, like, that point where you're about done and you think you're done and you've served your country, he adds a, an additional five missions. And, like, that's it, – it's it's a psychological thing. And, like, for some of the – for some of the soldiers, I guess this is fine for them. I, I – I, but we've got this one soldier of Yo-Yo who, like – it's 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 just driving him insane. He's worried about like having his life put in the hands of of this Kyle Chandler character, and like, and he's always talking about like his fear of this uh, of this string of the what what do they call it? This um, is it like the war string or the, the, yeah. the bomb string? I can't the remember. Bo- what it was yeah, called. yeah, the bomb thread or the bomb line or the bomb string. Bomb yeah. line. That's it. The bomb, bomb line. line. You know that the, these uh, this map where they show where where they're going to have to bomb. Uh, they're up in these planes, and they're these they're these bombardiers that bomb these different uh, these different plants that are producing weapons or whatever for for the enemy. And 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 you know they're worried about being in the line of fire and dying and stuff like that. that like that's what they're worried about. I don't. I I thought that that's kind of brilliant. I'm I'm with you. I'm going to give this a high taste. It Rebecca. It's mm-hmm. not quite a Tupperware for me now. I'm three episodes in, so I'm halfway done with the series. This definitely at the end of the day could be a Tupperware. I do love some of the humor in this. It reminds me of who's the director that does fucking like is it uh Adam McKay who does like the big short, he did Vice. It reminds oh, me yeah, of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of that comedy. Uh it's just like but George Clooney doing it here. And uh I love the the character of Major Major Major. Oh, major my Major God. Major. And, major, and they think he's an actual major. major. This, his dad named him Major, Major, Major. And so the military thinks that he's a major, but in all actuality, he's a sergeant. But it's, it's pretty fucking funny. And that had me cracking up throughout the series when they started to introduce that angle into this whole series. I'm going to give it a high taste it with a ch- possibility of being a Tupperware at the end of the day. Dan, what are you thinking about Catch 22? I'm actually really liking it. I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a Tupperware right off the bat. I I get the humor, man. Yeah. Um, Okay. Yeah. And there's something about it that I really liked. It was was speaking of major, major, major. There's the part where they make him major. So now he's major, 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 major. (laughs) He's sitting in his office and his assistant comes in. And they have this transaction where it's very who's on first about who he wants to come in, who he doesn't want to come in, who should never come in, you know, which is pretty much everybody. Um, There's just something about that kind of humor that I really like. I really get that. So. That's cool. The whole reason that I actually started watching the show in the first place is because uh, on our other show, uh, The Word, we've had Julianne Emery on before. She plays Featherstone on Preacher. And so I started watching that just to support her. We've gotten really friendly with her over the years. And um, it just turns out to be so much more 
than what I expected. I love Clooney's character. I know what you mean about that weird kind of humor that he has, Mm -hmm. but I think that he's in his bag with this. Kyle Chandler's kind of always in his bag to me, but it's this collection of characters that I just think are so great. I'm still trying to remember all the names, but like the, the kid that's trying to always work the black market, he's fantastic. Milo. That's a Milo. Milo. Yeah. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, and then there's that other guy too that's no one ever wants to talk because he's constantly getting everybody in trouble. Like Cle- right at the beginning. Uh, you know? Clevenger. <laughs> yeah. Clevenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten all their names down yet, but yeah. I don't know. This show's really hitting me right. I I don't really think I'm gonna like turn around and go like ah, it was actually just like a high tasted. I, I really feel like this is a Tupperware. I think we're gonna get what we want out of this. And um yeah, I recommend everyone check it out. I think it's super mm-hmm. smart. Uh the script is just so intelligent and yeah, I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Rebecca, what did you rate it? I gave it to Taste It. Okay, Taste It. Yeah, I, right. I, I don't hate this thing. Like, I, I think I, I didn't enjoy it as much as you guys have. Um, I, I think maybe it's just taking me a little bit longer to get into this humor and, and get my mindset into this humor because there are moments I was watching that I thought, that whole scene talking about Dan about, uh, major, 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 major. Who's like, he's like, he's like, I don't want anyone in here. Yes. Not even me. No, not even you. Well, then, what if people come? Just have them wait. Well, what if you need me for something? Well, just come in and ask me. Mm. But like, but you when, when you're here. here, but you won't be here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's that had me laughing out loud. I thought that was like so clever. And then there are moments where it does get really serious, like. um I don't want to spoil anything, but there there are moments where like it gets really serious, like in the first episode where somebody gives someone else wrong directions. Go ahead and, and spoil. Like, I mean, it's a first episode. If it's the first okay. episode, go ahead and spoil it okay. because like so if, if you want people to watch this, if you feel like it's deserving, of, I think your problem is you don't like highbrow comedy. I think you should. You're just like like. I'm kidding, of course. Like just go like go watch Talladega Nights or Step Brothers, Rebecca. Yeah. You turn into a you're, you're a robot uh, right now. Oh, is that better or no? I don't know. Kind of, Dan. What is, is she? Little roboty. A little bit of Mr. Roboto going on. Uh, Domo arigato, Rebecca Roboto. Domo. <laughs> Domo. Domo. <laughs> Domo arigato, Rebecca Roboto. Domo. Domo. Uh, you're good now. Go ahead. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so like in the first episode, like when we're introduced, like uh, uh, we have some, some of our characters are in their tent. They get this new guy who comes in, Henry Mudd, I think his yeah, name is. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's like this real young kid and, you know, he's just, you, we just meeting him, right? And, He's like, oh, I have to go to the um, administration building, and how, how do I get there? And our, our Yo-Yo tells him, oh, the left, it's the second building on your right. Okay. And then, of course, he after he leaves, he yells out, oh, no, wait, it's the third building on your right. And, of course, he goes into the wrong building, and it's the building that they're having, like, a briefing for an upcoming mission. And they're like, oh, are you the gunner? Yes, I'm a gunner. Okay, go over there. There's your assignment. And he ends up going on a mission, like, his first day, and he dies. And mm-hmm. Yo-Yo doesn't even remember this kid. And that moment really hit me. I was like, oh, shit. Like, that – like so, I I like that it's like sort of I do like that it does sort of go between that 
that serious and that joke. I mean, that that's what made MASH so successful for so many years. Um, I, I think it's just going to take me a couple more episodes to really, like, get into the groove of this. I, I don't know if I'll – I don't know. I could watch the rest and, like, Tupperware it. But as of right now, for me, it's a taste it. But I do think that people should watch it and give it a chance. I, I think it's worth at least checking out. Rebecca, I think that uh, – I'm going to throw this out there. I think our friendship hangs on the balance of how you feel about this at the end of the day. Oh, shit. Yeah. Deep. Oh, my God. I know. That's serious shit right there. I know. I know. I, yeah, I'm peeling back the curtain. I'm getting real with Ooh. you right now. I mean, at the end of the day, if you do not like this show uh-huh. – uh, <laughs> it's, it's That's it. We're, we're not friends anymore? Donzo. Wow. I'm, uh, you know, uh, you figured that out, but you can't figure out the brilliance and the comedy of this show, which is, that's also wow. blowing my fucking mind at wow. the moment. So I'll give you another three episodes. Our, ep- our fucking friendship hangs on three to four episodes of Catch 22, which is a Catch 22 in itself, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so in other words, this is my chance to stop being your friend. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, this is your out. This is your out. Even if you enjoy the show at the end of the day, you can say that you didn't and you will be rid of the curse that is Brian. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. (laughs) So you have that decision. It's a choose your own adventure. It's the Black Mirror Bandersnatch of PCL. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Will you be friends with Brian? Yes or no? That was was fucking dumb. Dan, what did you think about Bandersnatch? (laughs) That shit was fucking stupid. And if you liked it, that's fine. But our friendship also hangs on the balance <laughs> of that decision right now. You know what, man? I freaking watched Bandersnatch, right? And yeah. I think I was sort of drinking the Kool-Aid of the whole choose your own adventure thing just because I loved those fucking books back in the day. Yeah. And then and then my wife and my daughter started watching it and yeah. they were doing every single scenario that you can do and I, the more they did it, I'm like, this show fucking, it's just so fucking stupid. Yeah, I just did not like it at all. I yeah. think that, it, I tell you what, I give them credit for trying, but they got to go back to the drawing board and try it again. No. I'm all down with these things. I love Choose Your Own Adventure. I thought it was a really cool concept. I watched it the first day, but it just didn't stick the landing. Choose Your Adventure was fine when I was fucking nine, dude. I don't know, man. I guess I'm nostalgic. I liked it. I yeah, I'm a grown ass man, and I want if I want I want men and <laughs> I'm a grown ass I'm a grown ass man, Dan, and I want men and women storytellers. To give me their story. I don't want to choose it, man. I can barely, I can barely balance my fucking checkbook, let alone choose like what, uh, Billy should be eating for fucking breakfast. Whether he should you be. You got eat- shit to do. Yeah, I got, yeah. Yeah, you fucking write this shit. You fucking write. Make me. And make- I gotta pay for it? Uh, yeah. Oh, I gotta pause. You're pausing it so I so I can choose whether he's gonna go left or right or fucking <laughs> eat cornflakes or sugar puff fucks. I don't know. It's stupid. It's all dumb. Um, Rebecca, I didn't. Did you watch the the trailer for season five of Black Mirror? Does it look good? It does look really good. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's got some really big names in it, like um. Anthony Mackie's in it, and nice. oh, of course now I'm blanking on everybody else. But um, it, I think it's only three episodes, and they seem to be all interconnected. That's what the trailer hints at, anyway. So uh, yeah, but the the trailer is 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 really good. I I, I liked it. Black Mirror versus Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Go if you've seen it. Black Mirror. 
Oh, man. Yeah, Black Mirror. I'm also going to go Black Mirror. Black Mirror. But yeah. I think uh, – I hope I hope Jordan Peele does more um, Twilight Zone episodes. Oh, me too. I hope, I hope they – yeah, I hope he gets to do a lot more. All right. This show's stupid, isn't it? This is a dumb no. one. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Dan, what do you think? It's kind of dumb. A little bit. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I didn't want to say, but since you brought it up. No, you're doing fine, sir. You're oh. fucking rotten tomatoes well, guy now. You can do whatever you want. That's <laughs> that's the compliment that every wo- woman wants to hear when she's going out on a night on the town with her loved, uh, with her husband or her boyfriend is that she looks fine. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I'm doing fine. Thank you. you. Are very, very wow. Fine. I we we strive for fine. <laughs> That's right. Around here, we aim for the stars. I hope when I my first Rotten Tomatoes review, I hope whatever movie I'm reviewing is happy with me telling them that they did a fine job. <laughs> That's I'm liking this fine. show as much as Rebecca likes Catch Twenty Two. Oh, you, oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> hey, people, we're going to take a quick break here. But if you are not listening to the Heroes of Noise, what the fuck, Dan? What? Okay, if you could direct people to one episode of Heroes of Noise. That defines the podcast. That's like going to get them hooked. That's going to be like, uh, it's going to make like, if they don't listen to another episode, they're going to cry like Brienne when Jamie left. Like what episode? Uh, Rebecca, did I go too far with that one? Was that kind of shitty? You, you were, yeah, that was a little shitty. Um, <laughs> topical though. That was kind of shitty of you to say. Very topical. <laughs> Sometimes I, I keep question. it. I keep it topical slash shitty, and I did it in that moment. I, I I knew what I was doing, Rebecca. Oh, I know you did. I know. Oh, I know. Ooh, ooh, look, look at Brian pushing all the buttons. Um, Dan, if you could direct people to one episode of the Heroes of Noise, what episode would that be? The episode that's going to get them hooked. The episode that's going to make uh, like. Like, make the mom and dad cry because their son's, like, fucking shooting himself up with heroin and shit. And, like, he just keeps injecting himself with the heroes of noise. He won't stop. Like, what's going to get him hooked? Now I'm comparing your show to, like, a horrible tragedy, a horrible personal family tragedy of drug abuse, of teenage drug abuse. I am not doing a good job with this episode. Episode is fine, Dan. You are right. But what episode of Heroes of Noise would you direct people to? We've been compared to herpes and now heroin addiction. Let's and, see. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the one that we're most proud of is our Noisies episode. It was an awards episode that we did at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. We put a lot of work into that one and um, kind of made it actually sound like an award show. So that one's pretty good. But the thing is, Brian, we're kind of going all over the place right now. I don't know if we've truly landed on what we're going to be doing because we go we talk about music we talk about all kinds of different shit and it, it just really depends on the episode and i know that's not what you're asking me but i think i'm going to go with the noisies just to be lazy because i'm thinking back over the last 68 episodes that we've mm. done and i don't know man they're kind of like it's kind of hard to pick your 
your baby, yeah. your favorite baby. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have asked you this. I'm sorry. I don't know. I like yeah. them all. I mean, maybe I'm biased, but no. I think I'm going to go with the noisies. No, if this was Avengers Endgame and I had access to time travel, I'd go back and like not ask you that. That's okay. That's all right. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm doing this all for comedic value, and that's not even working. <laughs> no, you're doing fine. No. Oh. Fuck you! <laughs> Fuck you, Dan! <laughs> I'm telling our listeners, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm putting out an order. This is an order. You are not a member of the Leftover Army from this point forward if you don't download an episode of the heroes of noise and i want you to download the episode the noisies and i want you to listen to it because it is damn good and you put a lot of production value into that episode dan it's fantastic you You did a great job listen to the noisies episode i want to see a huge boost in the downloads for that episode and that'll be the episode that you fall in love with and then when when and and then when you're then you're going to be like what what is missing right now what is missing in my life right now and you're going to be like oh my gosh it's another episode of Heroes of Noise. I got to listen to fucking Dan Ramirez and Steve Hudson on another episode of Heroes of Noise. Do you, you guys do really do? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to be silly here. You guys do a great job every week. You, you have great chemistry, and it's it's a really good fucking show, dude. Dude, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's something you should be proud of. You put a lot of hard work into it, and people need to listen to it. And I think like once they listen to you and Steve do your thing. Um, they'll want to listen to more because, like, that's that's the way it was for me. I I was um, I listened to I remember like listening to the first episode of Heroes of Noise, and I was just like, oh my god, these guys are really good. I I, I really enjoy kind of like the rabbit trails that you guys go down to and the tangents that you get into, and and uh, you have great chemistry. So everybody, download an episode of Heroes of Noise, make it happen. I'll put the RSS feed in the show notes we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and uh, i'm going to ask what rebecca's been watching and then we're going to talk chernobyl on hbo and then should i just break down the whole show right now and then we're going to talk about that give him the syllabus uh we're going to take a quick break you guys want to talk about that tlc song some more about penises later maybe maybe later maybe later I don't I'm going to stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. Oh, all right. Hey, we will be right back uh, with more good pop, bad pop. Hey, we are back with more Good Pop, Bad Pop. Extended edition of Good Pop, Bad Pop this week, apparently. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Usually, it's like back in the day, we used to knock out Good Pop, Bad Pop in like one hour, hour and a half. And now it's like uh, it's like a fucking uh, two, two-hour ordeal. Ordeal. I make it sound like it's a chore. Um, but uh, Rebecca, <laughs> what do you have this week for Good Pop, Bad Pop? 
So I have a couple of things that I got to see in the theater as like a special event. Um, the first thing I want to talk about was a documentary that was funded by uh, on, on Indiegogo. Um, it is a documentary called What We Left Behind. Um, and it is a documentary all about uh, Deep Space Nine. So this is uh, a documentary, as I said, it was funded through fans on Indiegogo. Um, it was directed by Iris Stephen Bear, who was the showrunner for um, Deep Space Nine. And he's still involved with a lot of Star Trek stuff. And if anyone is a Trek fan, you know that Iris Stephen Bear is a real character. He's very, like, kind of out there in the way he dresses and talks. Um but he's a, a real cool guy. And so, you know, he was a showrunner for all seasons for Deep Space Nine. And um, so this was like a real this was a real passion project for him. Um, as a lot of uh, Trek fans know and plenty of non-Trek fans, I'm sure, Deep Space Nine was sort of like the redheaded stepchild of the, of the Trek series. A lot of people did not like it. Um a lot of people said, well, this is supposed to be a show about space exploration and they never go anywhere. They're on a space station. <laughs> and uh, it was also like it was very different because the space station was like originally it was built by the Kardashians. So it's not even like a Federation thing. Did you say um, that the Kardashians? No, the Kardashians. Oh, <laughs> not the I, Kardashians. I was no. I was like, what did Chloe and Kim have to do? What did those? crazy girl i think now, that that yeah. that if it was kim it would have it would have originally been called uh deep space 69 probably yes. oh 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 dan says you. <laughs> she was she's it was a sex video that made I her popular know. i know come I'm on with you bro come with you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad at that joke <laughs> Rebecca, I'm sorry for hijacking your Deep Space Nine. What was it called again? I apologize. And I actually teased this on a previous episode of PCL, this uh, this document. I didn't know it was an Indiegogo. And if people don't know what Indiegogo is, it's uh, the Canadian version of Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's called What We Left Behind, Looking Back at Deep Space Nine. Speaking of behinds, let's talk about Kim Kardashian again. <laughs> no, um, I'm not. kidding. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rebecca. <laughs> so uh, what's really great about this is that uh, uh, Iris Stephen Bear has gotten back the whole cast. They've all sat down with him and done really interesting interviews here. And um, – what they've done is they've really looked back on basically how Deep Space Nine came to be about why so many fans did not like it. But then they really focus a lot on the things that Deep Space Nine did for not just the Trek franchise, but for TV in general. It was one of the first series, at least in the 90s, that was doing an overarching story every season. And actually they were telling an extended story over several seasons, uh, especially with like once they got involved, like with the dominion and the war that happened with that whole group. Um, so it was really kind of revolutionary and people who were, uh, or I would say, I guess like not Gene Roddenberry, cause he was gone by this point, but like, uh, Paramount was basically like, hey, uh, you can't be telling this overarching story. You know, you've got to do these standalone episodes. People uh, will tune in and not know what's going on. And at the time, 
that certainly did happen. But looking back now, they're basically like it was pretty ingenious to do that because it really opened the way up for uh, other series, not just Star Trek, but other series to be telling this long form story uh, over several seasons. And um, I, I they also talk about how, you know, uh, Terry Farrell, who played the original Dax, she left uh, with just one season left of the show, why she left, and then the actress they brought in to replace her, uh, you know, why they brought in Michael Dorn to play Worf. Um, th- this is absolutely a Tarpaware uh, for me, and I think all Trek fans will love this. Um, if you're a fan of Trek, I-, I highly recommend that you check this out. And even if you're just a casual fan of Star Trek and you kind of know the series, um, I think this is a really interesting look at what TV was like in the 90s and the kind of topics that Deep Space Nine was trying to tackle. Um, and for a Star Trek show, I mean, a, a science fiction TV mm-hmm. show, I think it's pretty, pretty interesting and pretty amazing. Um, it, it, it was released as a one night special event through Fathom Events. And then the DVD Blu-ray will be released in August. Who's going to get who's going to get streaming rights to this? Is it going to go to CBS All Access? That is a really good question. Um I do not know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like back in the day I would have said Netflix, you know, like Because right, yeah, cuz right now like uh everything else Star Trek is on Netflix. Like you yeah. can watch original series, you can oh, yeah. watch DS9. I did a rewatch of like the original series, which I watched the episodes growing up, like in syndication of course, but mm-hmm. like I don't think I caught every episode. So like I had I went back and did a rewatch of Star Trek on Netflix and watched every episode and I nice. had a blast doing it. And um oh god, Deep Space Nine, let me just say this. Yeah. I I I really enjoy the show. Next Generation is still my favorite, but I love Deep Space Nine. I lo- my favorite character from that was Odo, mm-hmm. but I loved that they brought in Chief O'Brien to the series. And I oh yeah, and I loved Quark. I loved having Quark on the show. So yeah, no, there were there were some great characters on there. Um, part part of this documentary, they actually do. Uh, this was to me, I thought really interesting. So they get like a bunch of the writers back together and they actually, for part of the documentary, they have a writer's room where they write, um, of course, like this is not, you know, gonna happen, but an eighth season, uh, um, first episode so like imagining it's 20 plus years later after the end of season seven season seven ended on a really big i won't say cliffhanger but it ended with a really big question mark and this was sort of like here we are 20 plus years later it's season eight if we had our druthers how would we write this and Mm. they dedicate a good amount of time in the documentary writing this fictional episode and they have like some cool um animation to show how it might look and i thought that was really some of the best stuff in here do as you, far as like imagining that do you think that this is a backdoor introduction to cbs all access green lighting a deep space nine reunion app uh, series oh god it practically speaking no okay uh fangirl speaking Yes, but I, I pr- practically no. I I really doubt it. And you know, so, so many of the guys who wrote on DS Nine, they're still writing for Star Trek, and they're still working on different aspects of it. So, I mean, if 
I don't know, let's say theoretically, I don't know, CBS All Access saw this and was like, ooh, let's do this. Uh, could they get them all back together? I don't know. Would the actors come and do it? I don't know. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's probably, it's probably never going to happen, but I will say that I thought it was really enjoyable to see them imagine a season eight episode one of where are they now mm. kind of a thing. And, um, yeah, I, I really highly enjoyed it and I would recommend this, uh, again, e- even if you're a casual Star Trek fan, if you've seen Deep Space Nine, even if you didn't like Deep Space Nine, I think this is worth checking out because it really reminded me of why I enjoyed the, the, the series so much. And I, I've seen every episode like a bunch of times, of course, but like, I, I, it made me, we want to go back and even watch certain ones again. So yeah, I highly recommend it. And for me, it's an absolute Tupperware. Well, Rebecca, I cannot wait for in the coming weeks to read your review about this on Rotten Tomatoes. <sighs> That's true. I could do that. Yeah. That's wow. <laughs> Dan, are you, are, are you much of a Star Trek fan or a Deep Space Nine fan? Um, I like Star Trek, but I don't really follow it that much. And I, I you were te- you were saying that um, everything Star Trek is on Netflix. Is that correct? As far as I know, I know for sure original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and I think Voyager is too. And yeah, I'd I, say I, I'm I, most I familiar. Think Enterprise is as well. Is the okay. car- is the cartoon from the '60s on there? Mm. It, it was. Was I know it was. It yeah. was. I, yeah. I I don't know if it still is, but I know you can also find it on YouTube. Yeah. Rebecca, what is the trouble with triples? The trouble with triples <laughs> is that they're born pregnant and eat all of your grain. <laughs> That's the trouble with triples. You heard it's it a here problem. first. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, what else? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, definitely check that out. That's also, I hope CVS All Access gets uh, this or Netflix or something. So it's like Netflix, if Netflix gets the rights to this, I <sighs> – I think more people would see it if it's on Netflix, but it makes mm-hmm. sense for it to go to CBS All Access at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I know for sure going forward, like, anything Star Trek is going to be on All Access. The backlog stuff is is on Netflix. I, I don't know if how long it'll stay there, but for sure I think more people have access to it if it's on, on Netflix. Yeah. So CBS got Picard? Yes. Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. When's that supposed to come out? We are going to be talking about the card in the news segment, sir. No, <laughs> oh, no. I don't know why we're talking like this. And I, people have to be like, oh, my God, what is wrong with the host of this show? <laughs> I, was telling you, I, I, was telling, I was apologizing for you guys earlier that I'm a drunken buffoon. But you're not, though. You're not. <laughs> I would never know if that's truly the case. I would never know. Rebecca, what else do you got for Good Pop, Bad Pop? So, yeah, the other thing I got to see in the theater, it was a special one-night event. Um, they were screening the first episode of uh, Amazon's new series, The Boys. Ooh. Yeah, which uh, will be debuting later this year. So uh, The Boys, of course, based on a comic of the same name, uh, a group of vigilantes sent out, set out to take down corrupt superheroes who abuse their superpowers. Um, and of course, uh, Garth Ennis is behind this as the writer. Uh, Evan Goldberg is the creator of the show and Seth Rogen developed it. And uh, this is like the same team that does Preacher, right, Dan? It is Seth Rogen. Uh, the, the addition, though, 
and this is where I think the magic's going to happen is Eric Kripke is behind this one. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but it's the same people pretty much. But I hear this one is going to be way crazier. Does this okay? It, this has Carl Urban in it, correct? Yes. yes. He oh. plays Butcher. Oh my God, I love Carl Urban. I adore Carl Urban. He is just, and he's using his real accent in this, which, um, I, I mean, he, he's, I, I like watching him as, uh, as Bones in the new Star Trek, um, movies. Of course, he's, he's doing like an American accent for that. Oh, but, he was, um, he was fucking Judge Dredd. That's true. Yes, he was also Judge and, Dredd. And he was a writer of Rohan. In Lord of the Rings, the yes, two towers. Yes, he was. I always forget that, but he was yeah. in Lord of the Rings. It's the blonde hair that throws me off. It, right? It's, it, it's like it's 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 like it's like Clark Kent and Superman. He puts <laughs> the glasses on, and I'm like, where the fuck did Superman go? He gets on the blonde wig, and I'm like, where's Carl Urban? Like, I, yeah. it's crazy. He uses that just for men blonde shade. And you're like, whoa, what happened to Carl Urban? I know, what happened to Carl Urban? He's has dark hair. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, Carl Urban is in this. He plays Butcher. Um, we've got Ch- Chase Crawford, who plays the Deep, who is basically Aquaman. You've got Dominique McElliott, who plays Queen Maeve. She's like Wonder Woman. Nathan uh, Mitchum, who plays Black Noir. Uh, and you've got like a ton of people in this playing like uh, if you've read the comic, you know these characters. Like you have somebody playing Homelander, who's like a mixture of Captain America and, and Superman. You've got A Train, who's like Flash, um, and then you've got like basically our main guy, Huey Campbell, is played by Jack Quaid, who looks a lot like Bill Hader. Like he looks like Bill Hader's uh, son or younger brother, cousin maybe. Like he looks a lot like Bill Hader. He's a hater um, doppelganger. Right. Doppelganger. I love that word. Yeah. That's a great word. Doppelganger. Doppelganger. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, Simon Pegg is in this. I don't mm. know how much he'll be in. Of course, we only just saw the first episode. And, um, Elizabeth Shue is in this as well. So you've got some, like, really recognizable names here. Um, I had not read the comic before I saw this. I was aware of the comic, but I had not read it. Um, but I was excited for this series, so when I had the chance to go see it in the theater as a free screening, I jumped on that, got tickets to go see it. Um, so, of course, like, just a really quick, uh, you know, this is like a, a, a group of superheroes. They're almost like like the Justice League, and they're called the Seven. Um, but it's highly, like, um, it's highly... Um, marketed so it's like there's advertising everywhere they're in commercials and amazon's been running like some promos for the show where it looks like a a commercial but it's really like a promo for this this show where they're advertising like a fake product it's it's pretty funny actually and really well done um and then you've got basically billy butcher played by carl urban who is tasked with kind of figuring out the dirty secrets of this group. Um, and of course, as the episode goes on, you do see stuff that happens that these people are not as good as they claim to be. And they're not as great superheroes as they should be. Um, I just from watching the very first episode and not really having a ton of back, um, knowledge of this, what I saw, I absolutely loved. Mm. I I will Tupperware this first episode. Ooh, yes. I thought that the the graphics were actually really good. Um, there's a character, and I'm blanking on his name, where he can go um, invisible, 
and there's a really great some great scenes some great work with him uh as he like sort of comes in and out of invisibility i thought the acting was really good i thought the comedy was perfect the writing was smart um this is a show that they're really leaning into everything that you know about like superhero stuff but like what if what if Superman was a was really a douche? What if Aquaman was actually like a gross guy? What if you know what if the Flash was a total asshole? And and but they have this exterior of like they're good guys and then there's other stuff lurking beneath. I think it's brilliant concept. I think it's so well executed. One episode I've seen. That's it. But I I loved it. I can't wait for this show to drop. I, I'm I'm so excited to watch it, and I think if you're even a casual fan of superhero stuff, I think this is a great show to watch. When does That's this great show? News. When does this show drop? This drops in July, I believe. Yeah, July 26th. Oh, okay. The guy to ask is Dan. Dan, I'm going to let you take yeah. over because, like, you do have history with the comic book. I do. Yeah, that was actually one of the things I was going to talk about. If you have not – okay, first of all, folks, if you haven't read Preacher or you haven't read The Boys, you're missing out on something incredible. I, I That's the that's the very least I can say about this. But um, I've been excited about this for a while. I read The Boys not long ago, and um, it floored me. And I'm actually going back through right now and doing a reread just to kind of catch up because – and. I don't want to like do any like shameless plugging or anything, but we're actually working on a, a dedicated boys podcast. So when yeah. July hits, we'll have that going. All right. Um, there, no, that's a big deal. Like, okay. When this show comes out, there are going to be fans of this show that want more and they're going to want more from people that have read the comic and they want that perspective, but without spoilers. And, uh, Dan, your podcast is going to be able to bring that to them. And I cannot, I can't wait for the official announcement, but that's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a full on breakdown podcast. And, uh, my partner, Steve and I, we just, we really get into it and we kind of go back and forth doing straight comparisons from the comic to the show. What's changed? Is there anything better? We'll be very honest if we don't like it, but it sounds like we're like it's going to be pretty awesome. I haven't heard anything bad about it from all the I guess Amazon actually went around the country and they did different um, screenings. Nothing in my town. I live in a like BFE, so there's really nothing going on there. But um, I tried to get in. I think their marketing is fantastic for this. Uh, the little snippets that they're putting out on Twitter of just like each individual superhero. Um, it's spot on. And there's just so much to tell. I don't want to say anything about this, but it basically just comes down to the fact that if what it's more of a hypothetical, what if superheroes had their run of the world and they could pretty much do whatever they want and they didn't necessarily have to be good guys. They're not villains, but they're like, like uh, Rebecca said, they're like douches. It is some of the most fun reading that I've ever read in a comic and I cannot recommend it enough. It's a total fucking Tupperware. So I am so excited about this. I'm pretty sure guys that I, I think we're going to be calling the show simply the boys possibly amazon's the boys a heroes of noise podcast but um brian i'll let you know when we're gonna yeah. be putting that out and yeah yeah i hope you listen yeah um i hope to have you back on once that show drops and we've all been able to watch it uh the masses have been able to get on amazon and watch the show hope to have you back on hope to have rebecca back on and i hope that we can talk about the the boys and i hope you have a chance to kind of like let everybody know about your podcast and i'll definitely yeah even if we don't like, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, plug the podcast and, uh, throw out the RSS feed for everybody to subscribe because I think that this could be, yeah, th- this is, 
uh, I, AMC did a great job with Preacher, the two seasons that I've seen. They've done a fantastic job. But I feel like, uh, even on AMC that they're kind of restricted as to what they can do. Amazon can go balls yeah. out. They can go nuts. Gloves come off, dude. Exactly. Exactly. So it'll be really interesting to see what, you know, Seth Rogen and, uh, you know, Eric Kripke and everybody does with, uh, this new boys series. So, and, um, cause I know, I know that Garth Ennis goes to some dark places in his in his comics. Yeah, he's twisted now. Yeah, so. I, I will say that, like from the the one episode that I saw, just like the language and um the and the situations that they put some of the characters in, th- this is this is absolutely like they are going they. They are going for like a darker tone and a, and a darker rating. Like, um, I think I'm pretty sure that they dropped some f bombs. Um, oh, they dropped some f. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I, and th- this is a couple weeks ago now that I saw it. So like, I, I don't like obviously remember like every single thing about the show, but, um, I think somebody calls someone else a cunt, which was pretty hilarious at the moment. <laughs> um, and there is a scene and I don't want to give anything away. Um, because I think it's important that people like kind of watch it and just be like as shocked as, as I was when I saw it. There's a scene that happens uh, between two characters and you're just, it's like a really difficult choice is presented to one of them and they make a choice and you know that they, you know that they regret it. You know that they didn't want to do it, but the consequences of it are that mm. now they're determined to fix things. And I know that sounds so cryptic, but I just feel like that's I, the the details of that. I think you should experience by watching it. I really cannot recommend this highly enough. I was engaged the entire time watching this. And a lot of that has to do with Carl Urban, like how just engaging he is. But like the main character, you know, J- Jack Quaid playing this guy, Huey, he's just sort sort of a down on his luck kind of a guy and you just want to see him succeed you just want to see him do good stuff and he has a chance to do it i i i really was just i saw this one episode i was in love with the show i can't i can't wait for it to to drop on amazon and i i think everybody should absolutely check this out when it does drop in july does speaking of simon Pegg, did you know that Huey was actually based on Simon Pegg. I read that today. That, yeah, so yeah, they get him to play his great. dad. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Simon Pegg has a small part in this first episode. I love Simon Pegg. Um, he's, he's great. He, he, he does a great American accent, actually, which is pretty funny. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really good. Does, does Amazon make first episodes free? Well, they've done it for Hannah. Okay. Well, they made it an early. Oh no, it was just available. For it was available. Hours. That's right. Early for Amazon subscribers. Do they? Because YouTube makes like the first episode of Wayne for free. Um, I mean, I, 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 it makes me. Does Amazon make first episodes? They should do that, right? I, I, yeah, I think you know that this was really smart marketing because when when I went to the theater. Uh, you know, I got these tickets in like, um, it was, it was a free giveaway from Forbidden Planet uh, comic shop in New York. And basically you just, you, you, you just registered, you got your two tickets. When you went there, you, we had some hosts, um, from some, uh, 
comic podcast that I'd never heard of before. Uh, and they were there and they were like, um, you know, they were like interacting with the crowd and like asking people like, who knows what this show is about or who's read the comic. And, um, you had like some really hardcore comic fans there, which was great. Um, you know where they fucked up, you know where they fucked up. What's that? They didn't have Dan Ramirez and Steve Hudson from the heroes of noise. I know. That's I was going to say, but I didn't. Cool. I felt that would be dickish of me to say that. No, yeah, it, that was like the first thing on my mind. It's like, what the fuck are you doing having this? Rebecca doesn't even remember the name of this fucking podcast. I don't know who these guys were. They, right. I mean, they're like, we're, we're, you know, I don't know, Johnny Fucknuts from this, from this comic shop. And I'm I, Billy I Stupid Fucknuts McGee. And we're from the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you know? I have no clue who these guys are. I know. Are. I know. Uh, no clue but um yeah like the whole experience was actually really great um i i think i think amazon should do this more often i think they should make uh, the first episode available as a cinematic experience and give people a little taste a couple you know a couple weeks before it drops that's it's cool it's worked for i'll be honest with you it's worked for uh dc recently with the with Aquaman and they, they also did the same thing with Shazam and they made it they made Shazam even more available to people you didn't even have to be an Amazon subscriber to get those tickets so mm-hmm. yeah of oh, the boys this sounds exciting and uh so does your podcast Dan so I'll be happy to plug that for everybody but yeah I cannot wait for this fucking series what did you say July July 26th July 26th yeah and so- I'm pretty sure they're all going to drop at the same time Ooh. that's usually how Amazon does it yeah, yeah. That's going to be a task, podcasting. How are you going to do it? Are you going to do it episode per episode? You know, we were talking about that. I think that's what we're going to do. I think it's just going to – we're just, you know, go back and listen when we're done. But we're going to go week to week, yeah. possibly to a week. But I think, with, honestly, with Heroes of Noise, we're probably just going to end up doing a weekly show. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be a full-on breakdown. And I'm hoping you guys just turn in and listen to – or, excuse me, tune in and listen. And I will definitely let you know, Brian, when we get all that information up. Yeah, you can you can do it like me and Rebecca did with The Runaway Season 2 where we record four episodes and then we don't record one for four months. Yeah, it's it's really worked for us so far. <laughs> <laughs> we need to finish that fucking show. I'm so I sorry. Know. It's my fault. It's my fault. What happened? I, did you lose Did you lose steam or something? I just I working a lot more, and it's my fault. We need to knock it out because I I love that show, and I love talking to Rebecca about that show. We need to make it happen because they're starting the film season three now. Rebecca, they you've are. seen that. Yeah. So. so by the time we finish our review of season two, <laughs> season three will be started. <laughs> you know, honestly, the, dropping it all at once really screwed it us. It fucked so us hard. It really did because that was the fun of season yeah. one was watching it week to week and yeah. speculating and not knowing. And it was the perfect thing for us. Yes. And then now this is like, here's everything. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, great. How the fuck do we record this? Yeah. Now? The whole Trust me, We're sweating it trying to figure it out. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but I really wish they would just drop them like once a week. I, I'd, I'd like serial God. stuff, episodic yeah. stuff, you know? God, if, if Amazon would give me screener access, I'd hook you up, dude. But. You know. Oh, I've been combing the internet trying to find something like that. If you it, yeah, off mic, but let me know if you find something, please. I, I think I've sent off an email to them, but we'll, we'll see what happens now. Now that we're going to be respectable Rotten Tomatoes reviewers, <laughs> God, get over yourself, Brian. Jesus Christ, you're just, <laughs> just bask in it, dude. Give it to yourself. <laughs> 
ooh, we're big time now. <laughs> Let's talk about Chernobyl on HBO. This dropped. It's a five-part miniseries. It dramatizes the true story of one of the worst man-made catastrophes in history and tells of the brave men and women who sacrificed themselves to save Europe from unimaginable disaster, the miniseries focuses on the heartbreaking scope of the nuclear plant disaster that occurred in Soviet Ukraine in April 1986, revealing how and why it happened and telling the shocking, remarkable stories of the heroes who fought and fell. Uh, Chernobyl, like I said, is a five-part British-American historical drama television miniseries created and written by Craig Mazin and directed by Johan Renk. Uh, it was a co-production between the American Cable Network HBO, and I believe it's also available to watch on British television network Sky, which Disney just bought now. God, Disney owns fucking everything. Sky is huge. They own Sky now. Jeez. That is so crazy. It's 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 nuts. Like uh, Comcast was actually going for Sky for a while when this whole deal came around, and like. Now Comcast is, let's talk about that later. Comcast sold their fucking share of, uh, Hulu. Jesus Christ. 30, yeah. 33. They sure did. Yeah. 33%. Now, oh my God. Anyway, Disney now owns Hulu, right? They own Hulu. 100%. Yeah, they have sure 100% do. control. I think like, uh, AT&T sold their share to, back to Hulu. And they had like a 10% stake. And now Disney bought Comcast share that's going to go through in two years and that'll give them complete control of Hulu. Uh, wow! They had a sixty-seven percent stake and now they bought Comcast thirty-three percent, so they have a hundred percent now. It's crazy! It's crazy! They own Hulu outright. Um, this series Chernobyl stars Jared Harris, uh, Stellan Skarsgård. You'll remember him as uh, Doctor Selvig from the Thor films and also from the first Avengers film. Jesse Buckley, Rebecca, is in Chernobyl. Yes, she is. Yeah. I I liked her in, uh, yeah, she was in Taboo, Taboo. and Beast and mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff that I like. I love her. Oh, my God. I love she, her no, so she, much. She's great. I really liked her as uh, Lorna Bow in uh, Taboo. Oh, God. And then uh, Emily Watson, who, like, really, her character doesn't really come into the show that much until, like, the second episode. And I love Emily Watson. I've been a big fan of her since uh, 2003's uh, Red Dragon. Um, so it was nice seeing her in this. I think, I think she is so underrated. I think I th- she should be in more things. Fucking Emily Watson. Yeah, she's great. She's really good. But um, I'm going to start off by giving Chernobyl a Tupperware. This is the first episode is such a slow burn, and it sets up this disaster. But the second episode just ramps it up and really drives home the fact of how serious this was and uh, what a global kind of like disaster this could have been. This could have just like destroyed like most of Europe, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I'm so this this show is so compelling and so amazing. Three more episodes left. I finished the first two episodes. I give it a temper. I think it's fantastic. I don't know this. Um, and then when they introduce Emily Watson's character, she is such a badass in this. Yeah. She's such a badass. And she knows, like, you know, she's kind of like, she's like the hero in this, in my opinion, going into that second episode. Like, she's the person that they need there to get this problem fixed. Because, like, the first dude is, like, doing his best to try to, like, contain this 
this fucking chemical outbreak, like this reactor explodes and, and, um, everybody's just trying to act like it's not as big a deal as it is. And everybody's like trying to stop, um, this, uh, this, this chemical from spreading and killing people. And they're going about it in all the wrong ways. And finally you get some people that have knowledge of like what they should do. And the first dude has, he's got a suggestion and, and I mean, it, it's good to a point, but then you finally get Emily Watson introduced into this and she's kind of like, she's, she's kind of like the hero of this so far, but I want to get your guys thoughts on this. Um, Dan, have you, have you been watching Chernobyl? Yes. I've seen the first two episodes, man. It is so like, like you really just like you get a really good understanding of what was going on. And it's like, I really love the way that they're actually using the radiation. It almost is like a looming monster. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's like, it's like its own cast character or something like that. It's, it's just a, and you see, I, there's just so much that I'm learning about this that I really didn't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm learning about the half-life and how long it's going to be around for like that cesium-137. You know, they say it's like usually a 30-year half-life because but because there was so much. We're talking 180 to 320 years. Some of this stuff's not going to break down for like what they say, like 50,000 years or yes. something like that. It's yeah. just mm-hmm. fucking wild, you know? Yeah. And you're right. Emily Watson – She's all business. She comes in and she's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying because poor Jared Harris is trying to get his point across, trying to do the right thing. We kind of know what happens with him like right off jump because you see him in the first scene. So you know that it's building up to something. Mm. But when Emily Watson comes in and starts kicking facts to them, they yeah. really have to listen, you know? Yeah. That scene and, um, That scene with the helicopter really yes, is. I was just going to talk about that. Uh, please, no, talk about it. So they – like you were saying, um, Jared Harris, who plays, uh, I think it's Valerie Legosov, yes. is trying to tell them that if we get sand, and what was it? It was sand. Help me out, Brian. Bo- sand and boron. And boron. Thank you. If we drop sand and boron on the flames from the reactor, it's going to put it out. That's what they're trying to do. But you but can't they- do it directly over. Right. Yeah. Like right. The, the, so the- they they start showing the helicopters in, in like single file flying over the reactor and he's like don't get near it you can't get near it you they were giving them i think they, they could only go like 10 meters 10 meters yeah stay within 10 meters well someone didn't listen and they go in and the radiation just breaks apart the propeller and this thing just goes you know plummeting to the ground and they're like oh yeah because stellan skarsgård was not listening at all it, he's like yes. don't you know he's like get me over that thing and he's like don't do it if you want to live and not be asking for a bullet in a week don't do it and obviously he was right, you know. Yeah. Um, but Chernobyl, man, it was. I remember that in 1986. I was probably I don't know, 15, 16, something like that. And it was just so crazy. You would see the the Time magazines coming out and seeing what it's done to these people. I mean, the radiation burns are insane. The fact that they're picking up pieces of graphite that's supposed to be containing the reactor, the core rather. And it's just burning through their skin. I mean, it really is. It's super graphic, but not in a gory kind of way. It's yeah. just like it is not pulling any punches. And it you know, really you, tells this crazy story. You know, what's fucked up about Chernobyl is like the fact like if it, if it happened today, it would be a hashtag. And it would probably be like one of the most popular baby names of two, 2019, right? Little Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> like pe- like dumb people would just be naming their daughters like Chernobyl. Here's Sherry for short. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like one of the most popular baby names of 2019. Chernobyl. Here's my little baby Chernobyl. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, 
Dumb joke. Did I? Did no, no, no. I was going to say no. it's like Jay Z's next kid. Yeah. It's it's like so real. It's not even funny because it's it's real. People would just yeah, see the hashtag. The they would just see the hashtag Chernobyl, and since it's happening in Europe, they don't care. And then you'd see like it be one of the most popular baby names of 2019. Yay! So sorry, Dan. I don't know. I just I interrupt with stupid shit. This is your show. You feel free to interrupt anytime you want to, man. And that's why most people hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I told I totally Tupperware, man. I think yeah, it's fantastic. So good. Um, when does the third episode drop? Is it already dropped? Uh, it should be Monday because it, like the first two episodes uh, came out together, I believe, on Monday. They're both available on HBO Go, and um, I it premieres on Mondays. So I believe this Monday. Okay, yeah, I'm in for the long haul. It's it's really yes. captivating. And you're yes. right, it was a slow burn, yeah. but I really like – and I want to see what happens because I've only seen it from the outside point of view 20-something years ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I want to mm-hmm. see the whole story and the ins and outs of it and, and who the real heroes are. And, and oh, speaking of real heroes, how about those three guys that they pick? They got to ask, like, we need permission <gasps> oh my to God. kill three men. <laughs> It, it this reminded me of Armageddon for which is yeah I can so, see that which is so weird yeah um, Rebecca have have you been watching this yeah I watched the first episode um, I wanted to watch the second I just ran out of time um, for sure that first episode is a bit of a slow burn yeah, but yeah. I I will say that like hearing you guys talk about episode two I'm like so interested to go back and watch it. Um, You're gonna think, love Emily Watson in that second episode. Oh, sure I promise I you. I'm yeah. sure. I really like her work. So yeah, I um, I think though, like at least for me, that first episode was certainly interesting enough that I. It's not, again, it's not like I didn't want to watch the next one. I just ran out of time to do it. So, um, I'm gonna high taste just what I've seen. Um, but I have a feeling that by the end of next episode, I'll be at a Tupperware. Yeah. I pretty, I, I feel like that, that's probably gonna happen. Um, I will say that some of the scenes in the first episode that really got me, like really affected me, there was one where they were like all those, all those, um, like, uh, government guys and like executives, they were in that, that boardroom and that older man was there. And he, he like gave them this big speech about how like, he says, you know, we, we do all of this for like the glory of our country and we don't want false information getting out there. So cut the telephone lines and shut down and nobody leaves the city. And so like they made a decision right then and there to basically doom everybody who was living there. Mm-hmm. No one could leave. Nobody right. could call out and talk to people in other, you know, and of course this is in the eighties. It's, you know, it's the cold war. This is when the Ukraine is still part of the Soviet union. It's a very specific time in Russian history. And you know, you can, and then there's like a little featurette that they played after that first episode where like they you know, talked to the filmmakers and the actors and they really talked about that character of the, of the older man and the, how he's basically representative of like how the country was feeling as a whole at that moment. You know, they were really all very, we do everything for the glory of our country and everybody, um, you know, th- this is how we're going to keep everybody safe. And then there was another scene where like, you know, there's all this ash and graphite is oh, that was good. falling yeah. like snow. 
And you've got people in the town who are like watching the lights because they've been told like just there's a fire on the roof. That's what they've been told. What they haven't been told is that the entire core has exploded and that all that ash that's falling on the ground, it's all radioactive. Mm -hmm. And you've got kids dancing like it's snowing. You've got people out there with their babies and you see the ash. That really hit me. Like it got me very emotional and I was just like – Oh my God, these people have no idea what's about to happen. Would it have um, been in bad taste for them to play the Bloodhound Gang's The Roof is on Fire in that moment, in that scene? Yes. Not to me. The oh, roof. I'd be singing not along. To you. The okay. roof. <laughs> the roof is on fire. <laughs> Sorry, that we was. We don't need no water. water. Let the motherfucker burn. Everybody. Burn, burn motherfucker. motherfucker. Burn. Burn. Yeah. I saw them in concert years ago. True story. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't I, you love I, how I, I hijack I, our serious moment and just make it stupid? I know, right? No. Every fucking time. Everybody, right now, like somebody's writing an iTunes review. Like they were talking about Chernobyl. I was really enjoying what Rebecca had to say. And then Brian has to fucking quote the Bloodhound Gang. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I <laughs> check it out. Watch, watch Chernobyl. But you know what's interesting, Dan, is like I, I, I remember Chernobyl. Like I was a little younger, but I do remember it. Um, but I didn't know a lot of stuff about it, to be completely honest. So watching this, I was just like, oh my god, did this, did this really happen this way? Like. Is this how people really felt? And, you know, I, I was reading, you know, even just sort of casually looking up some information online and they basically said that even to like even today, 2019, more than, you know, 20 years removed from it, they still are not sure how many people will eventually die from this because there are people who are have like the long lasting effects of radiation poisoning and shows up as cancer, but it could take years, decades for it to develop. So they're not even sure how many people you could eventually attribute their death to Chernobyl. Like it is, it's insane. It's a, it's a really, I think it's a well done documentary. I'm uh, not documentary, excuse me. Um, miniseries. I like how you turned the conversation over to Dan. Cause you were worried about me just bringing <laughs> it back to bloodhound gang. No, that's not exactly why I did that. <laughs> you can talk about whatever you want. It's your show. Um, yeah. Hey, Dan, uh, back to you. Um, what did you <laughs> So, Dan, uh, ignoring yeah. Brian completely, okay. what would you say? Brian's fucking oddly placed VH1 behind the music moments are just not working for me right now. Dan, what did you think about your novel? <laughs> you want to know why I think this actually is – I'm so interested in this is that, you know, I'm, I'm like a 15 year old kid guessing right around 15. When I hear about this, mm. I'm ignorant as fuck. I just want to go to school, party with my friends, hang out and that kind of stuff. This was like one of the first real world issues that was on my radar that I watched on the news and I watched all these people suffering, you know, mm. and, and uh, getting back to what you're saying, Rebecca. Yeah. Like they, the studies aren't even done yet because you have to go at least, I think it's 50 years if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. so right now they're dealing with, latent effects 
but they have to wait and see what the manifest effect is going to be, you know, down the line and how far off this goes. It's it's wild, man, because it's still going on. The water is still radioactive at certain parts. You know, who knows how much of that is spread into the ocean? It's it's fucking crazy. So this as soon as I saw this come out, I knew that I had to watch it because I wanted to educate myself more on it. I mean, yes, I granted I'm watching a drama as opposed to reading about it, but um, it was right up my alley. And I think it's just because it hit me at a time in my life where I went, oh, there's real shit happening in the world. Like I'm not just playing video games or whatever, you know? I wonder if so, this is like the inspiration for like – and I know this sounds silly – if the, if it's some of this is the inspiration for like Homer Simpson working at a nuclear power plant, you know, I like, wouldn't doubt that because sure. that series came out in 89. So this is just like three years removed from this event. So I would not doubt that one bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you think, too, like um, before Chernobyl, there was uh, the three three mile island accident. And then there was uh, at the Japanese plant in in just happened a few years ago i mean fukushima yes yes thank you i was blanking on the name um yeah so it's like these are still concerns about nuclear power these are still relevant topics to to our life today i mean there are people who still live near and around chernobyl they are living with real life as we've been talking about real life consequences of this accident and basically that at least the little bit that I've read about it is that they're mostly saying that the people who worked there, they were not properly trained. They were not properly um, trained how to use the equipment and how to make sure that this wouldn't happen. And so it's, it's, I know it's just gonna it's gonna get more and more like gut wrenching because even in that first episode you're watching people die from like radiation burns and it's very graphic like how like their their skin is oh it's really really hard to watch but like the people who had to live through that it's just I think I think it's incredible you know who's got to have a hard time with this is like the the tourism committee for Chernobyl you know what I mean. Yeah, you know, like, hard you ever, right yeah. yeah, you ever see like those commercials for like visit St. Louis and like you know John Goodman saying you know why he's a, I'm a St. Louis native and this is why you should visit St. Louis. We got the arch and we got this and we got this. Hey, catch a Cardinals game. I think the committee for Chernobyl is kind of fucked when it comes to tourism, right? Come to Chernobyl if you want to. We've got three-eyed animals, and hopefully one day there will be Starbucks. But now, just three-eyed animals. Yeah. <laughs> they got the uh, Ivan Drago might be signing uh, fucking... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's terrible when, like, the... the when the guests are doing a better job than the host on this show, like you guys are killing it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just get out of here. I'm like that. I'm, I'm like that. That drunken uncle that you just want to sweep under the rug. Like you're embarrassed. Like you can't. I'm like uh, what was it? Uh, Randy Quaid's character in the uh, National Lampoon's movies. <laughs> no. Oh God. Morning. No. Shitter's full. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what was his name? Oh my god! Oh god! And I've seen the movie hundreds of times. I know. I can't think of it. I can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking. Anyway, mm. who saw John Wick three? Parabellum. 
Dude, I did. let's talk about that. All right. It's uh, the third installment of the adrenaline-fueled uh, action franchise, uh, skilled assassin John Wick. Uh, returns with a $14 million price tag on his head and an army of bounty hunting killers on his trail. After killing a member of the shadowy International Assassin's Guild, the high table, John Wick is excommunicado, but the world's most ruthless hit hitmen and women await his every turn. This is uh, directed by Chad Stahelski. Uh, he's the director for all three films in the John Wick franchise. He was also, if you didn't know this, uh, he was Keanu Reeves' stunt double for Neo in the Matrix movies, and that's kind of like where he got to start. He did a bunch of stunts. He's a stunt coordinator and, uh, and a stunt man. Uh, this movie stars uh, Keanu Reeves, Holly Berry, uh, Ian McShane, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Mark Dacascos, if you don't know, Mark Dacascos, the villain in this movie, um, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like wondering like where I'd seen this dude. Me too. Me too. And I, after the movie ended, I, I, I looked him up because during the movie, I thought like, no, that's not who he is. But I was proven correct. He was the, uh, the chairman on Iron Chef mm-hmm. America. He and sure was. I, I was like, yeah. what the f- Fuck. And then I also remember him from, I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but it was a movie that came out in the early 2000s, The Brotherhood of the Wolf. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. I don't yeah. think I ever saw that movie. Yeah. I own that on DVD. So it's, uh, it's, it's a decent movie. I would check it out. Um, it also scare, uh, stars, uh, Asia Kate Dillon as the adju- uh, adju- adjudicator, uh, Angelica Houston, uh, Saeed Tagmao, he played uh, the elder in this film, but he was actually Samir in Wonder Woman, uh, that movie. Uh, Jerome Flynn uh, played Barada, and he's Braun in the Game of Thrones films. Uh, Jason Mansukas, uh, Rafi from The League. Uh, plays, yeah, that was a surprise. <laughs> plays the TikTok man. And then uh, Sesep Arif Rahman and Yayan Ruhian were in this movie. I love these guys. They played Shinobi 1 and Shinobi 2. Sesep uh, is from The Raid 2. And then Yayan is from both The Raid 1 Redemption and The Raid 2. And when I saw these guys on screen together and fighting John Wick, I was just like, oh, my God. The Raid guys are in fucking John Wick, and that was incredible. And also, Robin Lord Taylor plays the Penguin in the Gotham series, had like a little cameo role here, so that happened. Um, I'm just going to start off by saying that uh, I loved how this movie re- just leaves off right where the last one left off, with John Wick's being excommunicado, and it just leaves off. I I hate it when they do a time jump. Like this was perfect. Like we got to see like how everything played out. Um, we're left with 20 minutes until John wick is 100% excommunicado. And like, there's this, uh, you know, you can, they put out a hit on him and, and, uh, you, if you're an assassin, you can kill him and, and then collect that $14 million. So we're counting down to that 20 minutes within the first, uh, uh, you know, opening minutes of the movie. Um, I, I'm going to start off by saying that uh, I Tupperware this film. I, I think it is fantastic. I think like this out of all of the John Wick movies has the best action sequences that I've seen so far. Um, it may not have that emotional 
I don't know that the emotional feels that you get from the first movie. But as far as like, if you're coming to John Wick uh, for action, I think that this is the best of the three as far as delivering action. Um, I loved Halle Berry as Sophia. I loved her dogs in this movie. So good. I loved the fight that he had with in the library <laughs> with that. Uh, that was awesome. With that giant, like. That dude was huge. Like, I haven't seen a fight like that with a guy that big look so good on film since Game of Death with Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was so fucking good. Um, I loved it. Tupperware. Tupperware all the way. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, uh, damn, what'd you think? All right, so quick little backstory. I don't know why it took me this long to get into John Wick, but I have literally watched all three movies for the first time this week. Mm. And, dude, I'm so blown away. I really don't know what kept me from it, you know? Um, the first one was amazing. I know we're talking about the third one, but just a real quick one. Um, I know what you mean about the feels in that one and how yeah. the other ones don't really capture it. Uh, part two was fantastic as well, but I thought that the villains were a little little bit over the top. Com- as far as, like, there's. There's Common. a lot of monologuing going on. Common was great. Come on. Common, no, Common was, was so good. I'm talking about um, uh, the the other guy, the one that was uh, wanted his sister killed. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, I, uh, yeah. The, the Italian guy. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just – I don't know. He just had – they were a little bit cheesy. But anyway, I, I still loved it. I thought it was great, especially after a couple of days of thinking about it. So I go into this one today and I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, it's a fucking Tupperware, like Tupperware of Tupperwares. Such a good movie, man. I love the action in this. Um, I think all the cast did fantastic in this. And I was going to ask you, the tall guy in the library, I'm pretty sure – did you recognize him at all, Brian? Because I think he plays for the 76ers, dude. No, I was like, I was like, okay, who's this George Mirasan-looking motherfucker? And, <laughs> and I was like, no, that's not George Mirasan. Um, I don't know. Does he – I mean, is he a professional basketball player? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've had <laughs> poor basketball conversations before, but I did look that up because I, I want to see how tall he was. Yeah. He's 7'3". Wow. That's insane. Wow. Yeah, insane. Yeah. I mean, it really showed on there. But I just love – I kind of loved everything about it. I think the action was like try to compete with that this year. You know what I mean? Now, I understand we just got over Endgame, but if it wasn't for Endgame, I'm going to put it out there that I think this is probably the best movie I've seen this year just on pure fun and reaction and, and how much I got into it. Um, I wasn't bored at all. Uh, Halle Berry was fantastic. The yes. dogs were fantastic. Yes. You know, um, and I hope that I see her again, too. I think I know why we might without – I don't really want to spoil much because it's so new, you know. But um, but just everything. I just love the fact that there's this world, this underworld with a high table. And, you know, you have the uh, the continental and just the rules involved and the mm-hmm. currency involved and the protocol. All of that shit just fascinates me so much. And I thought that the adjudicator was a really great addition to it. I, I liked her character a lot because she was just no bullshit whatsoever. Dude, dude, um, dude, dude. This series – okay. I think John Wick is basically – and I, I, this may seem silly to some people, but I feel like this is uh, the Harry Potter for assassins. Like, yeah, you've got, yeah, you've got Ian McShane, who is kind of like your Dumbledore, right? You've got, yeah, you got the Continentals Hogwarts. Yeah, the Continental is Hogwarts. And then the adjudicator is, um, Umbridge, Professor Umbridge from like 
Yeah, was, there you go. Right, like, right from like the. It just felt very like this feels <laughs> like Harry Potter in some ways to me. So, oh my god, I yeah Tupperware. I love this. Um, I never really noticed how much Keanu Reeves is pigeon toed because they show him running so much, mm-hmm. and I just caught on to like, wow, you you really do show that quite a bit. But I am so impressed with him, man. I. Like, again, this is all brand new to me. So watching – it was Wick Week for me. I just watched them all, and I'm so into it now. I, I don't see how I won't watch these movies over and over again. Mm. So I'm fully involved with Wick now and total Tupperware. All right. Rebecca. Yeah. I uh, actually this week rewatched John Wick 1 and 2 uh, in preparation for seeing John Wick 3. Uh, and I was reminded how much um, – how much heart is in John Wick 1? Like when you – I mean this movie has been out forever. Everybody knows. After his dog is killed and he wakes up and he's just cradling that that dog's body in his arms, I sob every time. Like that's why it took me so long to watch the movie because yeah. I was like so afraid to watch that poor little dog die on screen. But um, – so yeah, just – John Wick 1 is amazing. And then John Wick 2, um, I thought was good, but not great. Um, I felt like it was missing some of the heart and I felt like it relied a lot on like just shooting people with guns rather than like the hand to hand combat that I thought was really great. This movie, however, John Wick 3, oh my God, the choreography for the fight scenes is like out of control amazing um there were so many scenes where like characters are crashing into glass which was like a theme in almost uh, in so many of the fight scenes Mm -hmm. um the knife work oh my god oh god Like, like the throwing like like throwing the knives i thought because like I mean, yeah, shooting like like shooting guns and the whole gun foo stuff, like I get it, it's cool looking, but like there's any doofus can shoot a gun, but like to watch somebody do like this precise timed and I'm sure a lot of this is CGI, whatever, but like just watching that on screen, like that that timed knife throwing stuff was just there's nothing to compare to it. Um I wanted way more um, Halle Berry in this. I thought she was great. I also loved her dogs in this. I thought they were great. <laughs> um, and um, man, like the the scenes that happen, like when he's in the stables and he's riding the horse, and just all. I mean, it's it's a Tupperware for me too. I absolutely had a blast with this movie. I hope we get more Halle Berry in, in future John Wick films. I'd like to see her also do more of this type of action movie. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be John Wick, but I'd like to see her do more. I thought she was really good in this. Like sometimes what? like her performances don't work for me, but this one really did. I loved her in Monsters Ball. Oh no, that, oh, that always, I, I, that's to me, I think. Yeah. I can't think of something that's better than that, but I think that's her best work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are the chances that uh, we see Sophia? That's Holly Berry's character in this movie. What are the chances that we see her in the proposed Continental series? Remember that? Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware there was a proposed oh, Continental series. Yeah, there's. A, Is that hold that's on. still happening? Or uh, they have not. Uh, they have not said that it's not happening. So what are the chances of her showing up in a series called The Continental? Like, I believe it was supposed to premiere on FX. Like, 
but I mean, now that Disney's taken over, who knows? I don't know. Um, but, uh, I think it was going to be on FX. I, I could be wrong, but there, there was a series coming out called The Continental set in the John Wick universe, not starring John Wick, but it, I mean, I could definitely see Holly Berry being a big part of that show. Yeah, I, um, I, I agree with that 100%. The fact that she is so involved with the Continental mm-hmm. in this movie, like, I would love to see her, uh, be involved in that. I just really loved what they did with her character. I loved the relationship she had with her dogs. Like that to me just made her character that much more interesting. Um, the way she was she great. Them- she was great. Retired, um, living in Casablanca. Um, oh yeah. Everything. I loved everything about her character. She was amazing. No, she, I, I love when, when he shows up, you know, to get her help and, and he's like, I just want to talk. I just want a conversation. And she, and this was in the trailer, I think. Yeah, yeah. And she says, nothing with you is just a conversation, John. Like, um, you know, you see that they have obviously have, have history. Um, I, I loved the scene where she drops him off in the desert with the water bottle. Yeah. Where- <laughs> Yes, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. My whole my theater loved it. They really laughed at that. The only um, scene, the only thing part. that was missing in that scene was like uh, Pitbull singing that song from Aquaman. Oh, that was not missing, my friend. Oh. Nobody misses that ever. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's. I absolutely loved it. I thought like. Yeah, to me, like nothing tops like the amount of heart that's in John Wick One. Yeah, but I feel like this. As you said before, like for the choreography and and yeah. the and the fight scenes, you you can't top this. I, I it's so well done, and just the coordination. Um, I also thought that the humor was really well placed in this movie. Like it wasn't too much. Like even when he's fighting zero the guy, yeah, yeah, and and like they're fighting in that like glass room. I loved it, and and he's like, I just want to say. Oh no! It's not even when they're fighting. It's when they're like sitting on the couch in, in in the Continental, and he's like, "I just want to tell you, I've really looked forward to this moment. I'm a big yeah. fan. I can't wait to meet you." I thought that was so funny. Like, it and great. it was so well placed. Like, it was it's perfect. Like, he's like, under different circumstances, we'd be buds. We'd be pals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'd be friends. I just, yeah, absolutely loved it. I loved how everybody kept referencing the dog from the first movie. All this over a dog, and like, and they just kept referencing it, yeah. and I was like. But it was a puppy, and I get it. Like, did you guys? I don't know if you guys remember this. It's I've brought it up on PCL before, and I noticed it during the movie. This movie sets up the John Wick spinoff film that's set in the same universe. That this news broke two years ago, almost two years ago, in July of 2017. The Hollywood Reporter had an article about a uh, movie that uh, was in a bidding war and um, it's called The Ballerina and it's set in the John Wick universe. It's about a young, a young, young, yeah, you guys are getting it now. A young, Mm -hmm. a young female assassin seeks revenge against the people who killed her family. Well, it was in a bit, this, the script was in a bidding war. Um, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Basically, it, uh, it got purchased by the uh, same production company that does uh, John Wick, and they are going to turn this into a John Wick spinoff movie called The Ballerina. They've got uh, Shea Hatton set to uh, 
um, to write the film. And uh, she's actually uh, she was a writer on John Wick three, and then she's also writing uh, Zack Snyder's new uh, Netflix zombie movie, Army of the Dead. But um, it's yeah, like uh, so Lionsgate won the bidding war and. Um, this movie sets that up. I, I'm not going to get too much into that, and but this movie, I mean, I felt like that scene was in there to reestablish that yes, the ballerina is they're going to greenlight this thing. It's going to happen, especially mm-hmm. after this movie. I think will, you know, I think it'll beat out Endgame as far as the box office is concerned. I think this movie is going to do really well in the box office, and I think like this will this will definitely. Uh, get this ballerina off the ground now so i'm actually excited about the continental series now if i can get more winston and serona that's they're a great oh, team i love God, them. yeah yeah i like are they going to be able to get ian mcshane in this series or, or I, I always i always kind of think like are they going to go prequel with this are they going to go prequel with the continental like go back in the day and give us a guy mm. that's going to play a younger ian mcshane you know? I mean, I I get why they would do that, but man, I just I am so in love with Ian McShane. Yeah, I just want him in everything. Like, so is, I would love to see him. So is stars with American forward. Gods. You know, yeah. so it's like, no, uh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Ian McShane too. You know, but we'll see. Prequel, huh? I don't know. I guess. Well, without giving anything away, it might be hard to have Ian McShane in this next one unless they resolve some things. But I would really like to see. I mean, I don't know. Is he that busy these days? Well, he's he doing, totally he's doing time, right? He's doing American Gods, and I'm sure he was thinking like something was going to happen with this new Hellboy series. And you know, I mean, Deadwood just wrapped up filming, and it's going to premiere on HBO. I don't know. I mean, it depends. I would. It. it they could get him. I mean. It's possible. I'm fully on board. I hope it happens. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I always thought the Continental might be like, since it's not going to involve John Wick, I want to see Ian McShane in it. Don't get me wrong. That'd be fucking amazing. So. Well, he is the manager. Well, I was just thinking if they did a prequel, they could have somebody play a younger version of Ian McShane. Sure. You know, but fuck prequels, right? Ugh, I'm so over it. I'm, They're played out. They are played out. They are, they are very played out. Yeah, fuck prequels. <laughs> Tupperware the fuck out of John Wick. Oh, I got to watch the movie um, with a leftover army member as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, Amanda Alberts, um, she was uh, on her way up to Chicago, and she messaged me and said, you know, I'm going to be coming through. And I said, well, you know, yeah, we can hang out, maybe watch uh, John Wick if you want. And she uh, stopped in, and uh, we uh, we watched uh, John Wick 3, and it was a good time. So. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. I always enjoy That is very cool. It's very cool. Like, I love having everybody on the podcast and stuff like that, and I love meeting people at C2E2, and I love – all that stuff. But it's really cool when I can just kind of like get away and just like have one-on-ones with people and just kind of like talk. And, and, uh, even like when I met Basil and we watched, uh, you know, civil war together in Dallas when I was in Dallas, which was really cool. And just, you know, Amanda popping in and saying hi and me and being able to watch John wick three with her was very cool. So I, I always appreciate those moments. So it's very cool. 
Mm. Nice. Mm. I appreciate this beer too. Um, <laughs> beer is good. Tupperware the fuck out of John Wick. Fantastic. Did, have you guys seen the trailer for Anna, the new Luke uh, Luke Besson film? Yes, saw yeah. that today. They 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 played it before John Wick yeah. last night for me. Yeah. I've I, I've seen this. I saw it about a month ago. I haven't talked about it on the podcast, but uh, and I and the reason I didn't is because he's going through some shit right now. I guess I think he's been uh, accused of some misconduct and things like that. But I'll be honest with you, the the movie looks really good. It looked it looked great yeah. actually. Yeah, I thought. Uh, yeah, it, it looked almost like what they wanted to do with Atomic Blonde, um, and I, I, and Atomic Blonde was like you know some, somewhat enjoyable, but I, I thought it was was flawed. But and and who knows how this will all work out? But it it looks great. Mm-hmm. I think From the creators of Lucy, right? It, yeah. yeah, yeah, Luke Besson, and he also did the Professional, Leon the Professional. I love that movie. So good. Yeah. I, so I watched this trailer, and uh, after after I watched the trailer, I I looked at Amanda and I go, Kevin Feige has to be shaking in his boots to do this fucking Black Widow film now. <laughs> like after watching the trailer for this, and she, right? was, and she said, I was thinking the same thing. So yeah, because this movie looks pretty fucking incredible. Um, Dan, what do you have for good pop, bad pop? Well, I've pretty much watched everything that you watched this week. And I got, like I said, I was kind of busy. But I did want to talk about a couple of things. I don't know if you've talked about them before. I'm really into what we do in the shadows right now on oh, FX. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I uh, reviewed the first episode. Yeah, it's great. Oh, dude, it's fantastic. And are you, are you like, up to date? I am not up to date. Okay, so I won't go too far into it. But when you get to episode seven, there's something that's so good in there. Such a payoff, and it's it's really funny at the same time too. But I think that in some instances they're doing better than the movie. Wow! And uh, wow. the cast is just amazing, man. It's so funny, and it has that kind of like an office vibe to it. You know, for yes. people that haven't seen it, it's it's basically not basically, but it's like think of like the office but with vampires, mockumentary kind of thing. I, I cannot recommend this show enough. I was a little skeptical because what we do in the shadows, of the movie is so good, mm-hmm. but I just can't stop watching this. I kind of binged it all. I let them build up a little bit and binge them and it's fucking fantastic. Total Tupperware. It's very good. Yeah. I give, I, I give it a Tupperware as well for the episodes that I've seen. So yeah, very good. Uh, Taika Waititi is just so fucking talented. Yeah. Isn't he? I'm worried about Akira though. How so? I don't think it can be adapted. I mean, like, what live-action anime has been adapted and has been a masterpiece? Has it been done? No, not in my opinion. Do you think that his take on how he does movies, like adding too much humor into it or something like that, might actually affect it even more? I I just – I think he's got a lot going against him as far as, like, adapting anime into live-action. I don't think it has anything to do with the humor in my opinion, I, 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 Jordan Peele turned it down. I, I think Taika could be working on something else. I know he's doing that fucking what's that Jojo Bunny or whatever the fuck that yeah Jojo Rabbit Jojo yeah. Rabbit yeah <laughs> I know he's doing that and I'm really looking forward to that but ah, live action Akira I don't know I I don't think it can be done I mean. I don't think it can be done. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I don't think it can be done. I and 
I think I think Tyka's in way too deep. I'm curious to see his take on IG88. It's not IG88. It's actually IG11. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. Uh, did you know, have you seen any of the episodes on what we do in the shadows with the Baron? Do you know who the Baron is? Refresh me. The Baron is like the oldest vampire. Yeah. He's like the head of the vampire. Yeah, yeah. The one, he comes back and he's like expecting them to have, they, they should have taken over, uh, is it Manhattan by now? Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to take over all of New York. Yeah. Uh, Staten Island to, to at Staten least. Island, yeah. Yeah, but they've only got like a couple of blocks in their neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's just, they're a bunch of fuck ups. <laughs> right. But, uh, he's played by Doug Jones. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Doug right, Jones. Amphibian Man and Ape Sapien. Yeah. That was pretty cool, but he's hilarious. There's an episode that works. It's it kind of revolves around him. They take him out on the town. He really wants to go out on the town and be around his people, but there's obviously not that many people. But it's one of the funnier episodes. He's fantastic in it, man. And then we, we, we you see Nick Crawl pop up. So many celebrities, but oh, they are God. firing on all cylinders, dude. So check it out as soon as you can. It's it's so good. That's awesome. I love Nick Crawl. Doug Jones made the made the good decision not. <laughs> Not doing a, not doing an appearance in the new uh, Hellboy movie, right? Yeah, I think that was a good call. Did you see that? Nope, <laughs> I don't want to. Oh, it didn't God. look good to me it's at all. Fucking terrible. Yeah, um, and everything I've heard, there's no reason for me to go see this. I will watch it when it comes on cable, mm-hmm. or even when it comes on VOD. But yeah. there was no point in me going to the movies to see it. Did you see it, Rebecca? No, I'm waiting for streaming. Also, yeah. I was not. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, impressed with the reviews and I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for streaming yeah dan what else do you got man uh that's pretty much about it actually I, we talked about game of thrones uh the boys i've been reading that and again i recommend that and then of course what we do in the shadows oh but i will give an honorable mention to the orville season two mm. uh, i don't know if you guys are watching that but god damn it that's a good show i don't really have as much familiarity with star trek as i'd like to but i think they're i don't know rebecca do you watch the orville I don't. Um, oh. I watched some of season one, and I just never kept on with it. But I know that people love it. I know that people just really, really enjoy it. You need it's to so suck it up good. and watch it, Rebecca. I know. I oh, know, are you kind of bitter at it? I'm not bitter at no, it. She, no, she. I don't believe that at all. I don't. I do not believe that at all. I'm calling you out right now. You can call me out all you like. I'm not bitter <laughs> at it because it's a love letter to Star Trek, and I do not begrudge anybody writing a love letter to my beloved Star Trek. I'm glad Seth MacFarlane is doing the show. I'm glad he's had really good success mm. with it. I'm just not. After all the Seth MacFarlane stuff I've seen over the years. I'm not super impressed with the comedy, but I don't deny that it absolutely is as trekish as you can be without being actual trek. You need to broaden your horizons. You need to be, you need to open up to, to, uh, to the Orville. Hmm. You need to do it. You need to make it happen. I'll tell you this. It's made me want to go back and watch the next generation again because for some reason I compare it to that, but I think when it first started off, it was kind of shaky because I didn't know mm. – it didn't know what it wanted to be. At least that's what I thought. I didn't know if it was trying to go for more comedy. But I think that over the last two seasons, they have worked in the comedy so perfectly. You have more of a – I guess it's a drama kind of. But they touch on such interesting issues that are current and they put it into their universe. And the way that they do it is genius. I personally think that Seth MacFarlane's in his bag in this. Yeah. I, I think you know because yeah. – 
I don't know if he should really be making movies. <laughs> I agree. He hasn't really. He doesn't have a really great track record, as I'm sure you, you'll know that. Mm-hmm. But um, everything that he is doing on this show is fucking fantastic. The chemistry with the cast, the stories that they're telling, that they're just their little side stories and everything. They are just firing all cylinders. So I cannot wait for season three. I know that they just announced that. Yep. And um, yeah, bring it on. But that's it. And that, of course, is the Tupperware. I'm just trying to like. I'm trying to get Rebecca to watch this. I want. I, you to. I know you are. I know you are. Uh, I, yeah, like I'm all. I'm. I'm kind of like baiting you in this moment, which is. <laughs> that's kind of. I'm kind of being a dick, right? <laughs> well, it's it's kind of our relationship at this point, isn't it? I know. Oh my god, <laughs> Rebecca, you're like one of my favorite fucking people. Oh, you're one of my favorite people too. Oh my god, you're amazing. Um, Dan. Yeah, yes, watch the Orville season two. Dan West was actually on the podcast a couple weeks ago and just sang the praises of the Orville season two. And um, I need to get back on the series because I absolutely loved uh, the first season. Um, and I need to jump back on. I need to jump on fucking Barry season two. I loved Barry season one. Why the fuck am I burying Barry season two? I need to watch Barry season two. Have you guys been watching Barry with Bill Hader? It's great, but I haven't watched season two either, Me so too. don't feel bad. Oh I don't my know god! Why. What the fuck, dude? What's our fucking problem? I don't know. It's fucked fuck up. Us. I bet Rebecca hasn't watched it, huh? I haven't. Huh? I haven't started. Oh, what's your what's your fucking excuse for this shit? <laughs> There's a lot of other stuff. I'm you gonna you gonna, you gonna blame Seth MacFarlane on this one, Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, I do. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, Dan, Dan, me and yeah. you both watched a movie. Did you watch it this week? I mean, I don't know if it did. I know this was a movie that premiered last year at South by Southwest. Shutter yeah. picked it up. It's called The Ranger, and it's on Shutter now. Did you watch? Did it premiere this week on Shutter? I think it premiered. A, yeah, I think it was last week. Last week, I just week, watched yeah. it just a couple of days ago. Yeah, I did the same. Uh, synopsis. When Chelsea and her friends get in trouble with the cops, they flee the city and go on the run. Fueled by a hallucinogenic drug called Echo, they hope to lay low and get high in an old family hideout in the woods. However, Chelsea has reservations about going back to nature and secrets she's not sharing with her friends. When a shot rings out, her past comes crashing back, and the punks find themselves pitted against the local authority, an unhinged park ranger with a real axe to grind. Um, the movie's tagline is, each year, millions visit, visit our national parks. Not everyone gets to leave. Um, it's a, uh, the ranger is a uh, punk rock slasher horror feature film it's co-produced and directed by jen wexler uh she directed some uh some horror shorts uh halloween bash slumber party and uh psychopaths uh this is her directorial debut uh this movie stars jeremy holm uh he was in house of cards uh chloe levine uh, you'll remember her from uh, season two of the OA on Netflix if you're a fan of that show. She's also in uh, Transfiguration. And uh, Amanda Grace Benitez uh, from School of Rock. Yes, School of Rock with uh, Jack Black. Did you guys watch Oh, the- yeah. Okay, yeah. that's who she is. All right. <laughs> Did you watch the uh, Jack Black uh, singing the Game of Thrones theme song this week? Yes. 
I, I, I love Jack Black. Jumanji 3 just wrapped filming. Looking forward mm-hmm. to that movie coming out. Um, this movie, it's uh, set in the 80s. Um, Dan, you know what? It, there's a lot of punk rock influence in this one. I want to know your thoughts. I, you're a big music guy. What did you think about uh, not only the music in the movie, but what did you think about the movie itself, uh, The Ranger on Shudder? <sighs> All right, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this, Brian. <laughs> um, let's see. Do you want me to rate it now, or should I just give you my thoughts first? I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. No, hold. Yes, I want to hear your thoughts. All right. So I don't really like to bash horror movies, particularly independent horror movies, because I believe that every independent filmmaker deserves a shot. And I yeah. think the horror genre is up until recently is actually was lacking and with the incorporation of shutter things are starting to pop for them okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna start with that however (laughs) i um this is not a punk rock movie when i think of punk rock movie there's a scene where there's a punk rock gig there are people that are dressed what i guess someone that isn't punk would think punk is um but that's really where it stops when as far as punk rock goes if i want to see a punk rock horror movie I'm going like with the green room. That's a punk rock horror movie to me. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, oh, and a God. much better movie to say the least. So good. Um, now, Chloe Levine, I think she was probably the best part of this movie. I think she's got some chops and I'm very, you know, I look forward to seeing what she does in the future. And, but, uh, and, and again, Jeremy home for, for what he is in the movie, he does a fine job, but I think this movie is just a big old bucket full of fucking hokey. Like it's just, it's just not for me. I, I didn't really enjoy it. it. It had some cliches that I really try to stay away from. Uh, let's go to Arnold Schwarzenegger as um, Mr. Freeze. So you know how every time he's about to do something bad to somebody, he has to kind of put in a pun mm-hmm. about cold or whatever. Yeah, that's the whole deal with the Ranger, and yep. he's just reciting park rules out before he does his, you know, his his murder or whatnot. Um, I don't think this movie really understands what it wants to be. I think it, it was kind of like, is, are we a comedy? Are we doing something more like, uh, you know what I did? I got re, like vibes off of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Revenge of the Living Dead or Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got that in my notes that it's it's Return of the Living Dead. It's class of 1984. Yes, dude. That's what it is. And I, I appreciate the kind of nods to those things. So – you know, is it the worst movie I've ever seen? No. I watched the whole thing. There were a couple parts where I laughed. And I think for as bad as I think this movie is, it's actually shot pretty well mm-hmm. considering their budget. I don't actually know what the budget is, but you can tell it's a lower budget movie. Um, but that's really where it stops. I think that the the punk characters were so fucking annoying outside of Chloe Levine. And, of course, uh, I really did like um, – I forget her name, but the uh, Amanda Grace Benitez. I liked her too. Yeah. But – that's kind of where it stops, Brian. I don't have a lot to say about this because it was one of those things when I finished watching it, I was kind of like, what the fuck did I just watch? Mm-hmm. I, I, I had a hard time retaining what was going on. And I, I mean, I'm sitting there. It's got my full attention, but it's just kind of going in one ear and out the other. I don't know. I, I think this is a swing and a miss. Um, fuck it. I'm going to toss this movie. <laughs> I tossed the fuck out of this movie right out the window. <laughs> <laughs> driving 80 miles or an hour on the freeway. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, I, uh, you're, what you said that really stuck out to me and, um, 
that I agree 100% with is like this movie really doesn't know what it is and what direction it wants to go in. It like shows you this beginning scene that ties in with the end of the movie and it's like this big looming mystery over the whole fucking film. And like when they try to pay it off, it's so fucking underwhelming. Yep. And um, like if you're going to like tease me the whole fucking movie – about this opening scene and like what really happened and like what we don't know as an audience and like finally give us those missing pieces of the story. Don't make it so fucking, I don't know, man. Shyamalan would have given me a way better twist. It, it, this was just, it was not good. Um, I'm going to give it a low taste it. And, um, I actually, like the stuff, like the you were talking about, like the the Mister Freeze quotes and stuff like yes. that. Like that's the stupid shit that I wanted more of. Uh, more of I like if you're gonna give me the Ranger, lean into the Ranger. Like yeah, no doubt, I totally get that. Yeah. But I think I was just so far gone already. Yes. I was like, nah, no, it's just, it's just not working for you're me. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like we don't get the fucking Ranger until like. How do I even say this? I can't even say the third act. I, I I have to say like the third third of the third act, which is fucked up. Because like <laughs> it, this movie really like, uh, it, it really it 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 doesn't have focus, right? I mean, it doesn't. Yes. Yeah. That's it. You just keep it keeps going in and out like yeah. you think it's going to get some kind of a a pattern that you can follow with the movie and it just turns around and does something else. It leaves you underwhelmed in certain areas. It's just it goes from comedy to mm-hmm. horror to like a slasher and not in a good way. It's very choppy. The editing was really bad and there's yeah. lots of editing. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's just like yes. slow down on the editing. Yes. It's crazy. Editing was shit. Yeah, right? I mean every it seems like every shot they showed yeah. Had like 20 editing scenes in it. I agree. You know what? Yeah, man. Jen Wexler, I'm glad that Shutter picked this up for you. Um, I hope this is a learning experience from you, and I hope that the next movie that you're involved in is an improvement. Cause I, you know, I hate, I don't want to shit on a, on a first time director, Dan. I really don't. I know. I, I, I know, don't, man. I don't want to shit on her. I hope this is a learning experience. Like, because, it's it's not for me to shit on this movie in her direction. Like, listen to this podcast. This is garbage. Like, what I'm putting out right now is basically, like, the ranger of podcasts. So... <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> so. The ranger doesn't have rotten tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, your Trump for everything now. Rotten tomatoes. Right. Oh God, I got nothing. I got, <laughs> like I can't. I can't hang my hat on rotten tomatoes, Dan. <laughs> like that's gonna be my rebuttal for every one star review we got. <gasps> rotten tomatoes. <laughs> you gotta yell just like that too. Lest lest you forget, we we can uh, we can jump on rotten tomatoes. You know. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a miss. This movie is a miss. You know, and I wanted this to be a hit. I I really enjoy Shudder. I I'm glad that it exists. I'm I'm worried that 
this will go away. I, I love having a place like a home for horror and a place for movies like this. Like, I don't think that this movie would have been picked up post South by Southwest. You guys would be surprised as how many movies premiere at South by Southwest and don't get financed. Don't get distribution. Yeah, you never see the light of day. Exactly. That's why I think it's great that yes. they have these streaming services now for these independent filmmakers. That's how they can put their work out. Agree. You know? And I and I feel bad now that you said that. I do feel bad that I'm just shitting on this movie because no. I don't wish anything. I don't wish any ill will towards Jen Wexler, but it was just such a swing and a miss. And there was just something about it that kind of, I mean, not literally, but it kind of pissed me off a little bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I just watched that, and well, where's my payoff? We've got movies like. Uh, Oh God! Um, was it summer? Was it summer of '84? Yes. Yeah, I mean, and you interviewed the the creators of that movie, and like that was another movie like this where it didn't have the biggest budget. It had some some uh, some some established uh, some established actors and some like newcomers, but like that movie, like in my opinion, like overperformed as far as like critically and. You know what I mean? It was just a fantastic film. Like, I think... Yeah, it's vastly underrated. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, like, I was hoping... I was hoping for that with the Ranger. I think they should have leaned into more of, like, the Ranger character doing those quotes. You know what I mean? But, like, there was so little of that and so so much more of the convoluted shit you didn't care about that by the time you got this movie together, it was just... Uh, as a whole, and then the editing problem. It was just, it was a mess, man. God damn it, Jen Wexler. We don't want to shit on your movie, and we hope that you make, uh, fantastic. I hope this is a learning experience, right? Totally. Good luck, Jen. <laughs> Tear it up. I'm rooting for you on the next round. <laughs> this one, not so much. <laughs> we are assholes. I know, man. Who the fuck am I? I'm just sitting in my bedroom right now talking on a fucking microphone. Who am I? Nobody. Fuck Dan Ramirez. Jen Wexler's making movies. Jen Wexler's probably sipping on champagne in a fucking like hot tub right now, right? Dan's got a half empty blue moon that's warm now. <laughs> I've, I've got a I've got a lukewarm Stella. <laughs> Who the fuck are we? I've fuck got us. I've got a room temperature Stella. And, uh, you know, who are we? I got to fucking mute because my dogs are barking and shit, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even, I'm I haven't even posted a Rotten Tomatoes review yet. So it's like, I'm nobody yet. You're like not even official yet. Yeah. No, I feel like, I feel like, uh, what, 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 uh, Steve Martin and the jerk, like I'm not anybody until I get into the phone book. Did you have that moment though when you got the reply from from Rotten Tomatoes? I Things did. Things are going to start happening to me now. Yeah, I'm a person. What did he say? What did he say in the jerk? He says, uh, "My name in print that makes people." Yeah, I lo- oh my god, I love. <laughs> I'm somebody now. I'm somebody. Oh my god, I love that movie. This That's episode is movie. stupid. I blame myself and I apologize. You guys are killing it. You guys, are- I'm I'm the Jen Wexler of this fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a fucking blast. Mm. Yeah, fuck our listeners. If you don't like it, whatever. (laughs) Just you know, like fucking three hours ago, I'm like, yeah, I owe everything to you, and now I'm like, fuck you. Uh, Just give me a one star and just move on. 
I don't give a fuck. Hey, we're going to take another break, come back with the... This is the stupidest, longest episode, and I apologize, guys. We're going to... I know. Rebecca, are you dying right now, Rebecca? No, I'm good. I took a nap earlier. I'm I'm good to go. Dan, are you, are you good? Yeah, I napped up, too. We're going to do this shit. We're gonna. This is good. this is where we're gonna really bring it home right now. We're this gonna is, razzle dazzle. We're gonna they razzle dazzle. A little bit of razzle. Sorry, this is it. We're gonna shine now. It's, it's our ta- moment. It's taken a long time uh, to complete this episode. This is the lemon party of podcasts. <laughs> and what I mean by that is usually it could take an older man a long time to keep that erection and maybe even hit that climax. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to. I I, I got to get out of my head, man. I just got out of my head. And you keep saying lemon party and the visuals are just they're haunting me right now. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember? Did you uh, do you ever um, buy the candy lemon heads? Yes. Oh, my yes. God. I love. How did you eat your lemon heads? Did you just like bite into them or did you suck them? Like yeah, you- there's a science to it. You got to suck the sweet part off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then you yes. got, or was it? Wait, is it sour and then sweet, or sweet and then sour? It's sweet. Either way, you got to take the top layer off first. It's sweet, sour, and then it gets into like that that center core. That center core is more like um, that lemon party. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll take a break. <laughs> yes, that's that's like the old man jizz in your mouth. That's like the oh, oh my that hot jizz running down the back of your throat, Rebecca. Nothing. (laughs) There's nothing there. Just empty. Just air. That uh, protein injection (laughs) from from Wilford Brimley. (laughs) All that comes out is insure. Oh my God! Can you imagine Wilford Brimley having sex right now? I mean, I'd rather not, but if you want me to, I can take a stab at it. <laughs> what does he do? Like, what does he, what does he do? Like, what's his pillow talk? Does he sit there and talk about Quaker Oats or like fucking, like his diabetes fucking test strips uh, or something? Now it's diabetes. Di- diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to town on you. Uh, While I'm doing it, eat your damn oatmeal. Oh my God. Watch my dick come out of its cocoon. Woo. Oh my god, that's that's disturbing. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Uh, Wilford Brimley, circumcised, uncircumcised? Oh no, definitely uncircumcised. (laughs) (laughs) You you answered that way too quickly, Dan. I think so much confidence. I am worried. Hey, you don't know what I look at. Worried. You don't know what I look at on the internet. Don't judge me. I don't want to know what you look at right now. I'm telling you, that's where he keeps all of his coins. His uncircumcised penis pouch. Oh. You're welcome. Are uh. we breaking yet? Maybe now's a good time. On that note, no, I'm just gonna let that hang out for a while. Oh, we got super quiet. <laughs> no, I'm loving it because it's like not me making the awkward comments for once. I'm here for you, man. I love I got you. Oh, I love you guys. You're great. All right, uh, we will be back in just a moment with the pop culture leftovers news. 
Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame, and I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt. And the next thing you know, you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers, saying, "Holy shit, that freckled face fucker was right." Anyway, the whole point of this is to tell you that PopCultureLeftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link. What that means is when you click on the link from their website, it helps the show. It doesn't charge you extra at all. You just shop like you regularly would, and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient, just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, welcome back. It is now time for me to pull up my bumpers so I can play in the pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> The pop culture leftovers news. Here we go. Pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Gangster as fuck news this week. Uh, in quick news, uh, Rick and Morty season four is coming in November 2019. This is, uh, yes. fantastic news. Awesome. Oh my god. It can't come quick enough, man. Right. Oh my god. I, uh, fucking Dan Harmon, you're a genius. You're fucking, oh my god. Cannot wait for Rick and Morty season four. One of my, I, I, I'm telling you right now, probably gonna end up in the, uh, in the tuppies for, I, I hate to say that. I hate to fucking be Babe Ruth and call the fucking, you know, call the shot, call the home run. Mm-hmm. But man, I I I gotta feel like this is just gonna be amazing. I mean, they'd have to deviate so far for it not to be good. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and they've shown pretty consistently that uh, they they know what works. They know their the the right formula for this show, and they stick to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm such a fan. Have you ever seen the Rick Mobile? Yeah, um, uh, I didn't get to see it in person, but, uh, Jordan, uh, from the Supercast podcast actually got to visit the, uh, the, the Rickmobile, is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They came to Fresno and they just set up shop. It's like basically a converted, like, taco truck or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they, and it's got the shape of Rick on it. It's really fucking cool. Uh, we got to take pictures with it and everything, but then they're selling their merch out of the, out of the, uh, the side of it. So I have like a little mini Rick mobile. I got a couple of t-shirts and they were selling his, his, uh, spaceship, man, but those things got bought up so quickly. You go online now, they're going for hundreds. Damn. Wow. I got I got to have my picture taken in front of the Wheel of Fortune bus when it came into town. <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking Pat Sajak, baby. Pat fucking Sajak. Do you remember Ed Grimley had a picture of Pat Sajak in his house? I do remember that. Yes. <laughs> yes he did. I must say. Um, <laughs> did you ever watch the Ed Grimley? I, I used to watch him on SCTV. He was also a character in SNL. But did you mm-hmm. watch the S- Did you watch the Ed Grimley cartoon when it was on? Yes, uh, I did. Me too. Oh my I did God, watch I remember it. that. Yeah, that was good shit. <laughs> that was 
a great character. I love oh, Ed Grimley. Oh my god. Did you watch the uh, Steve Martin and um No. The one one night uh, you'll you'll always forget or something. No, I did not. Is it good? How dare you? I'm just kidding. Yes, it's excellent. If you're a fan of both of those guys' comedy, uh, you have to watch it. It's hilarious. I am. I'm a big fan of both of those guys, and it you know it kept popping up in my Netflix, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get around to that, and I never it's- did. Really good. There's like a whole scene, there's a whole part of the special where they just like sit down and talk, like tell stories. Yeah. And it's so great. And it's, it's the classic comedy that you know from these two like long time actors, comedians, performers. Oh. Dude, watch it. It's really good. I treated that like you treat the Orville. Don't start. Do not start. <laughs> Brian's bringing up old shit. <laughs> if I brought up old shit, I'd bring up Lemon Party. Um, <laughs> comes back around again. <laughs> You're so witty. Um, the long in the works live action reboot of Mortal Kombat is finally it's finally appearing to be happening uh new line cinema has signed a deal to shoot the film at adelaide studios in south australia with uh pre-production on the video game adaptation to kick off as early as next month guys we're getting a new it looks like it, it's official we're getting a new mortal Kombat movie um james wan is going to be producing this film uh simon mccoyd Wilhelm, let me just let me let me preface this. Let me talk about Simon McQuoid. If you go to his IMDb page right now, this is the only movie he has listed. There's like nothing else there for this dude. Like I don't know what we're gonna get with this fucking thing because like he's done nothing. I like Simon McQuoid is just like he's he's the Jen Wexler of the Mortal Kombat universe. <laughs> like he's done nothing. It's crazy. I don't what are you thinking like uh, are you looking forward to I remember seeing uh Mortal Kombat the first film in the theaters. I I played the game of course when I was a kid. Played it in the arcade. Loved it. Loved the gore, loved the blood, loved the guts. Um I bought uh Mortal Kombat for my Sega CD and I played the shit out of that fucking game. Saw the movie twice in theaters. I loved that first movie. Um, I don't know. I, I'm hoping this is good. I'm hoping that Mortal Kombat, the movie, James Wan's going to produce it. I hope it's good. Um, no casting news yet? No casting news at this point. I got nothing for you. All I got is a date. It's coming out on March 5th of 2021 and let me throw this out to you it's coming out on the same day that the new he-man movie is coming out so wow yeah that's retro weekend right there what well which movie do you see opening night like and i know opinions may change once the trailers come out but like right now as it stands mortal kombat he-man which one do you see opening night he man for me. Yeah, that's I'm probably not even. I, I'm just not like. Uh, I mean, I remember the original Mortal Kombat movie, although I haven't seen it in I don't even know how many years. 
Um, but He-Man, I don't know. That's always got like a special place in my heart. I, I would see the He-Man movie opening night. Really? Even with this casting of what's his name? Nick Centineo? Uh, what's his fucking name? This- uh, Centineo? Is that how you yeah, say it? Yeah, Nick Centineo. Like even with like the Netflix rom-com. Yeah, I actually haven't seen him in that. I know he's, I know he's been in that like Netflix, whatever movie it is. I, I saw it, and it's not. But is that not, to all the yeah. boys I loved before? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's one of them. Yeah, it's one of them. He's done another one. It's not like I saw that movie and I'm like, oh my god, yes, that's my He Man. Like if you give me like, fan, we were talking about fan castings earlier with Matt Reeves. It's it's definitely Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth is my He Man. Oh. Well, That's yeah, a great pick. It, it is a great choice. Unless they go with, unless they go with the route of when he transforms, he like maybe he's Prince Adam. That's what I they, was thinking. Yeah, but cast someone else to be like Prince this, Adam. Like always He-Man. Prince Adam always still looked like fucking He Man. He just looked like He Man wearing on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Like, he he. Well, he. I mean. He looked like He-Man, but he was wearing like, like He-Man's gentler cousin. Yeah, like he was wearing fancy lad clothes from Cabin Boy, right? Fancy <laughs> lad. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fancy lad. That's such a perfect explanation or description. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're gonna do it, but mm. yeah, even with Nick Centineo, I don't really have any like, um, I, I don't have any strong feelings either way about him. Um, yeah, for sure, Hemsworth is the perfect choice to play He-Man and Prince Adam, but, you know, they got this guy instead. Um, I don't know, like, uh, for me, I guess I just have more of a connection to He-Man. Even yeah, even with yeah. the casting, I have more of a connection, for me personally. God damn it, if we get a proper fucking Mortal Kombat with a rated R rating and we're getting legit fatalities on the fucking screen. I am there. Day yeah, one. Day one for fucking Mortal Kombat the movie. Nick Centineo, you can do your little fucking <laughs> uh, fancy lad fucking Prince Adam bullshit uh, on uh, day two. But opening night, if, if, I get an, if I get an R rating, for Mortal Kombat, and I get proper fatalities where I get fucking like you know people ripping fucking Scorpion's spine out, and it's dangling there. I'm there for uh, day number one for fucking Mortal Kombat. That's I'm all about Mortal Kombat in this case. I I, I don't know, Rebecca. I I mean I would love to see like like a like a Eternia look the way it should look. You know? Oh, you know? Yeah, I mean uh, one of the one of the many flaws of the original He-Man movie with Dolph Lundgren is that it it's like zero time is spent on Eternia. It mm-hmm. all happens here on Earth. Yeah. And that's a big problem with that movie. Um, mm. What's but- up with Dolph Lundgren fucking up properties? I know a lot of people have. <laughs> Hold on. Remember Dolph Lundgren's fucking uh, Punisher movie? Oh, I terrible. tried to forget it. It's oh, terrible. God. Jesus. Terrible. What I, else does he have? Let's see. We got He-Man, Punisher. What Rocky. other properties has he fucked up? He was in the Rocky movies, but he didn't <laughs> fuck that up, though. No, he's Ivan. Yeah, Ivan he, Drago always gets yeah, a pass. That's no, <laughs> I love the question. Oh, what other properties did Dolph Lundgren <laughs> fuck up? <laughs> Let me ask you how I really feel. He was good on Arrow. When I, he think, had a, I think Jen Wexler's looking at him to be in the Ranger too. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, 
She's just like, let's keep this fuck up train chugging, chugging along. Choo choo, baby. I'm gonna fuck up the sequel. You're bringing <laughs> choo choo, motherfucker. I'm bringing it Dolph Lundgren. Poor Jan um, Wexler. Yeah. She's like, why do I have a splitting fucking headache all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Jen. Nothing against you. Nothing against you at all. I hope the next. I don't know. Why, why do I keep apologizing to somebody that's not even that's, listening? <laughs> like, you never know. Um, Jen, I'm sorry you made a shit movie. Was that. Well, that was mean. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see it. I just it, wanted so to let it hang know. there for a little bit. <laughs> I, that was awkward. I felt like such a dick in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, I think that we've been kind of like. Uh, professional about it and then i just had to come out and say that and like ruin it kamikaze that shit i know i ruined the illusion that we actually have hope that she'll put out something good um <laughs> again this hang this lingering nobody <laughs> um let's move on uh, rebecca we found out some new info for the uh new star trek series uh Featuring Jean-Luc Picard. I want you to talk about this. This is this is your fucking baby here. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So new article from Screen Rant talking about, uh, of course, entitled Star Trek, everything we know about the Picard TV show. Um, so uh, the article kind of just sort of reiterates everything that we already did know about how he's coming back and blah, blah, blah. So there is a new uh, still that has been released, a still photo from the set. I think it may have been leaked. I, it doesn't look very official to me. It just shows Picard uh, basically in like civilian clothes and he might be – I'm guessing if I had to guess this photo, he's like maybe – at Starfleet Academy, it mm. kind of looks like he could be at the Academy because there's people walking around him like that are wearing a Star Trek type uniform. Um, but this, of course, is set 20, at least 20 years. I think it's a little bit more than 20 years in the, uh, after the end of the last movie, which was Nemesis. Um, so basically what's going on is, uh, obviously it is just called Picard, which I think we've, the last time we talked about this, I think we all agreed, like, that should yes. absolutely be the name of the show, right? You're, you're absolutely right. We all agreed on that. Yeah. And, like, to call it anything else, I think, would have been a mistake. Like, just call it Picard. Like, that's – that alone is enough to get people in it, like, just to watch it. That um, name carries so much weight in the uh, absolutely. Star Trek community. Yeah. Like, yeah. even if you ask people, like – even if you ask like people who are casual Star Trek fans if they know who Captain Picard is, they'll probably know mm-hmm. like who who he is, and most people would pick him as their favorite captain. Mm. So I think to call it anything else would be a big mistake. Um, it will be ten episodes. I think that that is was also confirmed before. And Patrick Stewart has said that he is committed to doing more than one season if it goes that way. Fuck yes. So that's exciting to know. Like. Uh, so like if the if the sh- if the show writers have more than one season in them and it gets greenlit, he said he's willing to do it. So that's awesome. Uh, it will be on CBS All Access here in the states, but overseas it will be on Amazon Prime. Oh wow! So 
That is uh, great super news. exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of those sort of niche uh, streaming services, they are not available everywhere. Like we know our friends over in the UK, they don't get Hulu right now. And so anything that's on Hulu, they sometimes they just don't get it. And they don't so, get uh, DC Universe as well. Either that and like, you know, hopefully they will get Disney Plus. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but they do have Amazon. So the series will be available on Amazon Prime, which is great. Um, of course, uh, again, 20 years after Star Trek Nemesis, he's not a captain anymore, which makes sense. Like, it, it makes sense that by this point, he'd probably be retired from yeah. Starfleet. Yeah. Um, also, too, they are saying that uh, the way his character is written, that he's going to be a deeply changed man because uh, of the destruction of Romulus. So, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. So this is this to me is something the most interesting about mm. this is because the destruction of Romulus is from J.J. Abrams movie. That's the Kelvin universe. Exactly, which, as I understood it, was separate. It's it is it's um, it's like it's like if you're looking at the Marvel universe, it's like a different uh, reality. Exactly, you've like that's the, how. I, yeah, you've got the Prime universe and the Kelvin universe. Right. So, like the idea being that in the Prime universe, everything that we've seen, you know, original series, TNG, Deep, Deep Space Nine, all that stuff, it, it all happened. But that the J.J. Kelvin universe also happened in another reality. So uh, this is interesting. I, I So I guess this means it's set in the Kelvin. Does this mean that everything we've seen was always set in the Kelvin universe? No, no, no. Could this mean because we've seen Prime Spock show up in the Kelvin universe. Could Prime Picard show up in the Kelvin universe? Oh, okay. So, yeah, that – that is interesting. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have to be something like that because certainly, like, uh, for Next Generation, they had a really great storyline called Reunification. And, uh, you know, Leonard Nimoy – not Reunification, sorry, excuse me, Unification. Leonard Nimoy did appear in that episode mm-hmm. as Spock, and it was the idea that he was trying to work towards Romulus and Vulcan sort of re- – reunifying to become one uh one society again as they had you know so many hundreds thousands of years ago um so picard's always been deeply invested in that story so it's interesting that they mentioned that the destruction of romulus could change him could romulans could romulans from the kelvin universe be looking for refuge in the prime universe where romulus still exists I mean, I guess you could, but then you'd have to write in a storyline of how they got there. I, yeah, and I don't think that they would want to put too much stock in the fucking the J.J. Abrams films. Yeah, like they've never – like even with Discovery, which looks like it's in the Kelvin universe. Uh, yes, you know, the, yep. The the showrunners have said it's not in the Kelvin universe. That's true. That it's in the Prime. So <sighs> – it's an interesting point in this article, so I am not really sure what that is going to mean going forward for the for the Star Trek universe, for the Picard series. I, d- I don't know. Yeah. It's, I mean, hopefully, as we get closer, obviously we we will see. You know, obviously, um, what that will mean. Um, and then you know, basically, 
this will be the first uh, show in this sort of new resurgence of Star Trek shows that are coming out. We, we've got a uh, we've got an animated show called Lower Decks that's coming out. Um, of course, Discovery is already out. And that's very different than uh, the previous Trek that we have. Um, we also do know that Jonathan Frakes is coming back to direct a couple of these episodes. Mm, that was exciting. Commander William Riker. Um, and then they just kind of really just go over uh, who's already been cast in this, uh, which we've, we've, we've covered on previous episodes. So it's just really quickly Santiago Cabrera. Um, Michelle Hurd, uh, Evan Evagora, Allison Pill, Harry Treadway, and Issa Briones. Um, and all God, I, uh, let me just say, I love Allison Pill being in this series. Oh, okay. I love Allison Pill. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, loved her in the Goon movies. The, did you ever watch those hockey films? The Goon movies? Yeah, with, uh, uh with the, the dude. Stifler. With Stifler from fucking American Pie. No, I've never seen I that. love Alison Pill. I think she's great. That's cool. That's, I'm not familiar with her work. Um, but, uh, I mean, basically, uh, everybody, um, everybody sort of is just named as like an undisclosed r- exactly role what they're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been this, it's mostly speculation, but there's people talking about they'll lean into how much Picard loves archaeology, that that could be a, a factor in this show. Um, and then of course people are, you know, asking, will there be, um, will there be ca- cameos from TNG people? That also is not, no one's, you know, confirmed that either. Do you, and, Rebecca, you know, to, do you need it? Do you need that? For me personally, um No, seriously, I, I wanna I wanna I wanna hear fangirl Rebecca. Do you need that? Yeah. Do I need it? No. I don't need it. Um will I enjoy it if they throw it in there? Yeah, of course I will. Uh well, well I think it's cool if we get to see Picard talking to data. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't need it for this show to go forward. And and actually I would prefer that they keep the cameos down in this first season. Mm. Only because if the show is called Picard, I want them to focus on Picard. I really do. Um, if going forward, like, he has to team up with Worf or something, uh, or uh, – although, to be honest, like, you know, they, they tend to throw Worf in a lot of stuff because he's, like, a fan favorite, which is great. My, Michael Dorn plays a really great character. But um, I, I kind of just want to see Picard shine on his own. Here, uh, for, for me personally, I'm sure there are fans who feel differently, but I don't really need it. Uh, if, if I don't get it, it's, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I think that's, um, that's basically it. So again, you know, I, I, I don't think this show is gonna, t- and, and there are people who are saying like maybe the show will tackle like what happened at the end of Deep Space Nine to, to, you know, Benjamin Sisko and what happened to the crew of Voyager and, or what about this? What about- don't. I, I don't think. Don't Picard- do it. No, absolutely. Don't do it. The show is called Picard. Yes. It's very, very focused. If this was called, you know, I don't know, uh, Star Trek the the next ne- not not the next next but like something like that like building on the next yeah. gen model then you could call it anything and just bring back the cast it's for a new adventure but this is called Picard I don't think and- they need I, I agree with you I don't think that they need to have anybody from the original next generation cast show up in this I don't I feel like the next generation when they had their first episode and um, Bones 
showed up mm-hmm. in that episode, it was kind of like that was their way to tie it into like the first series. Sure. They had to. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, the, to, to bring on DeForest Kelly, I thought was really smart. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, that first season of TNG leaned too heavily on the original series. Yeah. Um, you don't have to do it, that now. You're so established. Exactly. Exactly. So like, and, and, and they've done that with every other Trek series. You know, when they introduced Deep Space Nine, they had Captain Picard in that first episode. Like it, it was to pass the mm-hmm. torch. Yeah. But I, you, you don't need that here. So I, again, if we get a cameo, it's fine. Yeah. I'll enjoy it. But if we don't, I'm not going to like, you know, cross my arms and pout and say, well, I didn't get my Jordy LaForge cameo. I'm not going to watch this show. No, I, I think you should keep the cameos down. And I think you should absolutely just focus on Jean-Luc Picard. That's what the show is called. Like, just focus on him and his adventure here. And maybe next season have some cameos if you want to, but you don't need it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree with you 100%. I, yeah. I feel like they're in a place where they don't need it, and we just need to see where Picard is. It doesn't have to be, like, uh, fan service. Yeah. And then, too, like, if this show gets – if this show goes well, they could always do other shows um, that maybe do tackle some of the questions in the Trek universe. Yeah. But just for now, like – I mean, from the day they announce this, my excitement level just goes up every day. Mm. Like, I just, I get so excited thinking about this, this show and seeing, you know, Patrick Stewart back as, as this character that I love. And I'm just so glad Patrick Stewart agreed to do it. Are you and Paul Hart going to return and do a podcast about this? Um, Probably not. Um, probably not. You know, unfortunately, we did start a Discovery podcast. It just, it didn't work out. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to speak for Paul, of course, but I, I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen, though, unfortunately. Wow. I'm sorry that I even brought that up. No, it's okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's a dig move by me. It's a genuine question. Hey, okay. everybody, are we going to get something that you are probably going to enjoy? No, no. It's not, it's <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I am. Um, awkward. Paul Hart, was that the guest I was on last week? Yeah. He was fucking great. I fucking love Paul. Paul is great. Paul, uh, Dan, Paul is my co-host on the animated Badcast. Yeah. And, oh, okay. um, that's, that, that's his show, really. That's his baby. He was kind enough to let me come on as a co-host. And, uh, man, he's great. He's, and when you want to talk about a Batman expert, Paul's your guy. Paul yeah. is your guy for Batman stuff. I love Paul. He's so good. Yeah, it's haven't, like, haven't met his acquaintance yet, but Paul, you kicked ass last week. I just want to give you a compliment. Yeah, he did. He fucking kicked ass. I love Paul. Paul, uh, that was the second episode, and I was so pissed at myself that it even took me that long to get him on the show. But uh, it was worth He's it. Great. He's great. He's great. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, we kind of talked about this earlier, the whole uh... – no, no, we didn't talk about this. This is new. Uh, news from Dark Horizon. Rebecca, thank you for the Picard news. Thank you. I oh, appreciate yeah, you. Oh, yeah, my, my pleasure. I had you, I gave you that little project. You know, when the, the teacher gives you the little project and says, take it home over the weekend, come back. And oh, yeah. I, I literally gave you that project like less than 24 hours ago and you come back and you're just, you just nail it. You nail it. Killing it. You were like, thank you. Fucking Wilford Brimley in a 
porno. Just fucking nailed that shit. Wow. It that's a compliment, right? <laughs> I in a way, in a way. I, I wonder how many listeners we've lost this episode. You know, I don't even care. How many have we gained that have diabetes, diabetes. and just came for the Wilford Brimley talk? Got free test strips, That's people. What I'm talking free fucking test strips. You can't beat that deal. How much money have you spent on test strips? Jesus, God! If I could have all have back all the money I've spent on test strips, I'm telling you, I've spent. <laughs> God damn it! All the money I did away on test strips. Got Wolf Brimley saving me money. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> News from Dark Horizons: Lonely Island group member and pop star never stop pop uh, never stop stopping. Uh, co-director Akiva Schaefer has closed the deal to direct the studio's live-action and CG animated combination take on classic 1989 animated series Chippendale Rescue Rangers for Disney Studios. The series saw Chipmunk Chip. The brains behind the brotherly pair and Dale, the goofball, running a detective agency and helping animal clients with the help of their friends. Disney made three seasons worth of shows, then ran in syndication for a decade on the Disney Channel. Um, my history with Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers was I fucking loved the show when I was a kid. I loved, uh, Monterey Jack, the fucking uh, cheese-loving mm-hmm. mouse. And then I loved uh, Zipper, the fly that used to hang out with them. And I, I loved that show. I watched every episode, and I was a huge fan of the Nintendo Entertainment System two-player Chippendales video game. I loved that fucking video game. It was a just a fantastic video game. And um, I'm a big fan of the series. I, uh, I I I am not opposed to um, one of these guys from the Lonely Island doing the movie. I just have not been a ov- big fan overall of these live action adaptations of different animated properties, such as the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Garfield, and what? Ooh, Garfield, no yeah. bad. Yeah, and mm-hmm. what will probably be a bad adaptation of Sonic the Hedgehog coming out soon. So, is first off, like, is this going to be a movie that hits theaters? Because I, I don't know if is this big enough to hit theaters, or is this going to be a Disney Plus movie? Chippendale Rescue Rangers. It's a good question. Yeah. I, I think they might have more success on Disney Plus because it does seem to be like, for instance, I didn't watch that show. It was just that we I got a couple years on you. So, yeah, yeah, it wasn't in my you know what I mean? Like it just wasn't even on my register. So, uh, God, if you're fucking like, uh, you know, 17, 18 years old watching Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. It's a fucking problem, right? Yeah, I'd be like, OK, um, I hope you lose your virginity soon. Like. Come on, dude. I'm working on it. Yeah, exactly. I get that. But I I was the perfect age. Like, I came out at, like, when I was, like, eight or nine or some shit. You know, like, I was fresh off of watching Muppet Babies, and then they threw me into Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. It was just, you know, the perfect storm. Rebecca, did you watch Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, or did you watch Chippendale's The Male Exotic Dancers? 
What if I told you I watched both? Mm. How about them at the same time? Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How else would one watch it? Um, As you do, right? Yeah, as as one does. Um, Absolutely. I was was the same age as you, Brian. I would watch – there was a whole block of cartoons. There was Chippendales Rescue Rangers. There was Tailspin. There was Darkwing Duck. Yeah. And then I think there was DuckTales – and then there was the gummy bears. You remember the gummy bears? Gummy bears bouncing oh, here and there and everywhere. everywhere. Oh, High yeah. adventures that's beyond compare. Oh, we are the gummy, are the gummy bears. bears. No, I don't remember that show at all. No, I, I <laughs> um, yeah, that that was that block of, of cartoons after school. I watched all of those. I was a big fan of Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. Uh, like you, I think this. I, I'm excited. Like, oh, yeah, bring me more of that. But... At the same time, live action adaptations have not been great, so I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like uh, when you when you're throwing a name out like you know Akiva Schaefer from Lonely Island, I would hope that maybe I'm thinking to myself, could this like I feel like these guys are talented. The guys from Lonely Island, like, could these guys get it? Could these guys be like? Could they bring to Disney what? Phil Lord and Chris Miller brought to the Lego movie or, you know what I mean? Or the mm-hmm. Spider-Verse. I see. Uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. I mean, if that's the route they go, then yeah, maybe they could bring in that Phil Lord and Chris Miller type stuff that worked really well for the for uh, the Spider-Verse. Why don't and, we, and, like, can't we stop looking at this stuff? And I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. Can we stop looking at this stuff at, like, um, you know, like I, I, I'm victim of it as well. Like I, I just compared it to Garfield and and uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks and uh, what was the other one I said? I don't know. I don't know. But like I'm comparing it to those things. Could it be like this? Could also be like um, oh god, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I brought up Phil Lord and Chris Miller. But this could also be – god damn it. I lost my train of thought. Go ahead, Rebecca. Say say what you're going to say and I'll think of it. Um, Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. The Lego <laughs> movie, which I know you were not a fan of, but I did enjoy what Phil Lord and Chris Miller did for that too. I mean, and yeah, obviously this is not going to be Phil Lord and Chris Miller doing this. But if they go that route, if it's got that feel to it, I think it could appeal to people our age and I think it could also appeal to people our age who have kids than to just kind of bring them into this and be like, oh, this is what mommy and daddy used to watch mm-hmm. or whatever. But, um, yeah, it has the potential. It has the potential to be good. Uh, I just, I hope that it is because Chippendale Rescue Rangers was a really fun cartoon. It, it was. was a great premise. It was a really great premise. Here was my, here was my, here's my thought. Like, what if they would have, have announced that, um, James Gunn is going to be bringing us a live action Chippendales Rescue Rangers movie. Like I would be like, oh my god, he's going to do for Rescue Rangers what he did for Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Like you know, Chippendale. Like some people know who they are. Not many people, unless you were around during that time, remember who Zipper was or fucking what was her name? Uh, the the gadget, gadget. was her gadget? gadget. Yeah, gadget. And then Monterey Jack. Like, not many people remember who those characters were unless they were growing up around the time of these characters. Um, could James Gunn do what he did with the Guardians of the Galaxy 
with these characters. Like, I think we'd all be in. Like, if they said James Gunn is doing a Rescue Rangers movie, I'd be like, oh, my God. And I feel like I'm right now. I've got that cynical side that's saying, oh, fucking Garfield, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Smurfs movie. You know, we're going to get fucking, uh, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, Gargamel bullshit, right? Or no, it's Hank Azaria. Um, you know, like that's what we're going to get. Um, and I, we could be totally wrong here. Like the, uh, Kiva Schaefer could bring us, he could do what James Gunn did with the Guardians of the Galaxy, even if this is a live action animation CGI fucking thing. So we'll see. And, and we've also got to remember, like, this is for, you know, like, we grew up on this. It's basically, it's like, it's not for us. It's for our kids' kids at this point. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, well, no, yeah. you're right. And then, like, you, you think about, like, the the whole premise of, like, Chip and Dale. Like, that cartoon came about, or, or the Rescue Rangers came about, because Chip and Dale, that, that was, like, classic Disney animation. Yep. That, that we, remember, like, when we were, like, real little? Like, yeah. And, Dan, I don't know, maybe you watched it, too, but, like, those older Chip and Dale cartoons with, like, it would be like with Pluto and, yeah. and, and Mickey and Goofy, right? Like, yeah, and they'd come they on of, like Saturday night yeah, and it'd be like a Disney special. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. It would be like, you know, Disney. It, it would be like the whole ABC opening. Uh, it wasn't ABC though, but like it was that they would show like the, the Walt Disney Castle and it would be like Disney Saturday night family. Oh my whatever. God, I love it that like shit. It like the magical, wonderful world of Disney. The wonderful, wonderful world, world of Disney. Disney. Thank you. I was blanking on it. Yes. And they would show those old and they were, well, they weren't classic at the time. Oh my God. Can you imagine if they had a wonderful world of Disney and they just fucking zoomed in very slowly on a fucking shot of an ice cube that had Walt Disney's dead corpse in it? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like 30 minutes of them just zooming in on the dead frozen corpse of Walt Disney. <laughs> oh, like Chris Evans. I got that reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember those, Rebecca. And then like, then it became Chip and Dale's. And then you put like a hat on Chip and a jacket and made him look like Indiana Jones. And then you, was, and then you put like a, a Magnum PI Hawaiian shirt on fucking Dale and you got a show. I mean, that's what they were. It was, it was Magnum PI and it was Indiana Jones, but they're chipmunks. Like, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, I do remember that now that you're mentioning it. <laughs> Every once in a while, I have a good point. Um, yeah, I, I hope this is good. I really do. I hope this is a fantastic, uh, Resurgence in Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers. I loved this show. I loved the Nintendo video game. Uh, if you put the Nintendo video game in front of me right now, I would probably lose sleep tonight and play it all night because I fucking love that game. So, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Kung Fury Two is still happening. Did you guys see this news? No. Mm-mm. Have you watched Kung Fury? Again, no. God, no, Dan, uh, Rebecca. I feel bad, man. I'm not. I'm not uh, contributing this time around. Rebecca, Kung Fury. Yes, I'm sure. I've seen that movie. Kung Fury. It's a. Uh, it was originally a Kickstarter. Um, this was actually a Kickstarter that I backed 
when it was first announced because the uh, footage that they gave us originally looked amazing. Uh, the first movie um, was about a cop in the 80s who travels back in time to defeat Hitler, who goes by Kung Fuhrer. And uh, with the help of Vikings and dinosaurs, he fights Kung Fuhrer, Hitler, and... Uh, it is absolutely incredible. This is the wildest, uh, most retro love letter to 1980s action films that I've ever seen. I love – it's a short film and it's amazing. It's called Kung Fury. Um, I own it on Blu-ray because I, I did back it on, on Kickstarter. They sent it to me. I believe it's still available to watch on Netflix. Netflix did buy the rights to it. Um, but um, it blew up. Uh, the, uh, star and director of the movie, David Sandberg, um, when it was first announced that they were doing a sequel, they only announced the casting of Michael Fassbender. I assumed that Michael Fassbender would be playing the new Kung Fury. That is not the case. David Sandberg is still playing the lead role <laughs> in Kung Fury. Michael Fassbender is going to be starring in the movie, but he's also, he's going to be in a different role. Joining him in Kung Fury Two is Arnold. <laughs> I'm just checking out this cast right now. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Isa Gonzalez, and of course David Hasselhoff, who the had fucking Hoff. the Hoff, um, who had um, who did some music for um, the first film, mm-hmm. and uh, I I own uh, the Conf- Kung Fury soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> I bought. The- <laughs> I bought the vinyl record for it because I love this fucking movie. Rebecca, Dan, if you have not seen Kung Fury, I highly recommend that you watch it tomorrow. I, I'm telling you, you've got to watch this. And I, when I, when I listen to the next Heroes of Noise episode, I want to hear Dan talk about Kung Fury. Like that's Kung a Fury. must. Like I'm writing it down right now. Dude. Yes. I'll do that for you. And it's a, it, like, listen, people. This is what I like to call a supplemental podcast because, like, right now you're hearing about me telling Dan to watch Kung Fury, but you're not going to know what his reaction is until you listen to the next episode of Heroes of Noise where Dan tells you his thoughts on said film. And so that gives you incentive to download Heroes of Noise, which I'm not trying to trick you into listening to a podcast. It's really fucking good. Thanks, man. I like the cut of your jib, sir. I like what you're doing right now. THR <laughs> uh, goes on to say uh, Kung Fury 2 is co-written by Sandberg and Tyler Burton Smith. It's uh, set in 1985. <laughs> the best year ever. Uh, Miami is kept safe under the watchful eye of Kung Fury, the greatest damn cop of all time. His thunder cops are the ultimate police force assembled from across history to defeat the villainous Kung Fuhrer, Adolf Hitler. But after the tragic death of one of their members causes the group to disband, a mysterious villain emerges from the shadows to aid in the Fuhrer's quest to attain the ultimate weapon. Kung Fury must travel through space and time to save his friends, defend the prestigious Miami Kung Fu Academy, and defeat evil once and for all. Guys, I'm telling you, Kung Fury is amazing. If it's still on Netflix, please check it out. It's awesome. I was upset by the news that Michael Fassbender was going to be in Kung Fury 2 because I thought he was taking over the role 
the main role that David Sandberg had in the first movie, that is not the case. He's just a character. We don't know which character, but they're adding Arnold Schwarzenegger and fucking David Hasselhoff is going to actually have a role in the movie. I Tupperware the fuck out of this news. Cannot wait for Kung Fury 2. And I can't wait to hear Dan Ramirez talk about Kung Fury on Heroes of Noise podcast. Download. It's on iTunes, Spotify. Dan, you're iHeartRadio everywhere. Pretty much, man. Hey, uh, Pandora now, apparently. What's Pandora? Yeah. Yeah, Pandora. I think we got approved on that, too. I don't know. I haven't checked. Yeah, going places, man. Hey, I'm trying to find it right now, and I can't find it anywhere. Really? You couldn't hook me up, could you? All right, guys. I'm going to take a little moment here. I'm going to get on my uh, Just Watch app. And check and see where Kung, Kung Fury. It was on Netflix. It might they might have lost their deal. Let me check. Come on, just watch app. Why don't you just hurry the fuck up? <laughs> How about that? Why don't you just stop dilly dallying? That's something we brought up last week. Did you did you hear last week's episode, Rebecca? Oh yeah. Okay, I brought up dilly dally. Did you hear? I love that word. Did you hear Jason Mansukis in uh, in uh, Jason Mansukis and uh, John Wick say dilly dally? When you saw he it, did. he did. He did dilly dally, and I laughed. <laughs> I did. I was like, "Oh my gosh, that is topical." Um, here we go. Kung Fury. Fury. Found it. So it's on. You can get it on Apple TV or mm-hmm. iTunes, uh, Vudu, uh, yeah, the PlayStation pay. Network, and Amazon. You got to pay for it, though. You got to pay for it. Yeah. Fuck. I, I have I'll do it just for you, buddy. Please watch it. It's you, you'll get a kick out of it. It's great. I would fuck. I'd send you my Blu-ray, but it'd take a fucking week to get there. But no, no worries. I'm on it. I will watch it. I promise. Awesome. You'll love it. You will love it. It is fantastic. Such a nostalgic throwback, and I can't wait for Kung Fury too. Um, oh, news from Dark Horizons. Uh, Walt Disney Pictures is reportedly developing Shrunk, a reboot, but also a legacy quill. They call it a legacy quill. Of classic comedy, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, with Josh Gad signed on to star in the Rick Moranis role, report slash film. Uh, in the Joe Johnston helmed original. Love Joe Johnston, did the uh, Rocketeer movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Moranis played a scientist father who accidentally shrinks his teenage son and daughter to just a quarter of an inch in size. They must then adventure through their backyard to return home while fending off insects and massive-sized obstacles. Uh, the new project will reportedly be set in the same universe as the original movies, albeit three decades later. Gad will play the grown-up version of scientist and inventor Wayne Slezlinski, uh, Wayne Slezlinski's son, Adam Slezlinski, who accidentally shrinks his kids. Uh, so... Uh, Originally said to be in development for Disney Plus, the project is now reportedly aiming for a theatrical release and is currently on the lookout for a filmmaker to direct. Um, I want to know your thoughts on this. Re- Rebecca, Dan, Dan, um, did you watch Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Were you a fan? Yeah, I watched them. I watched, what was there, three of them, right? Uh, I know that I, I watched the first two, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and then the second one was uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Yeah, I watched the first two. I'm a fan. I like it. I would totally be down. I, I don't really mind when they do something like this as long as they – like they're just not doing it to make a buck. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like if you really put some love into it and make it fun and have a great cast, I'll totally watch it. Rebecca. 
Yeah, I was a, I was definitely a fan. Still am a fan of those Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid movies. Um, I don't know. I'm not super excited by this. Mm. Only because... Uh, how many times have we seen that they do these kind of movies and it's like, oh, the son of that guy that you really loved in that first movie, he does the same wacky thing again. Oh no, antics ensue. And it's, I don't know. I'm not super excited, to be honest. I just don't see, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not excited by this, to be, to be perfectly honest. I'm leaning more towards... I'm leaning more towards Dan that I'm in favor of this movie being made, whether it's good or bad. Like, if it's bad, whatever. It's a bad movie. But I think, like, this is something that Disney should do mm-hmm. after the success of Jumanji. And I'm not saying Disney did that movie, but looking at the success of this Jumanji movie... And how it's 25 plus years later and this next Jumanji movie did so well. And then also I want to say that Disney has been using these, this, the CGI for shrinking that they've done in the Ant-Man movies has been incredible. And, mm-hmm. and I'd love to see this in, and used in a movie like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I think Josh Gad is great casting. I love Josh Gad. Like, I don't want to see him as the penguin in a Matt Reeves film, but my God, you put him in a Disney film and I'm there. I love Josh oh, Gad. Oh, yeah. No, me, me too. Like, I thought, like, great voice work in Frozen and, uh, he was, I thought he was great in the Beauty and the Beast live action movie. Yeah. And, um, yeah. LeFou, I thought he was great. I, I, I know I sound like really cynical about this and I was just like fangirling over Chippendale Rescue Rangers a minute ago, but I But don't now know. you've gone too far. But now you've gone too far, Disney. No. <laughs> like I, I guess- This is where I draw the line, Disney. <laughs> I'm throwing flipping tables over, smashing bottles on the edge, ready to cut people. Like it's I know it just sounds so I, I get so turned off with this whole like you know he's the son of the guy who did yeah. the thing and now he's doing the thing and it's and and I listen I I think you made a great point with you with, with the Jumanji reference but in that case those none of those people were connected to the original guy who who went into the game right none of them were his kid right. or his grandson this was totally separate and they get sucked into the movie and then you have little Easter eggs that point to that first movie. If they had done – Would this be okay if, they, if it was like the family across the street that shrunk their kids this time? I think it would have been – not the family across the street but like <laughs> what if what if like the technology still existed in some yeah. way and it happened but there's no connection to the original Rick Moranis movie other than a few Easter eggs. You've got to have a character that understands how this machine works though, right? I mean like you just can't have like uh – uh, rando family go to, uh, you know, uh, some junk heap and find this, uh, shrinking laser and, uh, I mean, have yeah, it propped you- up in their attic and then, like, accidentally shrink little Johnny and then, uh, nobody knows what the fuck it is or how it works, you know? 
Well, get- yeah, but you you could also write in a character in the family that's like, you know, a, write in like a like a Peter Parker type character who's like really smart, is onto all this retro tech, and he dumpster dives. You know, all those kids, all, all those kids who got sucked into the Jumanji thing. None of them had any connection, but the game explained it to them what they had to do, and so then they figured it out. Okay, this is what we have to do. These are the rules of this world. You could easily do something where you add in a character that can explain it in some way without directly having it connected. And I could be the total minority in this and everybody's listening to this going, you're crazy, Rebecca, this is great news. And, and maybe the movie comes out and it's amazing. And I have a great time at it. I don't know, but just this, this news of it, I'm not super thrilled. I think Disney is the threads that are getting you right. It is the threads. It is the threads. Like, it doesn't have to, why does it have to be his son? Like, I, I get why. Why did, like, why did, why did Creed have to be fucking Apollo Creed's son in the Creed films? Like, if I would have asked that question, we never would have got that first Creed movie and I wouldn't have raved about it on the pod. I, I don't, it's, it, for, I see what you're saying. They fucked it up in so many movies. Like, I feel like coming to America too is a bad idea. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And I feel <laughs> yeah. like it's going to be like uh, the the story's going to take us back to Queens. It'll probably be you know fucking uh, Hakeem's son coming to America to find the love of his life or some shit like that. And it's just going to be garbage, right? Okay. So I don't know. And we've seen it in other movies, like where the the son is or the daughter or whatever it is, and it's just been crap. I don't know. I feel like the big draw for me here. Is how Disney has mastered this shrinking CGI. Like, if you look at fucking, remember when uh, Scott Lang got shrunk down to the where, where he was like child size and he was wearing the oversized hoodie. Remember how good that fucking looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's great. I think that's the fucking draw here. It's like mm-hmm. I think that they've I think they've gotten to a point where. They've mastered this, this show, this whole shrinking. Disney has mastered shrinking shit. It looks so good. Even Giant Man, when he goes large, looks so great. I think that's the big draw here. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to look past the fact that, you know, uh, Josh Gad's playing the son of Rick Moranis now all grown up and blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm more in favor of seeing what Disney can do. With this shrinking technology, and I know that they used a lot of practical effects in that first movie. With you know, uh, uh, they they uh, had very uh, sets that had uh, large yeah. Legos, and and they had like that B and a green screen and anti and a green screen. They had all you know. So, so I not even not even. Uh, not even a green screen for everything. They used a lot of practical effects. They 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 made it look like a giant lawn. You know, I mean, so that's what I'm excited for. I, I totally understand where you're coming from as far as like the whole like uh, family aspect of it, and they that does get kind of fucked up in a lot of movies. Hmm. But you know, I mean, you also bring up a valid point about how they use their their uh, shrinking CGI stuff. I mean, if that's, I could see why, like having a vehicle to use to use that technology. I get it. I 
I, as Dan put it, it's it's the threads that are getting me. And you know what? If if the movie is clever enough and funny enough, and it's if it's entertaining enough, yeah, I can look past it too. But just yeah, but just right now, think about. I am a bit caught up on that. I'm a, a bit hung up on that. Think about like what they could do in this future movie. Like, how do the kids reveal to their parents like they've been shrunk? Like, could they? try to boot up their father or mother's or their personal iPhones and then have to jump from letter to letter to send a text to their parents letting oh, them that's know. Good. I like yep, that. I could see that. Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah. That, 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 they, that they've shrunk. Like, there's a lot of stuff, like new technology and new things that they could kind of, like, uh, throw into the new film that that uh, would relate to, to audiences. I, I don't know. I... I um, I'm actually, I'm not sold on this 100%. I am sold on Josh Gad. I Tupperware that fucking casting. I think that Josh Gad is great in Disney films. And I Tupperware Disney's uh, ability uh, to do um, this uh, shrinking special effects. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I hope this is the next Jumanji. I really do. I... I and Rebecca, I honestly think that you hope that you're wrong and that this movie oh, is fucking hope amazing. I'm wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I hope I'm wrong. You know, and I think back to like those original Honey, I Shrunk the Kid movie, especially that first one. There was a lot of heart in that movie. Like you, you think about like the circumstances, like, you know, Rick Moranis is, is, is being Rick Moranis, who's so funny and such a great great comedy guy and him and his wife like they're on the verge of like breaking up and they're going to get a divorce and 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 this thing happens and there's a lot of heart between him and his wife looking for their kids and yeah there's a lot of like funny stuff happening i i just i hope that they can recapture some of that charm and not turn it into like you know Josh Gad, you know, as the as the father, or you know, being like, oh no, now I shrunk the kids. Whoa, <laughs> that to me is what I'm envisioning, and I really, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that. I hope that. I hope that shows up. <laughs> I hope that quote shows up on the poster. <laughs> oh, it probably will, and I want to shoot myself because oh, it's God. just now I shrunk the kids. Whoa! <laughs> Look who shrunk I, the kids now. God. Look who's shrinking now. Like we've I, done it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know though, it's they're good family movies. Like the eighties, they did come out in the eighties, right? Uh, late eighties. Late yeah, 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 yeah. We're talking about. Uh, I think. Yeah, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids came out in eighty nine, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, I believe, came out in ninety two. Okay, it's all a blur to me, man. The nineties were fun, but it's like they were good. Like Disney knew how to make. They knew how to make a really good family movie, and they had a lot of misses, of course. But when they do it right, Disney's kind of in their bag sometimes. And I think with Josh Gad. Yeah. Modernized special effects. And like you're saying, Brian, throwing things like technology into it, it really sounds like it's going to be a really fun movie. Yeah. Kids. So if they're doing it right, maybe get Jen Wexler on it. We got ourselves a movie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Poor Jen Wexler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jen. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, 
I'm laughing because it's like I wish I would have said that. That is so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was good, Dan. So like 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 I feel like like um I just want to pet you on the head and give you a treat. That was so goddamn good. <laughs> so, I'm so proud of you. Um <laughs> Let's get. I dedicate that one to you. Get Jen Wexler on this thing. <laughs> got a movie, man. Poor lady, man. She's oh, just trying to make a movie. No, and she <laughs> did. She, Jen Wexler, you've accomplished so much more than I ever had in my forty-one years on this earth. You have more people, more eyes on. on seriously, like um, that. Like her movie would be like me. Like, how many people do you think watch The Ranger? Thousands? Sure. Yeah. That would be like me taking a shit in my toilet and having thousands of people watch it. Right? Single file? We just line up single file? Yes. Yes. Like a fucking – I'm talking like <laughs> velvet rope to my toilet and people just watch my turd bobbing there. You know what I mean? And that's basically <laughs> what she did when when she uh, released the Ranger. Oh. That's see, I should have let you just hang there with your fucking <laughs> with your <laughs> disc, and I make it so much worse. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm on the verge of a snort. Oh. oh man! You know what? I love talking to you guys. You guys are fantastic. Uh, we're gonna uh, Marvel news. I'm just gonna talk about one thing, and then we're gonna end the episode. Marvel news this week. Uh, I ordered my first Marvel hot toy. Oh, which oh, one did you get, dude? I never thought in a million years that I would ever order a hot toy. Um, I was such a fan of Endgame. I've been such a fan of the MCU over the last 11 years. I wanted something special to kind of like cap it all off. Like, I guess I could just Brian, go out. what you get? I could just go out and buy like, uh, like figures and stuff. I've seen Endgame figures out there, but I wanted something really special to cap it off. And so I, um, pre-ordered the Tony Stark Nano Gauntlet. You son of a bitch. I was looking at that. I'm going to get one, too. Totally getting one. Now. Yeah. Uh, it's $377. You can pre-order it. no joke. It. Yeah. You can pre-order it now. Um, they'll take a deposit of $38, which will go towards the purchase. And then there are, I believe, six additional payments after that of $56, which I will be paying over the next six months. Um, and then it is expected to release between October and December of 2020. So... Um, I am not going to get this thing until next year, but this is probably going to be the first and last hot toy I will ever own, but I want something, I, I want something for me to, that I will just, I will look on and I will just, it will remind me of how much I love the MCU and how much I've loved the last 11 years of watching Kevin Feige give us and, and John Favreau I'm gonna, I'm not going to leave him out and Stanley give us like this amazing fucking epic event and this it was the capper and god that nano such a special movie now. yes Dan you're going to get one now yeah I, I had my eye on that one but I also had my eye on that end game Thanos which yeah. I think is a little bit more I think it's like four something yeah but same idea man I wanted something to kind of just 
like you said, look back on it. Yeah. Like I do with my old Star Wars figures. I look back on them fondly. You know what I mean? And this is something that's that's massive, important, and should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, kudos to you. That thing's awesome. I know. I uh, I wasn't going to pull the trigger, but I could not stop thinking about it. And then I also thought to myself, like, once I get it, I'm totally going to try to wear it and jerk off using it. Don't pinch yourself. <laughs> those articulation fingers. Like those a nice the, thin skin pinch. The stones glow. And, like, I don't know. I just, I just want to snap one off with that fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see what Peter Serretta bought? No. Dude, there is a life-size Thanos um, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. This thing is literally half his body size. It's a huge box. He spent like $970 on it. Oh, my God. It's really, really cool. It plugs in much like the other ones do and and the uh, stones glow and everything. Yeah. It is fucking awesome. But then it poses the question, where do you put something like that? It's kind of like that – the Jabba sail you know, bar. bar. Yeah, yeah, the sail bar. Just yeah. like that. It's like, it's cool, but what the fuck are you going to do with that? He has his whole living room is that kind of shit. I guess his, him and his, uh, I don't know if it's his significant other, I'll say. Yeah. They celebrate that stuff. They have it everywhere. And it's really, really cool. But you got to take a look at it. Try and, I think if you go to his uh, Twitter site or uh-huh. his Twitter page, you can check it out. It's fucking huge, but it's, it's really, really awesome. I have to check that out. That sounds awesome. Like the, the nano gauntlet. They say that, like, not only do the stones glow, but they breathe. So, like, it basically, like, the light, like, pulsates. Yeah. Oh that's what I take, too. I, I couldn't believe that I did it. I couldn't believe that I did it, but I was just like, I have to. I've never, I've never, like, gone all out on something like that before. But, like, Endgame meant that so much to me that I wanted to have a piece of it in my house. And not just, like, some fucking, like... $20 legends figure or you know you know what i mean i wanted i wanted mm-hmm. something that felt like it was like it came directly from the movie like it represents the film and like that was such a powerful moment in the movie spoilers when he says i am iron man and he's holding that fucking thing and i was just oh. i want that i want that and i want to be able to like walk into a room and see that and you know, and I also want, I want a reminder of like why I'm not getting laid right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then I'll I'll use that to jerk off. So that like it, yeah, that got weird. Um, but yeah, I I, I pre-ordered it. Um, so yeah, they'll be taking they'll be taking payment like uh, monthly payments out of my account for the next six months, and I am I couldn't be happier. I can't wait to see this thing and. It's going to be a long wait because I'm going to have to wait until next year between October, I think, yeah, October and December of 2020, for crying out loud. Fucking, that's crazy. Dan, yeah. The price kind of got me too, but then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, think of all the dumb shit I spend money on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's totally worth it. Yeah. Agreed. I just fucking, I bought a subscription to Con TV just so I could watch MXC. You know? True. <laughs> That's a I, think I have so many subscriptions. It's ridiculous how much know, money I just throw. It's crazy. You know what? We're gonna end. We're gonna end it here. Rebecca, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This was a whole lot of fun. Yeah, Dan. Thank sure. you. I appreciate. Thank I, I, you. I love having. I had a you fucking on. blast this week. I miss having Jake on. I love Jake. Jake. I couldn't ask for a better podcast host. Jake is fantastic. I love Jake. He's the best. 
But uh, if I had to do an episode without Jake, it was it was great having both of you guys on tonight. Thanks, man. It was a lot of fun. So, everybody, check out the Heroes of Noise podcast. Would you fucking do that? Just, God damn it, stop. What the fuck are you doing right now? What are you doing that's so fucking important that you can't get on your fucking uh, iTunes or your Pocket Cast or your fucking Spotify or your uh, Pandora? Yeah, Pandora. Who the who the fuck is using Pandora anymore, Dan? I know I said it, but I'm not even that impressed about it. It's I know. Like, okay, what are they? What I said something on uh, Facebook or something or Twitter. I said like, uh, what did I say? Pandora is to I can't remember. I compared Pandora to MySpace, like <laughs> Spotify. Kind of, yeah, kind Spotify of is to Facebook what Pandora is to MySpace or whatever, or vice versa. It's just Pandora. Who the fuck is on Pandora? Nothing like striking and when the iron's hot there, Pandora. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're yeah. finally going to jump on podcast now. But yeah, we're. I, I think we're on Pandora. I haven't even checked. I don't even care. Check out Heroes of Noise, people. You're gonna please love, do. You're gonna please do it. If you loved hearing Dan on this episode, you're gonna get more Dan, and then you're also gonna fall in love with this co-host, Steve Hudson. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy's fantastic. I love Steve. Steve's just energetic. Like nobody's fucking business. Nobody. Right? Yeah, he's energetic. He's passionate. Not in a way like me where I'm yelling like a fucking maniacal son of a bitch. He's passionate in a fun way, in a loving way. And it's just, he's hysterical. And you're going to love Heroes of Noise. Check it out, people. Just hit subscribe. Hit subscribe. And then when you've listened to your fucking Dan Carlins and your Joe Rogans and your fucking My Favorite Murder and all that bullshit... Then you, when you're done with that stuff and you've got that all out of the way, then you can listen to Heroes of Noise and you're going to be like, you know what? I can't even remember. I can't even remember the time when I used to listen to that Dan Carlin guy, that history <laughs> dude. Like, well, what the fuck? When's the last time I listened to that guy? That fucking pompous piece of shit. I don't even know. I can't say. I can't say anything about Dan Carlin. I've never even listened to any Dan Carlin stuff. I should be talking shit about Dan Carlin. He could be. I don't know. Is Dan Carlin the Jen Wexler of history? I don't know. I have no clue. He could She's be- like, again, with the stabbing pain in my eye. What the fuck is going on? Jen, I am sorry. You've accomplished so much more. How, much, how many times do I have to re- reiterate this fact, Jen, that you've got something out in the ethos that people care about? I, nobody, nobody gives a fuck about this podcast, Jen. You're winning. Hashtag winning Jen Wexler. There it is. You've already got me beat. The Ranger. I was hoping it was a fucking. I, I was hoping the Ranger was a fucking uh, a Yogi Bear fucking horror film. <laughs> I was hoping it was like like the Ranger had had his fill with Boo Boo and Yogi. Hey Yogi, the Ranger's gonna kill us. I was hoping that's where it was gonna go in this movie. I didn't get that movie, but you know whatever. Hey Boo Boo, what's in the basket? Oh man. The, the, the who is the voice actor for that fucking thing? Like the original guy? Yeah, for uh I mean Mel Blanc did everything, didn't he? Was it Mel Mel Blanc didn't do fucking Yogi, did he? I don't think he did Yogi. I don't think he did either. I don't I feel like one of the Rocky and Bullwinkle guys were involved in that. No, that was Hanna Barbera. Yeah, that was Hanna Barbera. Um yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, Don, Don Messick did Boo Boo. His and name was Dawes Butler. There Who? you go, Dawes Butler. Dawes Butler? You guys say that like you knew that shit. 
I'm looking at IMDb. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, that's classic Dawes Butler, Brian. <laughs> what the fuck? It's fucking standard Butler. That's what fucking Brian. Brian. Dawes. You got fucking rocks in your head or something? Yeah. But, uh, Brian, more like Dawes Butler. You stupid <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, man. He did, uh, he was the voice of Elroy Jetson on the Jetsons, too. Meet George Jetson. Daughter. His boy Elroy. His boy Elroy. Daughter, Daughter Jody. Jody. <laughs> Jane, his wife. Rosie. And that yeah. was a that was a funky fucking song, wasn't it? That was the fucking banger. It was a banger. <laughs> you guys are just like, shut the fuck up, end this thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, sure, Brian. It was a great fucking song. End this fucking shit <laughs> episode. Yeah, get you're, me off this crazy. Game. I know you're you quoting the Jensen song. All right. <laughs> We get it. That's funny. All right, Brian. Yeah, you remember the Jetsons song. Hilarious. End it. Fucking stop the bleeding. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we'll be back next week for episode 285. I believe we're going to be talking about Brightburn Aladdin. Yeah, Brightburn Aladdin and Booksmart. Those are the three movies. I plan on watching all three. I hope to watch all three. If I can't watch all three, I'm at least going to be watching Brightburn and Booksmart. Aladdin can go, whatever. <laughs> but I will try to watch Aladdin. Dan Ramirez, Heroes of Noise. Check it out, people. Rebecca Daling, check out Number One Comic Books. You're you're definitely a big part of that. Um, you know, me, Joe Stark, Rebecca Daling, Rod Clearabout, we talk about comic books. Check that out. Thank you so much, guys. And just like all good leftovers say on the doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Originally good have already been done before So we should Separate the wheat from the shaft And we're the shaft The crap Even though we're the shit Woo! We're the leftovers Picking up the scraps
dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over drop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture.